Can you believe that song is 30 years old? That's Aerosmith's Angel from 1988. Welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio. I am Todd Dan Drift-Wittellis. This is the Druff and Friend Show. We are starting a bit late tonight. It is 9.11 p.m. Pacific Time. And we have a free roll that started 11 minutes ago, but you can still get in until 9.25. That's on the No Fraud Online Poker Room. It is a $57 free roll. Totally free. No play chips even required for entrance. Just totally free. Just you need a separate account on the No Fraud Online Poker Room, which you can find near the top of the screen on PokerFraudAlert.com. Make sure you understand the rules before you play. Otherwise, you may not qualify for the free money, which is real cash money that I will send to you through Bitcoin, through bank transfer. I can send it to you other ways electronically that you may be able to think of. If you win, email me, dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com, or what's actually preferable is PM me on the forum, Dan Space Druff. The $57 this week, 50 of it came from C Money, and 7 came from Reno. So thank you to the two of you for the money for this week. We have the prizes as follows. Well, I had it in front of me, now it's gone. One second, please. <laughs> Here we are. $30 for first, 14 for second, 8 for third, 5 for fourth. 30, 14, 8, and 5. Those are the prizes this week. And it started at 9 p.m. You have until 9.25 to get in there with a full stack, though. You get a full stack. And uh, I hope Calwatt hasn't fallen asleep. I wouldn't blame him if he did. Nope, he didn't. He's, he's actually calling in. Calwatt, thank you for managing. Up, oh, not don't no. Thank you for leaving that on in the background. But thank you for managing to stay up until uh, twelve thirteen a.m. when this is starting. Well, I got a new setup here, so it was just a uh, just a little error. That's not. Bad. I got a new microphone. Does it sound all right? Yeah, yeah, it sounds all right. I think I sound. You know what? A, a little bit like a speaker, but it's it's okay for the most part. Sounds like a speaker. A little bit like you have like a call on speakerphone is what I mean, but it's not not, not that bad. Like I think the For other real? One was, I think wow. the other one was a little clearer. You can ask the audience, but to, like it's not bad to the point where I say like replace it. But I, if I had to choose between the two, I think the other one was better. The, the, the chat room can tell us though what they think if it's better or worse. This is the the microphone that Michael Jackson used to record. I think it was a uh, Thriller. Yeah, I think it was that. You know, it's possible it's just in my head when you say you have something new, and it immediately makes me worry that it's not going to work well. So it could be that, too. That's why I'm saying maybe the chat room should chime in. You like, they, you shouldn't have told me, and you shouldn't have just let me, like, <laughs> discover for myself whether it's worse or better. I mean, it, 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 it could be worse. I don't know. I was using a, a pretty nice headset before. But, you know, it's a, really the first uh, time that I've used it for anything. So And sometimes you need to adjust levels or whatever. So. Yeah, it could be that. Is it too hot? or uh, It's hard to tell. It just doesn't quite sound as clear. Let's see what the chat room's saying. Uh, let's see. Um, nobody's saying, saying absolutely nothing. Yeah, they're saying nothing. <laughs> they're talking about, talking about other things here. I guess they're talking about a fight right now going on between on Twitter, of course, uh, between Phil Galfond and Matt Glantz, of all people. What? <laughs> yeah, I didn't expect that one. I, I mean, it seems it, like I mean, that seems like a very unlikely fight to be going right, on. Right. That, that's so weird. And this is just happening right now, so I haven't seen it yet. Though there's going to be a lot of Twitter fights talked about on the show, including one that I, I th- or no, I think I did mention in the, in the agenda. A number of Twitter fights going on, including one that involves me. So 
that's, that seems to be happening more and more in poker where players who are unhappy with one another take to Twitter and you, you kind of have it coming from a few different angles. You have it players who are just, who just don't like each other or have some kind of dispute related to something with poker and other times ones who are uh, passionate about politics or social issues get into fights. So you, you have a lot of things that can come together to make a lot of people argue on Twitter and of course uh, it's easy to do, a lot easier to start a fight on Twitter. Yeah. And, and also, if nothing interesting is happening in the poker world, then, you know, it'll just devolve into bullshit like this. Yeah, well, at least it gives us stuff to talk about on the radio show, though. That, that part. Yeah. Like, when I see one of these yeah. start, I see one of these start, I go, oh, yes, this is going to be a good topic this week. Oh, this is gonna be, like, like I'm, I'm actually happy to see it because I know it'll give us content. Because if you think about it, every week, and this time it was just six days since the last show. That's why this is delayed since yesterday, because... I didn't want to come on Wednesday after we just did Friday. It just seemed like there wouldn't be enough to talk about. So, but if you think about it, poker and gambling, it's not that big of an industry or a, a news topic to where you'd think we'd have this much material to talk about every week. So I always worry that one week's going to come and like just nothing's happening. And we'll have nothing to say. Hasn't happened yet, but it, it could. Like I think about what if all the topics that happened this week just didn't happen? Then what would we talk about? So, Druff, true story. I was at uh, the supermarket <clears throat> probably about uh, about eleven ten my time, and I still had a couple of things to get. And I'm like, oh, well, Druff said the radio was going to start at eleven fifteen, and then I'm just like, nah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't have anything to work. Yeah, about. exactly. You're, I'll take my time. That, that's, that's the one good part of the show starting late. Do you just uh, if you're late, you're like, okay, no problem. I'll still be early. <laughs> okay, so uh, I see Trader Ruski said at a dinner meeting, so won't be able to jump in for a couple of hours. He he's at uh, CES in Vegas, I think. So he's probably uh, busy with that. He's at the EVN show. Don't <laughs> let him kid you. Don't let him fool you. <laughs> so let's uh, get to the rest of the intro here. If you want to call into the show, this phone number is seven seven five fraud fifty five seven seven five three seven two eight three five five. That's our number. You can also text that same same phone number if you want to reach me during the show, after the show, before the show, really any time. But I may read your texts on the air unless you ask me not to at the beginning of the text. Seven seven five three seven two eight three five five. You can call or you can text. We have the Mount Charleston line, which is a separate number into the show. You cannot text it. It's an old 70s rotary phone on the top of Mount Charleston, a mountain near Las Vegas. It did finally get snow. Finally got snow. But uh, 702-430-1808. 702-430-1808. That's the Mount Charleston line. No matter which number you call, make sure you show your caller ID or you won't get through. I promise you that. Now, we have the call to listen line. That is a phone number you can call to listen to the show. It's not interactive. I won't be able to talk back to you. Or I, I, guess, I guess I can talk back to you if uh, you just if I'm not hearing you. I mean, you can think I'm talking back to you in your head. But in reality, uh, I cannot hear you. It's a number to just call up and listen to the show. You can use it for the live show. Or when we're not live, you can call it and listen to the streaming reruns where it picks up one of our more than, uh, I think, 270-something shows now. And just picks one at random, runs it in full, and then picks another one at random, runs it in full, again and again and again, until we come back live on the air. Totally free. Just the price of a phone call to the United States, to Iowa. It's located in a shack in Carroll, Iowa. 
And you can use it as much as you want. I don't care. You can sit on it for thousands of minutes. I really don't care. It's not going to cost me anything. If it did, then I would not tell you to do this. But it's not going to cost me. I have uh, unlimited minutes on it. And that's good because hundreds of thousands of minutes get listened to on the call to listen line every year. Seven one two. Let me let me ask you a question. What exactly? I've heard you know occasionally it mentioned here and there. What is this call to listen line thing? <laughs> and is it does it cost me money if I want to call this thing? Is it like a nine hundred number that you've set up or? Well, the phone number seven. Can, can you explain it to us? Yeah, well, to tell us what the deal is with it. Seven one two seven seven five eight one six two is the number. Seven one two seven seven five eight one six two. And for Calwatt's curiosity. It does not require a computer, does not require a smartphone or a data plan or the internet in any way. It's just a phone you call from any phone in the world that can dial. And it's totally free and it's easy and it never buffers. It absolutely never buffers. That's what sucks about internet radio is it buffers. This does not buffer. 712-775-8162. And if you forget that number or any other number I've mentioned on the show, just go to the radio page. There's a radio tab near the top of PokerFraudAlert.com. Click it, and it will show all the phone numbers that you'll ever need to know for this show. You can cast a show so with you, me. So you're saying I can just call this number, and I can listen to the show? Yes, it's amazing. It's amazing. It's been around for over two years. So if you hmm. – see, now you, you interrupted my train of thought here. <laughs> I had, it's working. If, if you want, If you want to – chat in the chat room you can do so during the live show nobody's in there when it's not live but when the show is live you can go in the chat room cal watt is there watching at least some of the time i'm occasionally watching yeah hong konger says the number is one nine hundred pfa scam is that right is that the number you call up to listen i, I should set that up i'll get some money that way they call right. to listen line it doesn't make me any money are 900 numbers still a thing <clears throat> i think they technically exist i i don't really see them published anymore in any way, but uh, I think they take. Because that, that was a big thing for a while. Well, <laughs> like the, they were everywhere. Uh, you know, somebody who is involved with this show, involved meaning he calls into it, was uh, actually a big figure in some legislation that had to do with restricting nine hundred numbers. That would be one Ken Scaler. This is a true story. Was he calling like a porn line too often? They yes, took all his yes, money, yes. Like so this is what happened. Okay. Oh, wait a minute. Okay, so someone else has to stop him from himself. Well, listen, listen. This is this is actually a true story. And the funny thing is, I read about him and thought about him before I knew him or had ever met him. So I remember, I forgot. I think it was eighty-seven or something. 87, 88, something like that. I think it was eighty-seven. I was. It was a rainy day. I was in high school. It was a rainy day. Whenever it was, it was cold and rainy, I would go take my lunch and eat it in the uh, in the library so I could be warm. And when I would do that, then I would get the newspaper, the L.A. Times, and I would just read it. And uh, one of the days I was in there, I read an interesting story about a fight that was going on with uh, in California between the California Public Utilities Commission and a family in the San Fernando Valley. So the fight was about the fact that a family did not want their phone to have access to 900 numbers or 976 numbers, which were the same. They, they wanted that blocked from their phone. They said, we do not want these services because their minor son was calling over and over and over again. And it, even with their best attempts to stop him, he was finding ways to do it. 
He was was that little baby Ken? Yes, he was addicted to these phone sex lines and just kept calling over and over and over again. And they oh my and had God. had run up. How, how did I? I was, I was like half joking, <laughs> but I mean, of course, it's him addicted yes, to the yes. phone so, sex. So it was he, of course. So about twenty thousand dollars worth of calls ran up. I don't know in how much time, but uh, about twenty thousand dollars worth of calls ran up to these nine hundred nine seven six numbers to these phone sex lines, and his family was insisting that they should have the ability to block it, that they shouldn't be forced to subscribe to these services that uh, their minor son can call when they're not looking. The, uh, either that or they, they could hook a generator up to his right hand. I mean, because if he's <laughs> that, calling those numbers that much, he's jacking it 24-7. And like they, tried, they tried things like, like taking away the phones at night and whatever, but then he'd buy his own phone and plug it into the jack. Like Whatever they tried wasn't working. So they were saying, we don't want to pay the bill. They refused to pay that portion of the bill. They were demanding that the phone company do not cut up, you know, would not cut off their service as a result of non-payment of these charges. They paid the rest of the charges; they just wouldn't pay the nine hundred charges. And they also said they want blocking to be put on their phone. No such thing existed at the time; it was not required because this was these popped up around. Uh, well, they popped up in the early eighties, but they really got going around like eighty three, eighty four. So this is a few years into it, but they, this still had never come up where someone was demanding blocking. So there is a, a big case involving this, you know, basically them versus the phone company, and the California Public Utilities Commission ruled that Ken Scaler's parents were correct, that there should be blocking. And the Public, Public Utilities Commission ruled, number one, that blocking has to be provided by the phone company at the customer's request, and number two, that since there was no blocking, that they would be excused from all charges to these numbers. So they got out of paying the bill. And number three, that people's phone lines could not be disconnected for non-payment of those charges. If they didn't pay anything else in the bill, they could be disconnected. But Now, the uh, the phone company could go after them civilly, but they could not have their line shut off for non-payment of 900 or 976 charges. These were all a result of Ken Scaler and his calls to these 900 976 charges and and no, so it's all a result of Ken Scaler and his cock. <laughs> so I so I read about this uh, at the time. I didn't know him till 91. This was in like 87. So I was in the library. I remember it was raining. I was in the library and it was a cold day and I was reading about this and I go how could someone run up $20,000 worth of this? I like like how much is this guy jerking off? I remember thinking about this. Like how could he possibly jerk off that much to where you can run up $20,000 worth of calls? To these I don't things. know how how can you not wait till you get home and have to jerk off in the Starbucks bathroom. <laughs> so, so I was I was like, who is this guy? This is so I I wonder what this kid is like. And then of all things, four years later, I met him, and I, I didn't find this out until like two years into knowing him Bro, when he this, told me the this story. This guy, you you meet him, he's gonna have hands like a landscaper. There are gonna be <laughs> calluses all over the place. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I that's that really happened, and and uh, so the his family was the first in the country to have. Nine seven six nine hundred blocking at the time they were charging twenty dollars for it. Uh, eventually, another ruling was made, which didn't have to do with Ken, where it had to be free. I think it went from like twenty dollars to two dollars to free. And the reason now, why do you think these eight, these nine hundred and nine seven six numbers kind of disappeared? Do you have any idea why they went away? I mean, I would think the internet, but I don't know. It's somewhat, but the main reason they disappeared they disappeared kind of before the 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 web got popular with with the masses. The, the reason that these mostly disappeared was because of the blocking, that so many people blocked them that uh, 
nobody could call them. I shouldn't say nobody, but there okay. a, a very large portion of the potential market could not call them anymore. So, of course, a new trick was found in the 90s. This started, I'd say, around like 92, 93. Uh, there was a trick where they would get you to call international numbers with, you know, to some small country, usually ones that look local, like the 809 area code was a popular one because that was the Caribbean. Like at the time, all the Caribbean was 809. So it looks like a U.S. number. You know, you just dial 1-809, whatever. So you would, they would advertise the sex lines with an 809 number, and then these small Caribbean countries, which of course were not part of the U.S. and they could do what they wanted, they actually made deals with these uh, these phone sex providers to give them some of the long distance revenue because I guess the they would charge they would charge the U.S. phone company for completing the call on their end, so they'd get part of the the revenue that would come in. Or I guess the U.S. phone company had to pay them, and then the U.S. company would collect it from the customer. So so they were actually kicking some of that back to the phone sex lines, and that's how they were starting to get around those, those blocks. And uh, then there was another trick where you, you'd call an 800 number, and you'd say, well, 800, that's toll-free. And they used a loophole in the law which uh, allowed small long-distance companies to you know, bill things directly to your number by calling an 800 number. Like, you know, you call up and you know, press one to, to complete this call to whatever number you press it and, and it, uh, you know, it built to your phone number. So they use that as a way around it. And they would also, you know, they tell, call whatever, 1-800 whatever for phone sex. You'd think it's free, but in reality they'd say, you know, press one to talk to hot girls right now. You press one and it would charge you. So there are all kinds of tricks, all kinds of tricks. So, but <clears throat> Drew, you got that breaking news? Oh, or do we not do that during the intro? Crap, we're still on the intro. I didn't even... During the agenda. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Okay, well... We are still on the agenda. Well, okay, fine. I, I, I guess you didn't hear it, but I played it. <laughs> okay. No, I didn't hear anything. So, first of all... Um, couple of people are saying in chat that um, Daly or Daly, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, added $20 to the free roll. It's in the thread. Oh, yeah. He mentioned something. He texted me about that. Let me see. Yeah. So just wanted to make you aware of that because they were all mentioning it. And then also on uh, betcoin.ag. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't think you've even gotten to that part of the agenda where you're talking about um, that you're going to have an interview. But uh, there's some people on there that are talking some smack. <laughs> there's like a little... Chat box. Oh, they're actually bashing me. Yeah. Oh, yeah, nice, yeah, yeah. nice. No, thank so, you, guys. So I, I think uh, Twitchy Seal uh, put a link, and then you know they're they're kind of talking about it, and they're they're saying. I mean, to be honest with you, I mean some of this is accurate. It says <laughs> Druff will spend a bunch of time going through the agenda, which is true, right? Um, but how do they know that? If, they, if these are new people, how do they know that? No, no, no. I, I think that was actually Twitchy Seal. I oh, okay, think okay. Just messing with you. But the, this one guy from uh, Bitcoin.ag, I, I don't even know if he's from there, but he's in the chat. Uh, he's saying, I'm guessing it'll be the same old played out material he's been spitting out for months, but now an extra two viewers will find out. Blah, blah, blah. Just some smack being talked in the in the chat. Okay, well. So, um, just so you know, I mean, some people from Bitcoin.ag may be paying attention to well, the uh, the interview. Well, okay. Well, thank you, guys. Uh, Twitchy Seal's trying to call in. We'll, we'll connect him shortly. For some reason, he was having, I'm having trouble 
adding him to this, so I'll, I'll add him separately. But uh, oh, and I'm, I'm told that I need to say that Big Fangs has got a small penis. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so... So big big fangs doesn't have a big wang is what you're saying. No, it's like the 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 dude who drives this huge car because he's got a micro phallus. Okay. You know? So here here's the uh the bounties that were added by Daly. He said uh add $20 to the pool no matter what, then add a $5 bounty on I am Greek, Reno and tell a friend. Uh if if you knock one of these players out, you meaning the player in this free roll which you can't get into anymore because it already started. And UCLA covers the minus 6.5 versus Utah tonight, you get $5. If any one of these players don't make it in, then fuck off. <laughs> that bounty doesn't happen. So, okay, that's fair. So, basically, yeah, what he's saying here is that if you have to knock off either I am Greek, Reno, or tell a friend, for each of them, you get $5 potentially if UCLA wins by seven or more tonight against Utah. If UCLA loses or, loses or wins by fewer than seven points, then you get nothing. And if you don't knock any of these players out, you get nothing. Also, $20 has been added to the prize pool. So, okay. So what I'm, I'll have to reconfigure the prize pool here. And thank you, Daly. Daly, by the way, is someone who's very, very good at prop betting. So when he posts a prop bet on Poker Fraud Alert's Flying Stupidity wagering thread, you really need to listen. It's, uh, his record has been amazing so far in props in all sports. So uh, now sometimes the lines he posts change very quickly because the prop betting market's very thin and the second there's a bet on one it changes but his props are usually so good that even if you take a, a line a little bit worse than what he posts it's still a very positive expectation so anyway we now have a 77 dollars free roll instead of 57 so what i will do is i will add 10 to first place making it 40 i will add uh six to second place making it 20 and i'll add four to third Okay, so here, here's what it is. Wait, is this right? No, it's wrong. Oops. A three. Okay, let me try this here. Okay, now here, here's here's the new total. Here's the new uh, payouts: forty, nineteen, eleven, and seven. That's it. Forty, nineteen, eleven, and seven for this now seventy-seven dollar free roll with those bounties that Daly mentioned, and you'll collect them from me. So just that's now officially part of this prize pool. Thank you, Daly. And uh, Twitchy Seal will get to you shortly. What I'm going to do is I'm going to jump ahead because I know Twitchy Seal is in New York, and uh, I think that's where he is. He's somewhere in the East Coast, so he, I think he doesn't stay up that late. It's 12:30 already, so we'll put him on first since Bitcoin.ag's chat is just uh, they're they're waiting. They they want to hear this rehashed material I've been saying for the last few months. And look, I want to be honest here. I I don't know who's listening who. If you're Bitcoin, Bitcoin players or Bitcoin staff or owners, I'm I'm neutral here. Okay, I know I've said some bad things about Bitcoin, but these were justified things I said. However, if Bitcoin acts right and does the right thing here and acts respectably, then I'll say so. I'm not looking to trash them. And by the way, there was an accusation that I'm some sort of shill for seals with clubs that's totally not true uh, <laughs> if you guys know my history that's not possible the the, the uh, i i used to know that guy very well and me and him strongly dislike each other so that's the last thing i'm going to shill for <laughs> that's actually really funny it, it's funny i know i saw that that the whole this whole point is to shill for seals i'm like they should only know they should only know in fact the fact that i'm covering this at all shows my neutrality here so, is it true that you're you're bumping attorney Ben Zamokin to to get some seals with clubs advertising on? 
I don't have that's to bump. I can, I, there's a lot of time in this show. I can I can squeeze anyone else. <laughs> add add so another a, one. A lot, a lot of Why room not? here for other sponsors, yeah. other than uh, attorney uh, Eric Benzamokin, who, by the way, he he told me. I hope this is okay to be make public. He went to Commerce last night. Did very well in the Limit Hold'em game. So I, I better watch out. He's going to become like the mm. Limit Hold'em expert on the site. He's going to bump me off. So. Okay, here's the agenda. Either that or you're going to follow him down there anytime you go. <laughs> so here's the here is the agenda tonight. First, we're going to get to the Twitchy Seal interview. We're going to have him on, and uh, he's going to tell us what's going on with, with Bitcoin. He has actually been asked to help them figure out how to distribute this bad beat jackpot that they were first going to steal. And yes, they even said so. This is not my guess. They said so on their own blog that they're going to steal the, the bad beat jackpot. That, those weren't the words they used, but they said they're taking it. Then they reconsidered, which is good. And now they're trying to figure out a way to do it to where it's fair. At least I hope that's what they're doing. And they've been talking with Twitchy Seal, who was actually one of their biggest critics for a long time. He played on there, but he was always criticizing them when they deserved it. And uh, supposedly he's involved in the process, and uh, we'll see where it goes. I, I'm still very skeptical, but we'll have him come on to explain. Last week we tried to have him on, and he was in a ski resort in Vermont and his cell phone reception was terrible. And I think his girlfriend was yelling at him in the background and the, the whole thing wasn't a good scene. In fact, it would have been a better scene if I could have heard his girlfriend yelling, but uh, all we got was, it was a very difficult thing to follow because of the cell phone reception, which isn't his fault. I mean, he, he tried, but uh, this week he's not in Vermont and he can actually call in. In fact, he's calling through Skype, which hopefully won't be a disaster. So we're going to have him on and have him explain what's going on with that. And, uh, and, and we'll get to the, important parts of this i know it's a very long story and while, while i have some interest in it i know a lot of you just want to kind of cut to the chase and understand the good stuff so we'll get to that jason mercier is the latest poker stars pro to no longer be a poker stars pro he supposedly is leaving to spend time with his family i don't uh, exactly believe that's the reason but uh he did post a statement through the Poker Stars blog, and they posted a very nice thing about him at the bottom. And we will compare and contrast that to Vanessa Self's departure on December 30th, about a week beforehand. And when I made that comparison on Twitter, I got some angry responses, including from Vanessa herself. First time in a long time, Vanessa Selps has uh, communicated with you me. blocked? She unblocked me to, to respond. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, I'll explain. How, get how did she see it? Like someone else retweeted uh, it? Or she saw, who, was, uh, she saw who, who the tweets were. Yeah, someone else was responding to when She saw one of them was to me, and she was trying to figure out what was going on. So she unblocked you just to yell at you and then probably blocked you again. You're actually very close. <laughs> you're, you're very close. That's fucking hilarious. Another, another, <laughs> and a much bigger Twitter fight involved Anna Kate, who we've had on the show twice, and she's been on Survivor, uh, and Kate Hall. Two Kates, the, the last name Kate and the first name Kate. Neither spelled K-A-T-E. Anna Kate, which is spelled a K-H-A-I-T, which is her real name. And Kate I Hall. I want to see them in a cage mud wrestling. <laughs> Not only because it would be entertaining, but because Kate Hall would be so offended that I would propose the idea of them fighting in, in a mud wrestling in bikinis. Do you think that uh, really long fingers would be an advantage in mud wrestling? Yeah, it definitely could, man. It's kind of like you it's kind of like a, an extension of your reach. Yeah, okay. you could slide those things all over the place in yeah. the mud and never see it coming. Uh, 
almost a $600,000 jackpot hit at a 1-2 game, 1-2 no limit game on the Chico Poker, Poker Network, which uh, has uh, Bet Online and, and some other skins. So I'm not trying to advertise for them, but it's an interesting story. Oh, Chico Loco has got his own Poker Yeah, man? Yeah, he does. I, I told you, running out of Tijuana. So the, oh the, the Chico Loco Poker Network, there really was a six hundred, almost 600K jackpot hit at a 1-2 game there. I'll tell you about that hand, and uh, we'll talk about what's going to probably happen to that money since 1-2 players hit it. Vegas visitors declined in 2017. The number of visitors in 2017 was fewer than 2016, and the percentage of revenue from gaming was lower than ever. That doesn't mean they had the lowest revenue ever. That means the percentage of all revenue that they had in Vegas from tourism, the percentage of that that came from gaming, meaning uh, gambling wins against tourists or against anyone, was lower than ever. Yeah, people didn't want to get mowed down by a semi-auto automatic weapon. Go well, figure. But that's the part about it, it, it declining, but the percentage gaming revenue is about that they're really getting away from trying to make money from gaming. So we'll right, talk about sure. that. Uh the Revel Casino, which was over $2 billion to build and then failed miserably in Atlantic City, is going to reopen as the Ocean Resort Casino. We may skip to that topic while Twitchy Seal is on. He's a big Atlantic, C- Atlantic City guy, and he knows a whole lot about the Revel. I only know a little of it because I barely go to Atlantic City, being quite far from it. Marquee Rewards. You've probably not heard of Marquee Rewards. It is the rewards program for a group of casinos called uh, Penn National Gaming. And they now have a program that is very similar to what seven stars at Total Rewards at Caesars used to be, including the complimentary rooms. But is it worth it? Is this the next thing I will be chasing, or is this something that really doesn't have much value? So I'll talk about Marquee Rewards and also an associated topic that soon Penn National Gaming will have 41 casinos that are in their network, more than any other gaming company, I think even more than Caesars. Actually, it may not be more than Caesars. I never counted Caesars. It's, it's close. But uh, 41, you know, I think Caesars may have more than 41. It's close. But anyway, 41 casinos in this uh, Penn National Gaming, which isn't known very well. Like, you know, you know MGM really well. You know Caesars really well. Uh, you, you don't know Penn National Gaming. But, yeah, there's going to be a network of 41 Casinos very shortly because they're acquiring a bunch of them. And we'll talk about that too. We've talked before about Breakout Coin. We even mentioned it last week in a different context that attempted to be both a cryptocurrency and used as a currency for a gambling site. Uh, it was associated with a lot of uh, big name but mostly washed up poker pros. And this was in late 2004, and then they tried to do their initial coin offering and, and sell the, the coins they generated, and the whole thing was a big fail. So I thought that was the end, but they are trying to revive everything now that these alternate cryptocurrencies, known as altcoin, have become so big. So now they're trying to really push Breakout Coin again, which never completely went away, but it seems like they're focusing on it again. I'll talk a bit more about Breakout Coin, which is different than the other thing we talked about last week which is kind of a similar story. Breakout Coin was already developed. It just uh, didn't really go anywhere because it was kind of a laughable idea, but now that now there's all these alt cryptocurrencies, now it's not so laughable. So that'll be at the end of the show. And that is our agenda for this evening. So let's... Uh, I'm going to put on Twitchy Seal. 
I think the reason I couldn't connect him on, I think I hadn't officially accepted him as a as a Skype friend. Let's see here. Oh, what a pain in the butt here. Here we go. Send me a contact request. I will add him. Hopefully his sound's okay. He just got Skype and everything to do this. And we're going to talk about Bitcoin. Get into what's going on. Twitchy Seal, are you there? Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. I, I, was, was, about, I was about to say no, but uh, that, that's just going to cause a whole host of problems. I, I didn't want to play oh, that joke yeah. at this point. Like at, at this point, I didn't want to even go okay, there. Okay, hold on. I'm, I'm closing all the... Uh... Can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah, it's fine. I can hear you. Okay, cool. I had to close the, uh, the actual radio. Now, are you on a, a headset or are you on just the internal speaker? I'm on a headset, but I'm not sure that it's actually using the uh, microphone. Okay. I mean, it's not perfect, but you sound clear, at least. That's the, that's the point. It's, okay. Uh, you're clear. Yeah. People, uh, it's just very important to me that everyone can be understood, and it's not like frustrating to listen to. Because I, I will listen to sometimes to podcasts or radio shows where it's frustrating to try to hear, and it pisses me off when I listen to other shows. And, and that's why last week I appreciated your call in, but uh, just because of the reception issue, I had to drop you because it was... Uh, it was very tough to follow. So, yeah. And is a call? Is Calwat there too? Calwat, you there? I, I, I am here. Oh, okay, cool. I was just making sure that I could actually uh, hear you. Okay. No, so, usually when Druff is talking to somebody, I usually just mute and let him go at it with them, and occasionally say something stupid. Okay. All right. Cool. So, so Twitchy Seal is uh, he's a longtime player on Bitcoin, which is the oldest uh, Bitcoin poker room. It's been around for a long actually, time. Actually, to interject real quick, I'm not a longtime player. Uh, I stopped playing on there about a year and a half ago. Okay, but I was I was there for a while, and I've been following them uh, very closely. Yeah. So so right, and, and I've watched. He's been very critical of them along the way of a lot of smaller scandals they had, which which were yeah you know, they were serious enough though. It wasn't like totally minor stuff. It was it was stuff that was kind of you know concerning the whole way that they weren't acting right, and uh, because they're a small site and because they're only Bitcoin based. Uh, not that many people cared, but it was, I noticed that there were a lot of negative stories about them where Bitcoin looked quite bad, and uh, Twitchy Seal was often the one bringing them to the people, and and uh, he was also getting censored by Bitcoin a lot when attempting to bring this out to the masses in places where they had the power to censor it. Obviously, on Poker Fraud Alert, they couldn't do that, but uh, in places where they, they could censor things like their own forum or, or forums on, on other sites where they moderated, uh, they were censoring him. They, they even punished you by, at, at one point, uh, degrading a status you had earned on there, right? Uh, yeah, well, I've I've basically been banned for the last, well, I think, basically two years. Uh, and they, they are a small site, but they've been a part of the uh, Winning Poker Network since, until Christmas. So while they are a small skin with a very, like, niche, uh, small group of players, uh, if you played in any million-dollar tournaments on ACR in the last three years, uh, you're playing against uh, Bitcoin players. And uh, so that's kind of a big deal, you know? Yeah. They were just, uh, ACR was just letting them in or right, not yeah. just ACR, but W, you know, uh, WPN. So, yeah. So we've been talking about this for the last few weeks. And, and uh, the first story that we had about this was where they had some sort of bug that allowed people to register for tournaments that uh, this, these were tournaments that ran, on the Winning Poker Network, of which America's Card Room is part of, and then they were part of just for the tournament side of it uh, at Bitcoin. So people were able to register for these tournaments with no money in their Bitcoin account. And then basically this left Bitcoin on the hook 
to come up with the money to pay for those people that had done this because it was their fault. And then I don't know if Bitcoin ever came up with it. I, I think they didn't. And that's, I thought, very shortly after that, they were off the winning poker network uh, tournament scene. And then they closed their poker room. So I, I yeah, think- actually, I'd, I'd like to just point out actually real quick that uh, uh, back in two, I just p- posted a link in uh, the chat. I brought up a huge deal with like a long laundry list of like shitty things that they've done in 2015. Yeah, I've seen that before. And yeah, so so it's not like uh, this was the first. No, it wasn't. So there's, yeah, there's yeah. A, like a long there's list of scandals, of right? A long list of scandals. It looked like they probably screwed the uh, the winning poker network on the way out, and uh, you know, of course, now that doesn't directly affect players because this comes from the network itself. That money, so that that doesn't take money out of players' pockets, but it just shows the the ethics of the site. And and as he said, he posted a big list at one point of different things they'd done wrong, and they banned him for this because they were trying to uh, you know, punish him for calling them out for all these things. So that's the history to this. I won't bother listing them all. They're, they're kind of interesting stories, but uh, it's not worth going into because it's kind of a smaller and minor site. But the most interesting thing to me, well, the two interesting things, number, number one was the thing, the laughable thing that happened with the tournaments were they somehow allowed all these people with no money to register, and then, <laughs> then they were expected to pay the winning poker network for those entrants, for, for those entries. Because basically, every time someone registers through them, they owe the money to the network, and they didn't want to pay it. So that was kind of a funny story. And then that led to them closing the poker room, and then that led to the biggest story that a 43 Bitcoin bad beat jackpot. Which is a lot of money. A Bitcoin right now is worth thirteen thousand something. At the time, it was worth sixteen thousand something. So it's it's fluctuated in value with U.S. dollars depending upon how uh, Bitcoin's been doing in the in the marketplace. But uh, forty three Bitcoin, which is several hundred thousand dollars, five hundred seventy nine thousand. Right, 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 and it's been as high as like seven hundred in recent times. Yep. That uh, they were just going to steal, and this is not a guess. We're not being critical or, or, or making up stories or assuming things. They actually said, and we covered this on other shows, that the site sold. They're claiming there's new owners, which has not been verified. Yeah. And that the new owners are, quote, not honoring past promotions, which is ridiculous because this is not a promotion. They actually took money specifically out of rake, where they raked extra money each time in every real money hand, to where that jackpot would be built. It was player money. And yep. it, it is very, very much the poker industry standard that if a room has a bad beat jackpot and closes down, that it needs to be paid out in some way. It doesn't have to be paid out as a bad beat jackpot, but it has to be paid back to players in some way where everyone has an opportunity to win it. They can't even just like pick players. Oh, we like this guy. Okay, he gets you know four hundred thousand. They can't do that. They, there has to be some way where it, which is fair, where everybody has an opportunity to win it, and it has to be paid out in full. Before the room can close, it's a Nevada state law. That's a law, I believe, in every state where where poker New Jersey, yeah, where yep. poker and exists. I, it I, has I'd like to actually get to uh, later when we talk about the Revel. I was actually at the Revel when the poker room closed, and they had to pay out all of their promotional money. And uh, as soon as uh, Bitcoin announced that they were closing their poker room, I brought this up to their attention. I was like, because they they announced it was going to close on Christmas about two weeks before, and I. Literally within within an hour, uh, got in contact with support, and I was like, "Hey, you've got all this money that you owe to the players. Here are here's like a few ways that you could legitimately and you could give it back to the players in a fair way uh, while the poker room was still open with with a couple weeks to go." 
Yeah, they, uh, and they didn't do it. And they, right. They, 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 they yeah. were avoiding the topic, discussing it at all. And finally, they addressed it after they closed yeah. and just said, no, we're keeping it. They said, we're keeping it. So we're not honoring promotions. Now, it's fine if, if a, a poker room has a promotion where it's coming out of their own pockets and they say, you know, it's a promotion, uh, you know, hit a Royal Flush, we'll give you uh, – We'll give you this much money. Yeah, whatever. Something like that. Anything that's funded by themselves, then they have a right to discontinue it. Even if it's it's a jackpot that's built up, if they're funding it by themselves, then they can discontinue it, not honor it. But if it's coming from player money, if they're raking extra money specifically for that, that comes out of player pools, they are required to pay that. And when I say they, I mean poker rooms everywhere. That's the way it works. Now, online... Yeah, right. Online, you know, of course, there's not any rule governing them legally. There's there's these joke regulatory bodies that may or may not be uh, involved here, but that doesn't really matter. But the the thing is, they're expected to. It's the right thing to do. It's the standard. And if you don't do it, you're stealing. So this is a small site. This is not like Poker Stars, which is huge. This is a, sp- a small site that's not making very much money, especially once the tournament thing went away. And here they have a bad beat jackpot that's worth. Several hundred thousand dollars, worth more than half a million, sometimes as much as seven hundred thousand. Of course, they want to find an excuse to not pay that out and just keep it. That's a lot of money to keep for a small room that's closing. So, uh, I thought that was just going to be it because there were many scandals before where they just didn't care what the public thought and just said, you know, f you, tough luck. Shockingly, during uh, one of our last radio shows, they I think it was two shows ago, they actually turned around and agreed that they will pay out the bad beat jackpot and the way they said they're going to do it. And we've reported all this before on the show, but I'm just getting you guys up to speed that they claimed they were going to track down every bit that was ever contributed by anyone to that current jackpot and refund that to their accounts. Whatever was raked from people for that jackpot, they're just going to give it back to those accounts, which still exists. Even though the poker room is closed, you can still play in the casino there. You can still withdraw. So, They'll just put it back in all the accounts and everybody can withdraw. So I pointed out there were a few issues with this. Number one, there's no transparency. We, we have to be able to see they're really doing that. Because if it's just the actively discuss, if it's just players who are actively discussing it, they can just underpay everyone massively. And there's no way everybody's going to know exactly what they were due. And there's no way to know how many accounts uh, you know, really got money in them. So that's that's one. You don't know how much they're really distributing. Are they really distributing forty-three Bitcoin worth, or are they really distributing much less and just uh, putting a little bit in each account to make it look like they are? Uh, number two, even if they do it fairly, what about the accounts that are abandoned, ones that busted, ones that uh, have no interest in ever logging back in, ones that have no idea that this is happening? Uh, there's going to be a lot of unclaimed Bitcoin here that are distributed that they'll still get away with keeping. So th- these are real issues that have to be figured out. And of course, there's the question: Do they really know? how much was contributed by each person, or are they just saying that? So a lot of questions here. It's good that they were considering doing this. So the surprising thing, and I, um, you know, Twitchy Seal's been discussing it with me, the surprising thing is that despite their animosity toward him, where they actually banned him for a while, the, quote, new ownership had reached out to him and basically said that, uh, or I don't know if they reached out, but they were the, I guess they were talking back and forth with you anyway about something else. That, well, what happened was actually I've, I know uh, last week you went into uh, Bitcoin and created some like fake accounts to just like to troll to talk. Yeah, basically to troll. Um, You know, I've done that like a hundred times in the last year and it's uh, never been for any uh, 
any reason other than to communicate with the other players uh, on Bitcoin. So uh, I was doing, I did that like literally immediately after uh, the the announcement was made that they were closing the poker room. I immediately like, because my, my real account was banned, I immediately made like a, a fake account that was like twitchy seal with a different number at the end or something. And I was, and I was talking to them and then all of a sudden uh Bitcoin support came into the chat and they were like, Hey, uh, we want to talk to you. What, like, what's your real account name? And I gave them my real account name that I had actually uh, put a lot of volume in. And literally, uh, I've only ever, I want to make this very clear. I've only ever played poker on one account ever on Bitcoin. I have never created an account for any, uh, a multiple, a, a dupe account for any reason other than to communicate in their chat room or forum. But so, uh, Bitcoin support reached out to me and they're like, Hey, what's like, uh, we know who you are. What's the name of your real account? And my real account name is, uh, Oh yeah. Or I'm getting a little echo now. Uh, you're getting echo. Right. You sound okay to me, but I can call you back okay. if you want. No, 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 no. I think it, it, it might be someone else actually, but I, I can keep going. Uh, so they immediately came into the chat and they were like, they unbanned my account and they realized, uh, we realized even though I had all these like VIP status points, I was supposed to be gold. Uh, I was like the lowest level. They replaced all of that. They reached out to me. I, you have the entire, uh, support ticket conversation I've had with them, which we can make public. Uh, and they, they're like, Hey, like we, we want to hear what you have to say. We want to do this in the most fair way possible. And uh, they got my hopes up really high that I that I thought maybe they would actually do the right thing. And since then, it's slowly been going down. Because uh, right, and I and I read a lot of this, and and so yeah. I, I wasn't sure if you wanted uh, this stuff specifically discussed here that that you uh, sent me. But now that you say we can, I, I would like yeah. to read. I think the most. I'm not going to read the whole exchange here because it's. Yeah, uh, I mean, so maybe it can be posted later. But. I, I'm totally fine with sharing all the information. Uh, just some of the stuff I sent you had like personal information yeah. and IPs, so okay. like that's the only thing. Well, I'm just going to read this on the radio anyway, so no IPs yeah. will be there. But, that's fine. but and, and it, you'll see the last uh, contact I had with them. Uh, they said uh, explicitly, like you can share whatever you want. It's okay. fine. Okay. I, I got it. Okay, permission. so they gave they gave permission anyway. So. Can I, can I read the one that has its uh, home address and phone number on it? Oh yeah, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead, Calwatt. So, so uh, when, when you're done, when you're done reading that part, I'll, I'll read that. Okay. Now, by the way, Calwatt, you, now you sound really far away. You sound like you're on a speakerphone, like ten feet yeah. away. I think, really? uh, yes. I think you were echoing Calwatt. No, no, I wasn't echoing because I was on mute. But. No, no, he's not echoing. He's just, he's uh, just he just sounds very far now. No, I think I know what's going on. You, usually, you, I, usually, you I think. Recently? Yeah, I think. No, I, no, 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 no. I, I think what happened is. Uh, yeah. The internal okay. mic is. Is it the internal mic? You're yeah, doing? yeah, it's switched. Ah, over. there. That's, that's beautiful. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew oh, it. No, no. What, what happened was I was leaning back, drinking my scotch, and I pulled the power cord out of my uh, my deck. Ah, I see. <laughs> so, okay. So it switched over to the other one. Anyway, okay. that's much I'll, better. I'll now now it sounds like you're sitting in my lap, Calwa. This is much better. Oh, well, don't get too excited, bro. <laughs> okay, so so here is uh, here's one of the things he wrote, Twitchy Seal, and this, this shows you this. You know, Twitchy Seal, he he really he's come up with a lot of good ideas, and, and really would be a good candidate to figure this out. Where they so they said to him, uh, Twitchy, this is a I, I you know, like week and a half ago or so. Twitchy, we are interested in having you help us decide the best way to distribute the Bad B jackpot based on the information we're able to obtain. 
the poker staff is working on this one, and we're hoping to have this conversation this week. And th- this is private to him, by the way. This isn't public, but they made it. They gave him permission to have this read publicly on the radio show today. Uh, you mentioned you sent an email, but I did not see one at the contact or support uh, Bitcoin address. Let's stay in touch, and when we're ready for this to happen, we'll contact you. That's what they wrote to him. That was support. David wrote that to him. So he wrote back uh, that that uh, you know he sees several ways that this could be uh, done. He said uh, he thinks that uh, respected members of the poker community who are neutral would be good candidates. He also mentioned uh, Mike Shackelford of the Wizard of Odds, but uh, you know he may that guy may charge for it uh, more than they'd want to pay. But but he did he said Here, here's my suggestion if you're not going to get Michael Shackelford, he said send all your data. This is from Twitchy Seal. Send all your data to a few people with an excellent reputation in the gambling world or multiple smart poker players who are respected members of the poker community yet have no bias or financial interest in the situation. Of course, that couldn't be me. Uh, you know, it, it can't be me with no bias. Because, and fi- already, yeah. because I'm, I'm a shill for seals with clubs. So, uh, well, well, also, it couldn't be you because uh, you said bad things about Beckman. Yeah, yeah. And it couldn't, it couldn't, be, couldn't be me, obviously, either. <laughs> so... So, so that's. I mean, so so anyway. So he's saying. I'll that, do it. Yeah, yeah I'll do it. That's right. Uh, I mean, yeah, Kawa uh, would be, I think, a great candidate. Well, also. they'll say they'll say he's too closely associated with me, though. They want. They, I'm sure they want to prove yeah. that. But, yeah. but just because I'm on your lap doesn't mean I'm closely associated. <laughs> Maybe uh, Jason Mercier has some free time now. Yeah, that's he, right. He and Vesta Selps can get together and do it. So, yeah. so anyway, he says. Uh, so Twitchy Seal writes. Uh, Pay them uh, you know, a couple hundred bucks for two to three hours of work to put the effort into build, building a database and determining exactly how much each user should be paid. I don't think it would be a big deal, but I'm not sure if it would be ethically okay to send complete raw hand history so the info could be used against former Bitcoin players and current sites. I, I don't think you need that. I think you, they, they, they can uh, – I mean – well, I, I don't know. That would have my, to be figured my point, out. My point there was that uh, – in order to be totally fair, I suggested that they uh, like hashed every player's username so that they would basically send back the debt, the data, without knowing which who which player was. Yeah, who, that's a good so idea. That you yeah, could that's prove great... that it wasn't manipulated. Yeah, it's a great idea, and, and then you can't, uh, and then the hand histories would be meaningless. Then, so he says, after you figure out those numbers, you'll have to determine what to do with the funds of the inevitable tons of players who contributed minuscule amounts. Cannot be a re- cannot be reached. Have died in the past few years, etc. You should do everything you can to make it clear you don't intend to keep this money since it's not yours. Which is very important. That doesn't mean like one. Even if they distribute it fairly, they have to find a way to deal with the fact that many will not claim it, and at some point make the time expire and refund that to players again. Or or donate to charity. I think I, I think that's like a backup. Well, a, ch- a charity that's yeah. uh, that that's. Believed to I be agree. real yeah. and not, uh, not shady and not in cahoots. Absolutely. Or, okay, so uh, keep the players up to date on the process during the process. Frequent updates are vital. Take the total value of the jackpot, divide by the to- total numbers of shares of eligible players, and pay them out that way. Keep in mind several players will have a database with every hand they've ever played, myself included. After initial payment, wait six months to one year and redistribute whatever unclaimed funds equally by share to those who, who claimed previous funds. I, I think that part's a good idea. Uh, the price of Bitcoin should have nothing to do with this process. Again, true because it's just this is a Bitcoin poker site, so you, you're paying in Bitcoin. So it, whether Bitcoin's worth a, a lot or if it crashes and is barely worth anything, it's, it's still fine as long as they really pay out 43 bit, Bitcoin at the time. So uh, that, that I, th- I think these were great ideas. I think these this is a very very good starting point. If I were really looking to do this fairly, I would start with these suggestions. 
and work from there and come up with a, a, an exact way to do this. The problem was since then, they're they're not giving him very much information. This is like a week and a half ago, and since then they, they've they've been purposely stalling him. It looks like, and I've seen the exchanges, and it really looks like they are stalling him, not answering important questions. He's asked over and over and over again. Uh, you know, do they have all the hand histories? Can they really determine who paid what? And they just they just won't give an answer to that. They just keep not answering that part of the question. Uh, they, they just keep saying we're looking, we're we're looking to we're looking, we're looking, we're looking. So this this is what uh, Twitchy Steel wrote to them recently. He said, "I I can't really help you unless you give me some real data or put me in contact with someone who has access to the data and experience in poker. Can you send me any raw hand histories? What kind of data do you have? Uh, transparency is really key here." Uh, literally the worst thing you can do for yourselves is to try to bullshit, bullshit your way through the payouts. You won't get it right, and your company will be worth even less money. It's happened before. Uh, so, uh, anyway, it, it goes back and forth, and he, he, they say to him, we're not quite there yet, but we're hoping you can be involved. I was just explaining why it may take longer than you've originally expected. So, Twitchy Seal says, well, if you look back on this ticket, I've asked some pretty specific questions. You haven't answered any. Starting to lose hope, to be honest. So the support, David, says back, uh, we're figuring out the best way to calculate and distribute this based on the information we have. Our system was not set up for this type of reporting, so the poker team is working with uh, development and getting these done. Uh, uh, what we can promise is it will be done and done as soon as possible. We'll be reaching out to you as soon as we're satisfied with the resolution. Uh, so, so, again, he asked, what type of data do you have? Do you have raw hand histories? Are you relying on uh, PLOA Monster or his son to be a, a leader in this project? Neither of them are even remotely qualified. If you rely, rely on them, you'll regret it. So they they wrote back, uh, we will not make any decisions without consulting you, which is interesting. Almost like Twitchy Seal's the boss here. <laughs> please, yeah, please, pl- please give us a couple more days to get an update. So then he says back, you've already made the decision not to share info with me. So that's true. Like They're acting like he's the boss, but then they're telling him nothing. Uh, then they said, uh, we've shared the answers we have. Uh, as the additional answers are available, we will certainly share those as well. We have the same goal as you here, which is to distribute this in a fair way. Let's not lose sight of this. So then they also said, "This is a new support guy, supposedly William." Says, uh, "I can uh, also." He's actually he's actually an old support guy that uh, has a big grudge against me. Oh, but, okay, uh, yeah. He says, I, "I can confirm there are some very highly experienced poker minds and programmers." Working on this in detail, so highly experienced programmers poker minds. And, and poker minds working on this in detail. Yeah. So, uh, so of course, you know, who are these poker minds? Who are these highly experienced poker minds? So he asked, yes, so who are these people? Yeah, you know, who are these highly experienced poker minds working on this? Can I talk to them? And then they just like they they just don't want to answer this. So it, it's very clear they're. They they want to make it at least look like he's involved in the process, but they they really don't want to cut him into it. And it looks like something still weird is going on here because they they're really holding back information. Whatever they think they're doing, whatever their goal is here, it still doesn't seem like they really want to make this right and fair. It seems like they might still be looking for a way to underpay this and, and look like it's being fair. So they don't, they don't want to give up too much yet and then back themselves in a corner where if they underpay, it'll be proven. So they're, I, I think they're racking their brains of like, what can we tell us? Like they got the framework from him. They're like, okay, what can we do that's within this framework to where you can still screw people? That, that's, that's from reading this, this is my guess. Now, I, I don't know, but may, maybe they'll do it fairly when it's all said and done. But the fact that they are still, even to the person that they go to and say, hey, we'd like you to direct this process, and then they won't let them do it. They won't let them direct it because they won't give them any information. 
that is is very strange, and you might wonder why are they doing this at all? Why are they not just running off with the money? Well, they're they're trying to expand. Even though they, the poker's closed, the poker was not a big money maker for them, especially once the tournament thing was gone. Their site was pretty small, cash wise. So they're really focusing on their casino, their Bitcoin casino, and a sports book. That is it running it, or they're just, they're about to open it. Their Bitcoin sports book. Uh, the they're both the casino and the sports book, as far as I know, are running. But they've um, they're they're claiming to, and I I believe that they're actually working towards getting some sort of license. I'm guessing it's one of those bullshit uh, Caraco uh, Antigua licenses. But I want to go back for a second, and I think you're actually wrong about them racking their brains or thinking really deeply about this. I think that what happened is uh, I, I believe that Bitcoin is owned by a larger company. Uh, I, I believe it's owned by Bedsoft. Uh, and I believe that there's a, a, a barrier between upper management and customer support. And I think that uh, the actual owners of Bitcoin have has not changed at all. They just like decided to, they decided to close the poker room and because they realized it was losing a a shitload of money and hurting their reputation. And I believe that, um, they replaced several of their maybe uh, customer support managers, but I think there's a, like a wall, like, uh, I'm not sure if any, anyone that's played at like party poker, knows that like you call customer support there's no way to get in touch with upper management yeah well, that's it's, usually like that right and, and in fact yeah. ultimate uh not ultimate yeah, bet, ultimate, but yes, ultimate poker ultimate ultimate, no, ultimate poker which was a legal oh, yeah. site that was around for yeah. a while in both new jersey and nevada and it's gone yeah. now Terrence, Terrence was, Chan. yeah it was run by station casinos and terrence chan was the head of support uh when terrence chan left there when the whole thing well when it closed down and he, would, he had to leave there uh, Terrence did a, an interesting video, which is still up. You can go find it on YouTube, where he talks about all the different problems over at uh, at Ultimate Poker, and the biggest problem was that upper management just would not listen to the to, to his support team, and that they, it, there was such a disconnect between upper management and those actually doing the work that the place became a disaster, and it was a very uh, very low morale there for that reason too. So I th- yeah, that, well, I, I think it, it actually makes very good sense. Uh, from a very like from a thousand feet up where you don't want the people uh, say you're running you know your own online uh, casino poker room sports book you don't want customer customer support to have access to player accounts you want customer support to be separated from accounting so that everyone everyone can be held accountable and you want everyone kind of uh reporting separately to it's like a tree that goes up to upper management where uh, there's no way for customer support to like steal anyone's money, and there's no way for accounting to like steal money because they don't know any player. Yeah, but there there has to be vis- the problem is there has to be visibility. They have to know what's going on. There has to be there has to be ways to where these disconnects don't happen or it's a disaster. So like Poker Stars, they do it right. Poker Stars, they they've had the best support uh, since the beginning. That's something they've always done very well. And and that's part of the reason they got so big, and 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 yet their their lower level reps did have access to a lot, but I don't know how much they could do financially as far as like removing money from accounts. But they uh, the whole thing was connected very well, where uh, the, the whole thing 
from support a customer was service. In, they had some sort of empowerment or uh, yeah it was it was done very yeah. well their, their customer support was was excellent it was done about as well as it could be done yeah. at poker stars now they're, they're live events now but uh, as far as the and I'm talking more now, about the the Scheinberg days, not so much yeah. the Amaya days. Their Amaya stars is different. It, it, Amaya stars is different. Yeah, but it's, it's not the same. Yeah, it's not. But but but, uh, but yeah, they did a great job with that. But anyway, back back to Bitcoin. I, you, you might be right here. You might be that now. What is Betsoft? You say it's a bigger company. What is what does Betsoft okay. do? Let me give you a brief history of Betsoft, and this will be very interesting. If uh, so, going back, they you, they were licensed by the Alderney Gaming, uh, whatever Alderney. Yeah, they they were really licensed full tilt. Uh, yeah, they, they worked for. They were actually three months before. Yeah, that's a gold seal of approval right there, bro. <laughs> no, no, uh, the Alderney Gaming Committee is a gold seal. Uh, yeah, it actually it actually but, is a, one of the better uh, licensing. Yeah, bodies. by far. Uh, I think they were the original ones that licensed PokerStars. I think they're based in the Isle of Man. Um, so, but anyway, I, I believe that Bedsoft. Uh, developers are the same people that work for uh, Nintent or s- some of the bigger uh, uh, regulated uh, video gaming companies that are allowed in the U.S., including New Jersey and Nevada. Um, but so three months before Black Friday, uh, they were busted very clearly with having like totally rigged uh, Kino Kino games on Absolute and Ultimate Poker, and yeah, this has gone totally yeah. unnoticed. Yes, I remember that, or, or, or forgotten because Black Friday happened uh, like within a few months of that happening. And uh, if, if you go back and look up the just what Bedsoft is, I really believe that it was part of it's part of a much bigger company that they decided at the time of Black Friday to just say like fuck regulation, uh, we're going to develop. Uh, casino software however the fuck we want and uh we'll we'll just like uh break this off from our our main company which i think is part of nentent nettent n-e-t-n-e-n-t like some of the some of the bigger slot uh providers and uh, i think those are the guys that own uh bitcoin really so and, uh, now yeah. here's a question if, if 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 that's true then why were there so many small scandals where people kept getting screwed why couldn't they uh the, the, the way they were screwing people sounded much more like a small operation where every dollar mattered. Why, why yeah, were they doing this if they uh, were so large? Actually, uh, I believe that Bitcoin had a huge budget, and I think they still do have a huge budget. I think they've just been like hemorrhaging money. I kind of think of them as like uh, imagine like four or five guys that are like running like most of the casino software in, in the world. They're like the grandson, where they kind of just say like, "Hey, go run this," and like, and you know, they're so, like, so, "So you, hey, you know, cryptocurrency." We'll we'll just like, because if you think about the entire global market of uh, online gaming, a big portion of it is cryptocurrency, and these companies have a, a the regulated companies are spending tons of money to get into New Jersey and Nevada and Delaware and maybe Pennsylvania soon and also the rest of the world the UK and uh, basically they have like they're like we've already got the entire regulated market why not just like break off a little piece and throw it at these guys to to uh, so to get to get the entire world. So, so you think here maybe that that even though this is part of a much larger company, that the, this is a, a 
a thing that's uh, like a side project for this company where they're, they're given a certain budget and then if they're losing money, then that's why they want to screw people because the people who are running it don't want to lose even more money than they already were. I think more uh, they're giving like almost an unlimited budget. I mean, they've they've been spewing just shitloads okay, of but, money. But what would like, be the motivation? The, the, I'm trying to understand. What still, what would be the, if they have so much of a budget? What would be the motivation to screw people then in the past? Like, why why not be overly generous rather than screw people uh, in a number of these situations? That because because they're run by like douchebags. Because I, I I mean, to me, it's, it it really does sound like I maybe I'm wrong about this, but if this is the situation, it really does sound like to me that maybe because they're judged upon how they're doing if they're already losing. They don't want to lose even more by paying out, even if it's fair. They're supposed to pay out, but like, this, for example, this bad beat jackpot. They they don't want to make it look like that they've lost that much more money if they can show the company that they just, uh, you know, if they've shot off a lot of the money they were given for their budget, and now they have to go back to the their the parent company and say, hey, uh, we need uh, seven hundred thousand more to pay out this bad beat jackpot too. And they're like, what? I, th- I thought you had that covered. No, we spent that money too. Like, it may be something like that where the people running it don't want to have to ask for more more money or, or, or show a bigger loss than they already have. That would be well, my Drus, guess. If, if Ray Batar has taught us anything, it's that the cream of the crop are the people that are working at these online poker companies. <laughs> the absolute, you know, first in class, Harvard MBA, those are the guys that yeah. are working there. Yeah, so I, I guess... Well, I, I got to say real quick, I think that Bitcoin had by far the most... If they were run properly, they could be crushing it. They they had they have some some sort of proprietary software that would allow you to you can buy into a a W. Uh, when I say WPN, I mean uh, ACR black chip black chip poker. Um, uh, you know the the huge ACR tournaments. Basically, they had a way, and I mean they where you could you have uh, your balances in Bitcoin. You buy into the tournament. They cap calculates on the spot how much to deduct from your balance. Puts you in the tournament. If you cash, it calculates on the spot and credits oh. you with that exact amount of be- uh, oh, Bitcoin. Interesting. So th- they must have had a huge amount because I mean there were guys, um, you know, a Sublime or yeah, yeah, Joe, Sh- Joe yeah, Chong. Yeah, yeah they 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 paid out uh, multiple hundred thousand dollar payouts in some of the hugest tournaments, and they did it within minutes. And yeah, uh, they they take some pretty huge sports bets, and uh, like there's there's someone there. I think they could have been involved with Five Dimes, uh, Bet Chris. I think all those guys are kind of related to this. Um. So so you think so. I, I, you think here, and I kind of want to move on from this subject. Yeah, soon, but, I, I understand. But, but uh, so do you? Th- so you're thinking now that it's more that uh, the people running it are, are either uh, incompetent or uh, they're not managing it right, or something where it's not so much like a few guys trying to steal uh, steal money, but that they they don't know what they're doing, and and uh, there's like a, a lot of fail here, basically, rather than a malicious uh, desire to steal. Yeah. Yes, I, I think that the the people behind Bitcoin are like a thousand times bigger than Seals with Clubs. Okay, well, that's interesting. I that that would add so. a much more interesting angle to it if that, if that turns out to be true. Uh, so, and I'm not saying it's a good chance it is. And I know you've you've had more exposure to this than, and and more looking into this than anyone else that I know of. So, anyway, uh, keep me updated with this. And uh, you know, before we let you go, though, I want to talk about the. uh Oh, what is this? What that is was Calwat. Calwat, you got to wake up, Calwat. 
<laughs> there we go. Sorry, good. Okay, so, right. so hey, let's, let's talk, you want to talk about Revel? Yes, yes. Before quick? you go, I want to talk about the Revel. So let me tell you guys quickly the story of the Revel, which we'll jump to because I want to have uh, Twitchy Seal, who I know this is, boring. is very, very familiar with it. <laughs> I'm just fucking with you. So okay, the, the Revel. The Revel. It's actually an interesting story with the Revel. We talked about it before on this show. The Revel Casino in Atlantic City. And by the way, for those of you that are having trouble following, this is a totally new topic. Nothing to do with Bitcoin. Totally new topic. Just Twitchy Steel has a lot of experience here, too, so I want to talk about this with him. So the Revel Casino it was a, a huge property that was, like, I think it cost $2.4 billion to build, yep. which is insane. A casino costing $2.4 billion to build. Almost the same amount as the Freedom Tower in Manhattan. Wow. I mean, that's just, I, when I heard that number at first, I couldn't believe it. And it took over 10 years. So everyone was very excited. It opened, and then uh, it was a fail, and I guess it was laid out poorly and mismanaged. And I, I even heard about how they screwed some advantage players in a promotion. And they, oh, yeah. they just they did everything wrong over there. And it, it was designed very poorly. It was just uh, lots of money wasted building it. I guess the property looked very nice, but a lot of it wasn't very practical. A lot of it uh, was difficult to navigate, whatever. So it, it failed. It failed, and, and it closed. So in what was one of the uh, the bigger discounts that has been seen as far as casinos that uh, sell versus how much they cost to build. And we're not talking about one that was built 50 years ago that's degraded and now sells cheap. This is something that you know, sold a few years later in basically the same condition. Uh, it was bought for uh, much, much less than two point four uh, billion dollars. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was built for bought for one million dollars. No, it's not not quite that little, but only eighty two million. <laughs> a- eighty two million dollars for a two point four billion dollar property. That's insane. But that's what it was bought for. Uh, and it, it was. But they, they actually owed the electric company over a hundred million, though. At the time. <laughs> Did the new owners uh, take? Did they have to pay that? I, I know that was. I think Atlantic City literally built a electric company for them, and that was part of the problem. I, I don't know the exact details of that though, but you should keep going. It was an owner. So it was a, a guy named Glenn Straub who bought this for eighty-two million, and uh, Glenn, it was a wise investment because uh, Glenn Straub sold the property very recently. For two hundred million dollars. So while that's still far less than two point four billion uh, in just a short time, and I don't think he really put money into it since then, unless he had to pay that electric bill. But uh, he sold it for two hundred million to a Colorado-based group. I thought uh, Carl Icahn bought it. Uh, I'm seeing it's been sold to uh, a Colorado-based group uh, that's led by uh, Bruce Dayfick. Maybe Carl Icahn is involved, but. Uh, uh, I, I, I'm not seeing anything about that here. So oh, okay. anyway, it's it, the name of the company that bought it is called AC Ocean Walk, and it's going to be called the Ocean Resort Casino, and it's going to open over the summer. Interestingly, around the same time, another once famous property, much more long-running property that uh, in AC is reopening. The, the Trump, Taj. the t- Trump Taj Mahal is now going to be called the Hard Rock. Yep, and that's reopening. Uh, it's going to be very close to which opens first. Here, both both planned for summer of two thousand eighteen, and uh, 
but you know, a year ago, uh, the Rebel was supposed to be opened. I think like literally a year ago, we were getting press releases saying that the Rebel was going to be opening this summer uh, under the name of 10. Yeah, right. I remember that. And then it didn't happen. Yeah. So, so I think it's pretty much the same story at this point. So we shouldn't really be counting on yeah. the ocean. Yeah, that's. I guess that's true. And the, the sale took place a week ago on January 4th. So uh, we will see, but I I'm wondering if if it was not profitable, and they're just going to run it as is. They're not buying it for the land or to do something else with it. They're just going to basically start it back up again under a new name. If if the previous revel that when it when it ran was hemorrhaging money, I I I don't know how much can really be done here unless they're going to be redoing a lot of things. There's you know all the reasons it failed are, are probably still there. So. I don't. If you're buying something that's a great deal, but it's still going to be hemorrhaging money when you open it, that's, that that could still be a problem. So, uh, yeah. So I, I actually I was on, I was at the Revel on the day it opened and the day it closed, and um, it's by far like the nicest casino I've ever been to. It had an amazing poker room. Uh, so the Revel actually opened on April second, uh, twenty twelve. The poker room closed on August 26, 2013, and then the whole thing closed, I think, like six months later. Uh, but it was by far just, like, amazing. It, the poker it, the poker room had 47 tables. They had, they were the nicest tables you'd ever seen. And the, you, could get, you could order room service for a $25 burger in your room. You could get for, like, three bucks at the poker table. You play for four hours, they give you a free night. Uh, like, right off the bat, play for ten, you get a, a Friday or Saturday night. And uh, and then, so they had a bad beat jackpot that was worth, or a bad beat jackpot and a high or a promotional uh, collection worth $234,000. Uh, and the, the city, or uh, Atlantic City, would not allow them to close until they they paid out that $234,000 to the players. Hmm. Well, that, that's good. And I see that it has uh, 1,399 hotel rooms. I don't, why not build 1,400? Yeah. Why, why 1,399? Why not? <laughs> well, actually, it was supposed to be twice as big. They, they only built one of the two towers. Oh, I didn't know that. Interesting. And, and yeah. a lot of parking spaces. 7,657 parking spaces. Yep. And they actually most of the money they spent was on the beach because they had to literally dig up like the entire beach. I remember playing at the showboat for the years before, which is right next to the Revel, and like we would it, we would feel the ground shaking while they were building the Revel, like really? all long. Yeah, I have a question about the weather in Atlantic City. How many months is it like warm enough to even want to go to the beach? I was there in April of last year. And and it was cold. It was not bitter cold, but it was like you know, fifty three degrees and windy. It wasn't beach weather by any means. And Benjamin went out there and played and had a good time. But uh, I was freezing out there. I couldn't wait till he was done. And uh, Drew, I haven't been there in a while. But the last time I was down there, I wouldn't go to the beach any day. <laughs> I mean, they were just not the nicest beaches last time I was down there. I, I guess it looked yeah. okay because it was too cold and nobody wanted to go out there. But wait, I actually there was a night. In uh, March, when I was playing at the showboat, when the Revel was still under construction, and we we all chipped in twenty five dollars uh, to pay someone to get naked and go run into the ocean. Oh, 
<laughs> and he didn't. Yeah, the only people that go in the water there is on a dare, or they're drunk yeah. out of their minds. <laughs> okay, hold on. I've got uh, an important update here. UCLA did cover. UCLA 83, Utah 64 in that basketball game. So the bounties are taking place. Those three bounties that Daly put up, you can collect that $5 now if you knocked any of those three people out. So I uh, just wanted to put that out there. Did you guys hear the, the update music, by the way? No. Oh. The last second. Yeah. God, Skype is terrible. All right. So, Hey, hey Druff, speaking of hemorrhaging money, it made me think of this. Um, are there any updates to that Pennsylvania online uh, gambling licensing thing? Well, this is a good is question. Any, are there, were there any takers on that? I have not heard. Twitchy Seal, have you heard about Pennsylvania at all since then? Yeah, I believe it's going to happen, uh, and it's going to be within the next, uh, like... But I, is I anyone think... ponying up the money? Yeah, that ridiculous we money. About it, yeah. and it sounded ridiculous. You know, I don't know the exact details of that, but there is act, there are actually... In New Jersey, you can play online at the Sugar House Casino, which is in Pennsylvania. Hmm. That's hmm, that's strange. Well, which is weird, right? They just like teamed is, up. Which is also the company, the Sugar House, and a few other um, poker rooms are the own the company that owns Poker Night in America. Right, and that's where that's where the Kate Hall yeah. uh, Mike Detali yeah. magic place. Yep, yeah. Golden Nugget. It's it's a Golden Nugget owner, the same guy that has that like stupid TV show. Yeah. Well. Okay. What? So. So. Uh, anyway, the the revel. We'll see if it really opens in the summer. So it, and as Twitchy Seal mentioned, it was supposed to open as ten T E N last year. It didn't happen with that with that other owner who just sold it. So we'll see. It's it's. It, everybody tells me it's a beautiful property. I've never been there. But it should open as eleven. <laughs> you know what I think? Really, in a hundred years from now, they they should just keep it sealed up. And a hundred years from now, they can make it like a museum, like how, how people used to used to gamble and, and how people uh, used yeah. to waste money in, in the two thousands. Yeah, because <laughs> if they just seal it all up, like it's a beautiful place, just don't let it get fucked up by like homeless people or stuff. And so this this was built in the year two thousand thirteen uh, by uh, with two two point four billion dollars, which is today in the year twenty one fourteen. Worth uh, yeah, two hundred trillion, two hundred billion dollars, and oh my god, how they, how they spend this? Well, how long did it last? It lasted yeah. about two years, and uh, exactly, it yeah. was an epic it's like failure. <laughs> so, well, I guess we'll see what happens with that. Uh, I think still the most fascinating thing is to spend that type of money, and then just kind of make like, what do you think about the layout? Do you agree that the layout is its biggest enemy of success? Absolutely. It first of all. There were no signs for the poker, at least for the poker room. It was awful. Like, it, you, it, if you were to walk into the Revel and look for the poker room without asking a security guard, it could easily take you 45 minutes. <laughs> if you if you walk into the Revel and just try to get to, to, or let's say you're in your room and you want to walk down to the boardwalk, it would take 25 minutes easy because you have to, like... The, the the lobby really? was on like the ninth floor, and you and the only oh, way to geez. get up there was to go through like five escalators. How do you make that mistake? You spent so much money on the design. How do you make that mistake? Where where just simple things can't be done there? It's crazy. And what's you know what else tilts me about casinos in general? As I said, I've never been in there, but I, I hate casinos that just have very poor or non-existent signage as to where things are. 
Or, yep. this is really frustrating. I hate when there's a sign that uh, it shows like an arrow to the, like, it shows kind of like straight ahead but to the right, but then there's like yeah. the various ways to go that way and it's not clear what they mean. I would think the signs could be so much better in casinos. And then there's some, like, I know Caesar's Palace in Vegas so well, so I don't need any signs for anything. But, boy, that's a confusing place. And there's, like, no signs for anything there. So I don't know. Like, like to get from the self-park to just the check-in, the, just to the front desk it's at Caesars, is is very difficult if you don't know it. And I, I take it for granted because I, I know exactly where it is. But, but for someone who hasn't been, it, it must just be... They must have to have so many questions asked to the staff member. How do you get to the front desk? How do you get to the front desk? It's. But I would I would bet at Caesars you have to walk past like a hundred blackjack tables and slot machines to get to the front desk, right? Well, you're 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 not that far off. The blackjack tables you don't really pass, but you, they do make the corridor really narrow between the self park and where you go through the second corridor between uh, uh, called Apian Way. Getting to this Apian Way, which then brings you to another part of the casino, which then you have to pass through, and not in a very straightforward way, to eventually get to the front That's desk. That's the, the Appian Way, Druff. Sorry, the Appian Way. Uh, but but uh, the getting to this Appian Way, it's so narrow, and there's tons of people walking back and forth. It is so tough. You're always stuck like in a crowd. It just feels like they're they're jamming everybody into a small space. And the sad thing is they're doing it on purpose because they want you to be close to the slot machines. They want you to stop and go, yeah. oh, a slot machine. And it's so frustrating because they, they purposely make it way too narrow. And it, it just it's, it's very frustrating to get like to and from your car in that, that one little area. Well, at the at the Revel, it would take you 25 minutes to get from your hotel room to the boardwalk. You would not... And you will not enter the casino. <laughs> oh, boy. I'm serious. Like, you literally, you, you might see some slot machines, like, through the glass as they're going down a giant escalator. But if, if to go from your room to the casino to the boardwalk would take twice as long. And also, when they opened for the first year and a half, there was no smoking anywhere in the casino, yep. which, which I think uh, crushed them. But by the way, speak, speaking speaking of uh, the uh, the Appian Way, I, I had never heard it pronounced before. I had read it, I had read about it, and I read about how it was you know the uh, it was a, a road in ancient Rome, but I had never heard it pronounced before. So thank you, Calvin. Take it take it from a guy that studied Latin. Okay. In high school, I always thought it was it's, Appian it's Way. Unfortunately, the Appian Way. Yeah, I've been I've been reading it for so many years, and I always thought it was the Appian Way. Okay. Well, There's, look at it; it's got the double P, right? Okay. For some reason, it just seems like Appian to me. Okay. Throw so, an E in there, and we'll call it Appian. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's because it's A P P I. Okay. I gotta say, I gotta I gotta go to bed. Okay, so. you gotta go to bed. Okay, thank you, Twitchy Seal. Yeah. Thank. Thanks for everything, and uh, hopefully, I'll maybe we'll do an update. Uh, they're promising. Bitcoin is promising an update very soon. We will uh, see. Maybe maybe tomorrow, and I'll keep you. I'll keep you posted, and uh, we'll see. Okay, thank you. So thanks. All right. So now now it's time for the gossip topics. Now that we've uh, we've gone through the the Bitcoin and the uh, Atlantic City topic with with the Revel. So this is where I can say stupid shit. Yeah. Right? Now you can you can say stupid things again. Yeah. God, that's that's the one thing I'm good at. It's one. It's what you live for here. So it's. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a lot of Twitter action this week. So many different things happen involving Twitter. I guess there's even something tonight with with Mac Lance, which I haven't even had time to look at. Which maybe I'll try to get to at some point. 
Yeah, Glance and Galfon. What a weird yeah. duo, duo to be. And then, then, I've, then I've got to be careful what I say because Mac Lance listens to the show. So I can't I've be- never, I've never heard Galfon get in it into it with anybody. Yeah, I know. He seems very mild, mild mannered. So very mellow dude. Yeah. You know? So anyway, a few things happened this week. I kind of purposely was a rabble rouser. I, I didn't have to do this, but uh, I chose to do it just because I, I, I felt like it. I just felt like it, it needed to be said. Last week, we talked about Vanessa Selfs and her retirement from Poker Stars, where she was a pro, and from poker. And I read the statement that she put out, and I, yeah, you know, we, we discussed how it probably isn't all that it appears, and that uh, likely she's quitting because she's been losing the last two years, and that uh, Poker Stars probably didn't renew her contract or lowballed her, and uh, and she left. So somehow I missed something very big here. I, I it, it took for Jason Mercier to uh, leave Poker Stars, which we're going to talk about at the same time. That's another topic here. But it it took Jason Mercier leaving very shortly afterwards, and someone posting about that on Poker Fraud Alert for me to realize that I committed a massive oversight, something that was staring me in the face the whole way. We had this whole discussion last week, and I missed something very big. In Vanessa's statement, which you can find if you go to the Poker Fraud Alert Poker Community Discussion Forum and read the Vanessa Selps Quitting as Poker Stars Pro thread, you'll see right at the beginning the full statement, which I will not read again. But if you go read it, you'll see that... uh, she mentions near the beginning that she says, "I'm well, actually at the very beginning. I'm writing to say that I'm officially parting ways with poker stars and moving on from my career as a professional poker player." Okay, and then she goes on with this long, well, semi-long uh, essay about her time in poker, why she's quitting. I won't go over that all again. But one thing she never mentions again: poker stars. She, she writes this four-paragraph essay and never says another word about PokerStars. Not, thank you, for po- thank you, PokerStars, for sponsoring me. It's been great working for you. It's been great representing you. Nothing. And they, they paid her a lot of money. I don't know how much, but they paid her a lot of money to represent them for a long time. Something that's strange. Why, why would you not uh, thank your sponsor? Like, here, I'll thank my sponsor right now. I th- thank uh, Eric Benzamokin for... Uh, Sponsoring this show. We're going to play his ad very shortly. But, uh, and, and Seals with Clubs. They're not supposed to know about that one. That's the mm-hmm. secret sponsor. All right. So I, I, why would you not mention them at all? And the only way they're mentioned, not directly but indirectly, was the line about uh, – where is it? About promoting for – where did they get to this? About amateurs. Yeah, I can't tell amateurs they should come play online. It, it, it's beatable for them anymore when I don't feel like it's true. So that was a little slam on the way out. She said, I don't feel good promoting poker as an ambassador anymore. So she's, she's basically trying to say, hey, poker stars are still, mo- still marketing to the average Joe that they can come on and win, and I don't feel they can anymore. So I don't feel good about I, that. I'm with you, though, Druff. I mean, that was the whole point the entire <laughs> for the whole life of poker. That's the whole point. Is that the amateurs are not going to win? That's why right. there's money there, right? So, so, uh, so, you know, yeah. So she, 
she's claiming that now they can't win, which is ridiculous, as if they ever could. But so she put they that, ever could win, she wouldn't be making any money, right? So and she, and she <laughs> so she is putting there that uh, that little backdoor slam that they're still promoting. She doesn't say them by name, but that you know she doesn't want to do it anymore. She doesn't want to promote poker to amateurs when they really can't win. So that's basically saying how look, they're doing something I think is unethical. I can't do this. That there's that, and then there's just I'm leaving. I'm, par- I'm parting away with poker stars. No positive statements about them whatsoever. No thank you. Not even a phony thank you. Somehow I missed that last week that she mentioned poker stars only once at the beginning, except for that little middle thing bashing them in an indirect way. That's very very big because that is indicative of an unhappy ending between the two of them. Because if if this really was just Vanessa's thinking, okay, you know, tournament poker is getting so hard, and I haven't done well the last two years, and I'm kind of tired of all the travel. <sighs> okay, I'm going to try a new career. Hey, poker stars, uh, I, I can't represent you anymore. I'm not going to go around playing tournaments anymore, except for once in a while. And, so, and you know what, Druff? Even if it was somewhat acrimonious, the the move is still to thank them, right? So like, that the next sponsor, the next place that's going to hire you, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, like this is very bitter. If you go back and read it, it's so bitter that she... I'm officially parting ways with Poker Stars. The only way she ever mentions Poker Stars directly, and then indirectly kind of slams that they're still marketing to amateurs who, who can't win. So, yeah, right. You don't do that. You don't make it look like you're going to bite the hand that was feeding you the second it stops feeding you. I mean, it's not the worst thing in the world. It's not like she says anything negative, but really the play in situations like that is always to thank whoever the, the sponsor was. Right. Yeah. So so we're, we're going to stop this for a second and go to a very related topic, and that is Jason Mercier, who, and this is a very, very different way it's being handled, with Jason Mercier leaving uh, Poker Stars and uh, listen to how this one was done. And keep in mind, Poker Stars, they also tweeted nothing about, or they wrote no blogs about Vanessa leaving. They didn't tweet anything about it. It just happened. They've said nothing. Okay? Now he, Jason also might just have a better agent. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so on January 7th, uh, eight days later, Poker Stars blog tweeted the following, with a very sweet picture of Jason and his wife, uh, Natasha, and their baby. You know, he's holding both of them, or she's holding the baby, he's holding her. Very, very sweet picture. And it says... Jason Mercier is bidding farewell to Team Poker Stars. Before stepping down, he put the reasons for that decision as his own words. A tough choice spread a happy future ahead for the Mercier family. So that's already a very sweet statement with a sweet picture. Then you click on the link that they put there, and you go to the Poker Stars blog, where they actually print Jason Mercier's statement as to why he's leaving. He said, I knew I would eventually write a piece like this. The question in my mind was, was always when. It's ironic that I'm starting it now on January 6th, 2018. This day has several important meanings to me. Most importantly, my son Marco turned three months old today. Come on. (laughs) Three months? If this is his first birthday or something. What the fuck kind of anniversary is that? This is a special day for me. Nothing against him. I know he's excited. It's his first kid and everything, but you don't celebrate three months. It's a very special day. My son turned uh, 79 days old today. It's a significant day for me in his life. Uh, this day has... Oh, I reread that part. My wife Natasha and I spent the morning talking, uh, taking our son for an unplanned doctor's visit. 
We, br- we drove 30 minutes away from our home in Fort Lauderdale to a different doctor than we normally would see because Marco seemed to have a cold for a few days now. Natasha was concerned that he might have an ear infection because he had a low-grade fever. Thank God he had, just has a head cold, which will pass over time. I don't know why this is here, but okay, let's move on. Uh, it's, thr- it's thrilling radio. <laughs> just fucking, just riveting. Okay, so your son had a cold, and you're a little worried it might be something worse than a cold, and it was just, a, okay, great, I'm happy your son's okay. That's a weird thing to put in the blog. This, this reminds me of, like, what, what was it from uh, the Brady Brunch, like, was it Cindy that had the sniffles or something? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, after we got home from the doctors, I spent the rest of the day watching sports and sitting on the couch. Already, this is a really exciting story. This is a very eventful day for him. Outside of a few, outside of a few random husband tasks, that was my day. I watched the NFL playoffs, NBA, and college basketball. Again, riveting. And even and some- Jason, you should not call. Having sex with your wife, a husband tat. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Just a, just a pointer to you. Okay? That might, well, at this point, it might be. Uh, no. And even some NHL. After, after all the sporting events were finally over, I sat down to write all of this to you. The irony of today, January 6th, was that on top of my son turning three months old, it was also the start of the Poker Stars Caribbean adventure in the Bahamas. Not only was it the start, but the 100K Super High Roller event kicked off at the festival. This is my first time missing the PCA since I started traveling to play live poker. Up until this year, I had gone, gone 10 years in a row. I was at the PCA that had, that I had my, it, it was at the PCA that I had my first taste of live poker. I had also played the 100K Super High Roller event every year that's been offered for the past seven years. My choice to skip the PCA was hard. However, all the choices that eventually led to that decision were quite easy. It all st- started in the summer of 2016. I was doing my uh, mundane husband tasks, and I watched the NHL and the NBA and the NFL. Jason, don't no, 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 I'm say that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. God. <laughs> it started in the summer of 2016 when I decided I was going to propose to my girlfriend. She said yes, and the next decision was where and when to get married. We had a short engagement followed by an amazing wedding. We both knew we wanted to have kids right away, and luckily she got pregnant just two months after we married. Our baby boy, Marco Henry, was born October 6, 2017. My life has changed forever that day, and for the better. Becoming a parent brings about a complete transformation of who you are. I no longer let myself be so concerned with what I want, but more of the well-being of my wife and child and future children. Serving and leading my family is of the utmost importance. After my son was born, I knew things were going to be different. One of the major things to address was my relationship with poker stars. Ah, see, he's he's talking about uh, he may have to break up with the old girlfriend. My, My contract was set to expire at the end of 2017. And I wasn't sure, exactly sure what was going to happen there. I had a lot of questions rolling around my head. Do I even want to travel now? How much can I travel? Should I continue playing poker so much? How is it going to be on the road with a baby? Does poker stars want me to do more? Is my wife going to continue to play poker? And do we need a full-time nanny? At the, as the end of the year approached, I delayed my inevitable contract discussion with my liaison at Stars. When my wife and I got married and then she became pregnant, we initially thought we would continue to travel even with a baby at least for a year or two. So I tried to think about all these questions and decide what was best. As I thought more and more over the days and weeks, the answer seemed simple. This was probably going to be the end of my relationship with Poker Stars and the end of my, time, my full-time travel schedule. The conversation about my contract was short and sweet. There were no hard feelings. There never would or could be. I was a Poker Stars pro for eight and a half wonderful years. I'm forever grateful that they took a chance on me when I was just a 22-year-old kid who had just captured his first gold bracelet in the summer of 2009. There were times when I thought I might be a PokerStars pro for the rest of my life. Hey, a kid can dream, can't he? Thank you to all the wonderful people I worked with at PokerStars. Your support and friendship has been invaluable. See, this is what you're right, by the way. This last paragraph, I forget the stuff about his uh, kid having a cold and, and watching the NBA all day. This is what you write when you're leaving uh, a longtime sponsorship with a company 
uh, you're showing you have appreciation. And, and as Calwatch said, then you might get another one in the future, either with them or with uh, another company that sees how you, uh, how grateful you were and how nice things you said on the way out. Uh, I also want to thank my family, friends, and fans for supporting me throughout my career. Just to be clear, I'm not retiring from poker by any means. Not only will I be back at the PCA next year and look forward to playing the Poker Stars Player Championship, I still plan to play the Big Florida Series events, and, and as of now, I plan to go to World Ser- the World Series in Las Vegas in the summer. But my most important concern now, my priority, is being a full-time father and husband. So that, that's the statement. And then this is posted on the PokerStars blog, and then they tweeted it out. And they put a footnote, PokerStars did. They put, we first met Jason Mercier at EPT San Marino back in 2008. We picked him out to talk at the end of day two because he just finished the day with a chip lead. He was happy to talk, pretty excited and well-mannered. The type of behavior you expect goes down well with mothers worried about their son traveling abroad like Jason was for the first time. A day or so later, he'd won the lot, thrilling the poker world uh, with a win best described as incendiary. He did it in record time, too. To his date, the EPT winner's photo remains the only one taken before sundown. Soon enough, he was a team pro and a regular feature both at PokerStars events and on the blog. Not only was he fun to watch, uh, he was great to talk about the game, a sentiment shared by the entire poker media. And while he loved the game, he came across as a man who valued nothing more than the trappings of his family and his friends. So it was not really surprising to hear that his wife Natasha and young son Marco took priority over a poker career at this stage of his life. The pride he takes in being a father and husband is clear for anyone to see, so while he'll be missed as a poker star's regular, we pass on our thanks and best wishes to Jason and his family and look forward to seeing him at a poker star's event soon. Okay, so let's let's talk about this here. First of all, obviously they, they, they left on very good terms. Where they he wrote very nice things about poker stars, uh, he made it very clear that this is all just his personal decision from his personal life he's leaving. So it's a, the person comes away thinking he's a great husband, a great dad. He's choosing to leave a full-time poker travel schedule to be with his wife and, and baby. And, and that he's very, very happy with poker stars. He thinks they're great. He's had a wonderful time there. And then the feeling was mutual. They, they love Jason, too. Just life circumstances oh. change. He had to leave. That sounds pretty reasonable. Yeah, so that's, that's what's put out there. Now compare this to Vanessa who left eight days earlier, on December 30th. There was no blog put up by PokerStars. There was no thanks from her towards PokerStars. They didn't announce her leaving. They didn't write something sweet about her. Nothing. So, I think this is a case of, if you don't have something nice to say, you don't say it at all, on both sides. Where they both, I, I think there was some bitterness on both sides. And So the question is, what happened? First of all, is this really true? About what Jason? Yeah, wrote. how much bitterness could there be? I don't understand. Well, I, I think I can figure it out. Maybe. All right. I mean, I'm guessing. <clears throat> I, I I haven't figured it out with certainty, but I'm just guessing. But, but first, let's talk about Jason. Is his story completely true? Did he just decide? My wife has a, a little baby now. You know, I'm married. I have a little baby. I don't want to do this. I want to be home for my baby and my wife. Is that really what happened, or perhaps? Did they decide they're going to cut him or offer him much less money for 2018 where it was not worth it for him to stay? And then is it possible that at that point he understood why they you know, may have wanted to cut what they're going to pay him? What if they came to him and said, hey, Jason, we think you're great. We really like you. Unfortunately, U.S. pros like you don't do very much for us because we are not in the U.S. market. So, unfortunately, we have to cut what we're paying to the U.S. pros. We just can't have the budget for them anymore. So, uh, you know, we, we can offer you this much, 
would you like to take it? Or they could have even sent him a heads up beforehand, like, hey, Jason, by the way, uh, the next contract in negotiation, we may be, uh, have to give you less because uh, you know, of the U.S. situation. So that may have kicked him off to think about what am I – like maybe he got lowballed. And, and not like maliciously lowballed, but they decided that U.S. players don't have much value to them as pros anymore. And then what they were offering was way too low for him to have to commit to all the travel they would want him to do. And that made his decision that much easier. But, but of course, it sounds much better to just say, you know, leave all that out. You know, instead of saying, hey, PokerStars lowballed me, this wasn't worth continuing, I'd rather just be with my family at home, just say, hey, I want to be with my family at home. And that sounds better for everybody. So now I don't know if, if that's true, but the way he wrote his blog was like he decided before they even told him what they're going to pay him for 2018 that he's not doing this anymore. And I'm not sure I believe that. I, I still think it's uh, like, okay, let's say, let's say the reverse was true. Let's say, that, let's say they decided that he's really valuable and this U.S. market wasn't the situation. And instead of uh, offering him whatever they were offering him uh, this time, that they were going to give him one million dollars. So, so let's say that was going to be his salary, or let's say let's take it even further. Let's say that they were going to offer him one hundred billion dollars. So, it, you know, obviously there's some point where he would say, "I don't care how little time I get to spend with my wife and kid. I'm taking the money." Right, or or he would justify it by you know I'm doing it for my wife and kids. Right, so yeah. so so and of course if they're paying him very little, then of course it's not worth it. So that doesn't mean he'd be bitter. He he if if he thinks about it and realizes that and they you know, explain to him and he believes it that a U.S. player for a site that does not market to U.S. players that's that he isn't worth that much to them just for because of the country that he is from. Then he can say, okay, it's been a good eight and a half years. They've paid me a lot of money. Uh, I've had a good experience with them. Okay, I'm leaving. I'm, I'm happy to leave, but I, I, I'm going to leave, but I'm still happy with them. And and then he probably, you know, maybe they discussed it, how he's going to announce it. And say, hey, can I write this uh, farewell letter that you can publish somewhere that uh, as to why I'm going? And I'm going to say very nice things about you guys, and I'll tell them it's all about me leaving for my wife and kid. Of course, Poker Stars is thrilled to publish something like that, and they do. There is some reason that they published this for him, and Vanessa's statement had to be made through Facebook, and PokerStar is, is ignoring it. <laughs> there, there, there's some reason for this. So, so now the question Cal White asked earlier, how could there be bitterness? What, what is Vanessa pissed off about? If they, if, they're, if they have essentially the same situation, uh, what is she pissed off about? So, Well, I'm, I'm just kind of speaking in general from the point of view of, you know, there's this company that's paying me money, and all I have to do is wear their gear and and do what I was going to do anyway. Right. You know, so, like why why would I, I don't know? Yeah. So 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 Vanessa, uh, I, I have a feeling Vanessa has always had a temper. I have a feeling that um, they either terminated her contract, they just said we we don't want to renew you, and they, they could have said that to Jason too. They could have just said to Jason, hey, you know, we're, we're not renewing you, or they could have given him a heads up, like these are going to be your last few months here. And, you know, no offense, we really like you. We just can't do this anymore. Uh, so it's possible Jason just took it very well. And Vanessa, when she was non-renewed, was really mad. What, after all I've done for you and promoted you so well, how can you do this to me? Just, you know, like, I could, I could, yeah. Maybe she got mad and sent them some really nasty emails. 
and they went back and forth. And maybe they're saying, well, Vanessa, with nothing against you. You, you did great for us. We just can't uh, continue promoting a U.S. player. I'm, I'm a very important figure to lesbian poker players everywhere. How dare you cut me? Like, I, I, you know, I, I, this, is, this is about sexism. Why are you keeping on Chris Moneymaker? I've won way more than him. Like, I, I could just picture she wrote something like this. And and this is all my, my theory. I'm, I, I don't have any evidence this happened. But I, I have to think that there may have been some back and forth that was not very friendly when they had to break this to her. Either a lowball offer or just a non-renewal of the contract. Clearly, this is not a coincidence that Jason, I mean, he admitted that he, he just he terminated at the end of the year when this contract was up. And so it's not a coincidence that also at the end of the year, she didn't renew. She's claiming it was voluntary, but, but it, it wasn't like she just quit in the middle of the year. Clearly, when contract renewal time came up, neither of them are there anymore. So, that's not a coincidence. So, I, I think that she just probably took it differently. I think they probably were in, around the same boat, that they were both either lowballed or non-renewed. And one was very gracious about it and said, okay, well, thanks for the eight and a half years of sponsorship. You've been very nice to me. And the other one was pissed off over the exact same situation. And now, as Calwatt said... You shouldn't be pissed off. You, you were basically paid to do very little. You were paid way more than the work you did. So I decided to, I don't know, uh, fan the flames a bit. So in response to PokerStars blogs, which is at PokerStars blog, in response to their tweet that I just read you about Jason Mercier, I responded, and I responded there because I knew a lot of people were reading it. A lot more people are reading that than my own Twitter. So I responded there. Interesting that there is a sweet statement for Jason's departure, and yet nothing about Vanessa Selps leaving on December 30th. And I at Vanessa Selps. Now, she's not going to see it because I'm blocking her, but, but that puts her on a permanent at where everybody responding to that it goes, if she sees it. <laughs> so I said, mm. I'm, gu- I'm guessing that Vanessa's departure wasn't voluntary. Vanessa's, quote, retirement statement said nothing nice about poker stars. So I said that. And uh, I got a few responses. A few, I can imagine. Uh, <laughs> not, that, not that many people were backing her either. Like, I, I got, like, like, some guy was responding that was, uh, what was his name? Andrew Weldon or something. Some, some guy who's, like, some social justice warrior friend of hers that tried to stick up for her but there wasn't that much angry response at me here but because there was some response back and forth you know involving me this this andrew weldon guy is some other person uh she was seeing this she keeps being her, her she's getting these notifications on twitter that her name is involved and she can't she can only see one side of the conversation so she unblocked me because she saw it was from, from me she unblocked me to read it and she read what I just wrote there, and she responded to me. So, and she likes to give sarcastic responses to people who criticize her. Well, she'll either block them or do that. Usually she'll do that and block you. So she wrote to me, great read. You got every detail spot on. No wonder you're such a, a hell of a poker player. Nailed it. So that's an odd response about you know, criticizing my poker skill. We've never played one hand together. We've never been at the table ever, me and Vanessa. So, uh, and I don't think I've ever even played with like her close friends. So, I don't know why she's drawing these conclusions about what quote, hell of a poker player I am. But whatever. Uh, putting that aside, uh, then she sent a second tweet out. When I, I don't have these anymore, and I'll explain why. 
but she sent a second tweet out that said, uh, he's sad that I blocked him a long time ago for being an asshat. <laughs> and and then uh, and then she w- basically went on to say that I was I was attacking her because of that because of being blocked and being bitter about it and then she finished the tweet off with in parentheses this is what sexism looks like come on I said absolutely nothing in that now, tweet I gotta I gotta say I agree with the asshat comment oh come on <laughs> but the sexism is 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 out of left field. no it's insane I. I well, what I, I mean is, Druff, look, I'm not, I'm not saying you are an asset, but I'm saying if, if that's her opinion of you, then that's fine. You know, she can say that, whatever. But there's no sexism there. It's no. Bizarre. And, I, and the thing is, you guys hear this show. I criticize males on the show all the time, males in poker. I don't say, oh, I can't criticize that guy. He's a man. Or, i got, I got to go after this person. He's a woman. If someone does something newsworthy in poker, whether good or bad... You know, more bad is more interesting to talk about. Uh, I'll bring it up here, and I'll criticize whoever needs to be yeah, criticized. I don't think Sean Deeb thinks you're very sexist. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, there's so many people I've criticized on here who are male. And in fact, most of the people I've criticized on this show have been male. And, and that makes sense because it's mostly males in poker. But I, I don't go out of my way to, to, to bash females on this show. And, and, and what I wrote had nothing to do with her, her gender, not even, not even her uh, sexual preference, or not even her appearance. I, I, I was talking specifically about what she wrote, what she didn't write, and, and how poker stars treated it versus someone else leaving a week later. And so so that's, that's always where these social justice warriors go. They'll, they'll try to blame something that, you know, that you're racist, you're sexist, you're homophobic. Well, I'm surprised she didn't say I'm homophobic, too. But, but I was sexist here, she said. So anyway, so I answered with this. Uh, so let me get this straight. Poker stars paid you good... Oh, that's it. That's what it is, Druff. No, let me get this straight. Well, no, that's, she re- the homopho- that's the homophobic okay. comment right okay. there. <laughs> let me get this straight. It's clear. <laughs> so let it's me get this clear what you're trying to do there. Let me get this straight. Poker stars, and I put at poker stars so they could still see it. Uh, poker star, at poker stars paid you good money for many years for basically doing nothing but breathing. And your, your quote, retirement statement not only avoided thanking them, but also criticized them. Guess it's okay to rebel against them only once the checks stop coming. So, as you might imagine, uh, she wasn't very happy with that, nor did she want to go down this road of debating it. Because, look, Lock. there's there's no way for her to debate this one and come out looking good, because the, what I'm saying is true. Like, she yeah. blocked you, right? Right. She, right I, I was yeah. immediately blocked, and she deleted her tweets to me. So, either she regretted having said that, that now, uh, you know... Now it opened up more criticism, or she didn't want her greater number of followers than I have to see this whole thing, and by removing those that she doesn't get to see the whole conversation. Like, people who go to her page won't see this, and I think that's probably more of the reason. Uh, I've taken this approach... If you made those homophobic comments, then (laughs) probably would have kept it. I've actually taken that approach before, too, where, like, someone creates a fake account, either a fake account or some account that's, like, barely used, they have, like, like, two followers, and they tweet something really nasty to me. And even in cases where I want to respond, I go, wait a minute, like, no one's going to see this. No one will see what they've tweeted to me unless they search out my name, which most people aren't doing. So why would I respond to this person? And then all the people following me will see it and go click on their name and see what they're writing. If I just, like, don't answer, then no one will see what they wrote. It's like it never happened. So, so that's, what I, that's how I usually approach, like, anonymous trolls who, who bother me on Twitter. Uh, I'm, I'm not, now, of course, if somebody brings up a, a, a legitimate point of something, I'm talking about just trolls who are harassing me. Someone brings up uh, if they're disagreeing with me or something, I'm not going to block them or or uh, 
or try to ignore them so people don't see it. I don't ever do that. I'm just talking about yeah, someone who comes out with some stupid personal attack or some troll attack. Like a, there, I won't give them response. But I, I think here she deleted it because of that. But uh, she anyway, she she deleted those and blocked me. So that's why I can't read the full text of that second tweet. I, I, I fortunately, I, what happens is Twitter also texts my phone when I get tweets. It's like an old school thing that they had that still works. But it, it only tweet it only texts you part of it because it's still using that that old format where it takes 144 characters and if there's several people it uh, that takes up part of the the 144 characters which now it doesn't anymore and now it's 288 characters so I only get part of long tweets now through that so the good thing about that is unlike the Twitter app which if something's deleted also deletes it the phone when you get a text message obviously doesn't so that's what you can go back to texts that were sent or tweets that were sent that are now gone that were sent to you. But so I only had partials there, but um, yeah, you basically get the gist there. So I really think that that something happened and I think that there's some bitterness between her and poker stars. That's why they didn't thank her. They didn't uh, announce her leaving. They didn't say anything nice about her. They just pretended like it didn't happen. And she made the shortest statement ever regarding them. I'm officially leaving. So, uh, and, then, and then the little backdoor slam that about the promoting to amateurs. So, I, before we go on here, I, there's not much more to say about this. Before we go on, a few things. Uh, one of her friends is asking, why am I doing this? Why, why am I so interested in this topic? Why am I trying to pointlessly slam her on the way out? The reason is because I don't like her. I mean, I'll be honest. It's it's because it's not because she's a female or a lesbian. It's it's because I didn't like the way that she's been behaving recently with uh, a very kind of cowardly behavior on Twitter, where she'll uh, she'll bring up a very controversial political or social subject and then block anyone with the slightest bit of disagreement. She did that to me and many others. Remember how well, let me let me let me just uh, have a, a contrary opinion, Druff. Yeah. So I I don't really have anything against her, you know. Um, I think that in the beginning, when she first kind of came onto the scene, she was kind of, um, I mean, I remember there were a number of incidents of her like berating, uh, some rec players and not behaving too well, but she seems to have corrected that. Um, now granted, so I don't really have anything against her, but granted, I don't follow her on Twitter. I don't listen to what she has to say and, you know, so maybe the well, that's maybe why not yes. hearing, maybe not hearing her opinions is one of the reasons. You're, you're correct but, because but I don't have anything against her. Okay, you're, you know? you're correct that she has improved in in uh, the last several years her behavior in you know, live poker, and some of this also might be because she's a sponsored player or was a sponsored player, and you can't do that. But in the beginning, she had some pretty nasty. Oh, uh, she did. She did. Right. Yeah. And and. and uh, so she did improve with that. It could be because she got older and more mature. Or it could be because uh, she was sponsored and told, hey, you can't do that anymore. But whatever it is, she did improve that. Uh, she's not – I haven't heard recently of, of incidents when she's playing and, uh, and and gets nasty with people. But but if you don't follow her on Twitter, then it's much easier to like her. But on Twitter, she's she's really the type of social justice warrior who's going to bring up a lot of controversial topics. And if you even slightly disagree with her, even in a polite way, she will block you. And it's it's or, or or make some kind of nasty comment and block you. It's happened to so many people, and I I, I just I, I can't 
have much respect for someone like that. And you know, if if you want to bring up those type of topics, you have to be willing to take criticism back. And you don't have to get in endless debates with people, but but you don't block them for disagreeing with you. That's uh, I, I think that's pretty lousy. So yeah, so when I noticed something in her statement leaving that that clearly you had to read between the lines and see what really happened, and it's not a, the story's not as sweet anymore once you 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 dig past that. Yeah, I brought it up. Just like whereas if I really liked her, or even somewhat liked her, then I, I probably wouldn't say, "Hey, let's pick this apart." And uh, like, like I'll, I'll take someone randomly, a, a, a female in poker. I just I thought of off the top of my head who I'm not friends with and I don't know very well, but from what I've experienced with her has been good. And that's uh, Melissa Burr. Okay, she she's always been nice when I've played with her a few times. She's, she's very sweet. Uh, nothing against her at all. I, I, in general, I like her. Don't know her very well, but like if she were in the situation and left, and it was a similar thing where it looked like they probably just not renewed her, and there's some bad blood, I probably would not have gone and pointed that out uh, just, you know, because. Uh, I'm thinking, okay, I like this person. I don't, I don't want to kind of be a jerk. But if, if it's someone I don't like very much, I'll, I'll be the jerk. And, so it's, and that's, that's normal. That's what people do to me, too. Like, people will point out negative things about me if uh, they either don't like me or just want to troll me to get me aggravated, where people who tend to like me more will not say things even if they think them. So uh, one more thing I should mention that's not related to my reaction to her. Uh, the hedge fund that she says that she's going to work for now. She, she didn't say which one it was, but it was uh, then announced in a, in a story. Uh, let's see if I can find it here. I had it and I lost it. It actually identified where she's... Uh... Yeah, there it is. Uh, this is a story it says, uh, from ZeroHedge.com. Bridgewater founder Ray Dalio has been preoccupied in recent months with promoting his new book. But as Bridgewater Associates struggles to play down its tepid performance in recent years, it appears the firm's recruiters have scored another victory that should keep investors distracted from its middling performance. Bloomberg reports that the $160 billion hedge fund has hired Vanessa Selps, the world's most successful female tournament poker player. Selps, a Brooklyn, Brooklyn na- native, is focusing on trade research and strategy. Among both buy and sell side firms, strategy and research are often used euphemisms for marketing. And at a shop like Bridgewater, where the machines do most of the investing, most of the firm's 1,500 employees are essentially window dressing. So I guess it's saying Vanessa is going to be window dressing, something I never thought I'd hear before. Uh, while the company didn't f- officially confirm that it had hired Selps, a note published on her Facebook page explaining her decision to give up professional poker said she had taken a job at an unspecified hedge fund. So it, it appears that's what it is, That because Bloomberg reported that they hired her, and of course she said she's going to work for a hedge fund. So that appears to be where she's going to work. We'll see how long that lasts, but uh, whatever. Uh, she's not, you know, she hasn't... Uh, done really much that, that's been shady. The only thing that I can think of is that thing with Jason Mercier, of all people, when she tried to welch on a bet with him. But aside from that, you know, she hasn't really done anything bad. I've just, I just find her demeanor on Twitter and her behavior to be obnoxious and hypocritical. I, I see her as a limousine liberal, and uh, and that's why I don't like her. But yeah, if she succeeds in the hedge fund, I'm not going to say, oh man, I wish she was failed. Like she's not, there's some bad people in poker that have done bad things that I want to see suffer. I don't want to see her suffer. So I, I, I don't so much want to see her succeed. Like, I'm not rooting for her, but I'm not rooting against her. It's like, kind of just whatever happens, happens. It'll be interesting to see either way. So I'm not going to be disappointed to see that she's done well. I'm not going to be thrilled to see she failed, just, just to be clear here. And, I, and I'm being honest about this. You know, if, I, if I were to be thrilled to see she'd fail, I'd, I'd be honest with you guys about that. But uh, I, don't have that, I don't have hatred for her. I just 
don't care for her that much. And ma- mainly from her Twitter personality. And uh, and I know she, she's always had a little bit of bias against me because of my association with Neverwin because she had a fight with him at the PCA uh, 10 years ago. Or, uh, yeah, I think it was, it was 10 years ago. Yeah, so... Fine, you know... <laughs> I don't normally hate someone because of their uh, their friendships, but whatever. Uh, you know, it, it's just... Uh, and she she also wasn't a fan of Neverwin Poker and the vulgarity on there, so whatever. Uh, it, I know she never thought too much of me either. So, the only good thing I can really say about her, you know, aside from being a good poker player, the only thing I can say that's positive is that she did... Uh, Call out sites like Lock Poker for ripping people off. Even after she got uh, more famous in poker, she was still doing that, and yeah, so that's good that she was one of the voices against shady poker sites. But uh, yeah, but of course, making the statement on the way out that you don't feel comfortable pr- promoting the game to amateurs anymore, like as some sort of moral standpoint, when when you've done this for so many years, when amateurs were still losing, that's uh, that's kind of an off-putting statement too. So, another Twitter story. This one, I mean, I made a little statement about it on my Twitter, but it doesn't involve me. It involves Anna Kate, who is uh, a sometimes poker player. She's best known for appearing on the TV show Survivor. And in recent times, has become very big into right-wing politics, of all things. I I didn't expect that, but that's... uh, She's very big into that, a big supporter of Donald Trump. Uh, very, very right-wing. More than I am, by the way. Is this the bikini mud wrestling part? Yeah, yeah yes, yes. We're getting to that. Nice. Uh, so she has been a target of people on the left who hate her for that reason. And I mentioned on the show a short time ago that she lost her YouTube channel. She had a YouTube channel called The Anna Kate Show. She did some sort of you know, video show on there, but it uh, didn't last that long. It got removed because she covered some controversial topics. She she said it was because of a a, a bias there against conservatives, but uh, that's actually not true. And seriously, serious has laid that. I, I I believe she thinks that. I don't think she's lying. But uh, they they've become overly sensitive on YouTube to any kind of controversial content, and they have bots that now remove channels, and it's very hard to appeal these decisions. And it looks for basically keywords of anything that could be controversial and kills the channel. Sometimes kills videos, sometimes kills an entire channel. Yeah, that Logan guy fucked it up for everybody, right? Yeah, so so uh, a number of YouTube uh, personalities who've been counting on YouTube to be uh, for their livelihood have been affected by this, or they've been demonetized where their videos can stay, but they can't make money anymore because they can't run ads anymore. And this is because YouTube is, is very afraid that because sponsors have been leaving when their ads have been running on very controversial videos. So, unfortunately, conservatives have been affected by this more often than liberals. But I don't know if this is so much aimed politically or, or just that they've decided that uh, certain topics that conservatives tend to cover are ones that they don't want covered on there because it'll upset sponsors. So I don't know so much if it's being done ideologically. Now it's clear that it's true that Google owns YouTube, that Google is a very left leaning politically company. That's, there's no question about that. So there could be some bias there, but I I think in the case of Anna Kate's show, they didn't remove it because, Oh wow, this is a conservative show. It was the bot that removed it uh, based upon uh, 
controversial subjects that she was covering. So she lost that. We discussed that out here. And I had seen a few weeks ago, Vanessa Selps, of all people, was attacking Anna Kate out of nowhere and, and bashing her. And keep in mind, unlike me, who's like inserting myself into, into Vanessa Selps' situation there and then got a reaction, Anna was not doing this. Anna was, was doing her own thing. And, and Vanessa was attacking her. Now, I'm not saying that Anna Kate is, is just posting sweet messages all the time on Twitter and, and uh, you know, how can anyone attack her. She posts controversial messages, not bashing like individuals on Twitter, but you know, political messages that can offend people who are easily offended by, uh, uh, by political messages on one side or the other. So people who are on the political left that are upset by people who post a lot of right-wing content, especially far-right content, uh, she's someone who's going to get them very angry. So, and this is the majority of what she writes. And you, you can look at her Twitter. I think it's just Anna Kate. Uh, A-N-N-A-K-A-I-T. Yeah, it is. And if you, if you go there, you'll see that most of what she tweets it has to do with politics. So, Vanessa self-spashed her a few weeks ago out of nowhere. But it's nothing compared to what happened more recently with Kate Hall. And unfortunately, I cannot uh, read any of this to you. Because uh, Kate Hall deleted everything she wrote. But I'll tell you about it from what I remember. This is just a few days ago. Uh... I guess there was something about uh, Anna Kate possibly running for Congress one day. Something there's some discussion of this. I, I don't know what brought this up, but uh, out of nowhere, Kate Hall said uh, something like, uh, uh, "You know, if, if if Anna Kate runs for office, I'm going to uh, I'm going to have the biggest laugh or something like something like that." Some some message that was bashing her like that. And she didn't put, like, at Anna Kate. She wasn't trying to get her attention on Twitter. She was actually... She wanted to bash Anna without Anna really directly seeing it. Now, obviously, Kate didn't think it was impossible that Anna would see it, because it's uh, on Kate's Twitter, and someone could just go tell her. But but uh, she put it without trying to start a conversation with Anna, just kind of talk behind her back to her own followers. But, of course, someone brought Anna's attention to it, and Anna read it and then responded. And they went back and forth. And what Kate was claiming was that uh, the, reasons, the reason Kate Hall claimed she was so mad at Anna Kate and, and was justifying the attacking of her like this, who, you know, Anna Kate had never spoken to her before ever. So this was really Kate Hall just attacking her. That she claims she's she's racist, she's sexist, she's yeah, that she's just decided because she, you don't agree with me, you're an awful person, right? So she decides she's going to attack her. But at one point, it got super vicious, where Kate was saying that uh, if if you dare run for office, I'm going to spend my whole life uh, trying to ruin you. And then she clarified that she meant that she's just going to keep following every word that Anna says and then trying to publicize it and make her look bad. So she wasn't saying like I'm gonna I'm gonna hurt you physically or I'm going to uh, you know I'm gonna stalk you. She was trying to say I, I'm gonna I'm gonna be a thorn in your side your whole life if you dare run for office. Which what the hell? I mean, look, 
if you're in a political party, if you not in, if you if you support one political party or the other, and you strongly support that political party, you're always voting for candidates of that one party, and you pretty much dislike the other party. In every election, you're basically not going to like the candidate on the other side. It's going to be rare that the candidate on the other side you're, you're going to think highly of. Most of the time, either you're going to instantly hate them or you're going to convince yourself to instantly hate the, car- the candidate on the other side. So, it, of course, you know, Kate is, is a left-wing social justice warrior liberal. Of course, anyone who would run for office on the Republican side would be pretty much the opposite politically of Kate Hall. Okay, well, so, so let's say someone else runs instead of Anna. Does Kate Hall think she's going to like that person better? Or much better? It's, 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 it's all pretty similar. So why would you pick out one person that has never done anything to you and has never done anything really bad? I mean, you could say, oh, she's been sexist on her Twitter. She's been racist on her Twitter or homophobic on her Twitter. You know, first of all, I, I haven't really seen that. But, but uh, second, like... She makes haven't it personal. really seen it or haven't seen no, it? No, I haven't seen it. I've, I haven't watched her Twitter. The, uh, I haven't watched everything Anna's tweeted. But um, to pick her out and say, if you run for office, I'm going to be a thorn in your side your whole life, and I'm going to keep exposing you, and I'm going to ruin you. Why? Why? Because she's running, for, uh, wants to run for office for the other party? I mean, i, I got to say, Druff, and it's it's not limited to... You know, just liberals doing it or just conservatives doing it. But I I do see it a lot where people just demonize other people that that disagree with them politically. Yeah. And it's I mean, I think it's fucked up. You know, it's whatever happened to, to people being able to have different opinions or different outlooks on life than you and still being decent, decent people. I know plenty of people that I disagree with on various issues it doesn't mean i think they're a bad person yeah it's bizarre that's the way i treat i I have like on facebook i have many friends on facebook uh some of whom are are real life friends that that have very different political and social opinions and and i don't hold it against them and i i don't uh I, i don't think badly of them for thinking that way and I think people who, who delete people from their Facebook because they voted for Trump or, or because they, they support right-wing politics or left-wing politics, it's stupid. You shouldn't delete anyone for that reason. You should let people think for themselves, and if they have a different opinion about politics, uh, just know that neither of you is probably going to make any difference in politics. So you're going to have your opinion, but no one's going to care. And, and thus the great irony of the Internet, right? The, <laughs> in the early days of the Internet, people were like, this is amazing. This is going to bring the whole world together. Yeah. Right? yeah. But really what has happened is um, as people are able to go online and find people that agree with them, they're forming very, very segregated islands of communities of people that think like them. Um, and it's, you know, it's a, across the spectrum, whatever, liberal, conservative, you know, any, any kind of religious, whatever your views are, um, the Internet actually is, is causing uh, – it allows people with similar ideas to only associate with other people that have the same opinions that they do. Um, and it's dangerous. It's, it's actually much worse than uh, – before the internet where you would be exposed to people of all, you know, varying opinions just, and that just happened to be whoever was around you. Right. 
Um, but online, you're able to go online and seek out, and people do this. This is like a, a psychological reaffirmment or something where they seek out people that agree with them, you know? Um, and I think this is kind of an example of that in a way, you know? A lot of these groups are just getting very, very fractionalized. And you should be doing the opposite of what Kate All is kind of doing here is you, you should talk to people. Yes. Try to understand their, their perspective. You don't have to agree with it. And you also don't have to uh, make it your life's mission to convert them over to your way of thinking. But this kind of demonization of people because you disagree with them is, I mean, it's bizarre. Yeah, and it's not healthy. I don't think it's healthy at all. And, and people were—they couldn't believe this. People watching this were saying, "Wow!" I, I like, like uh, I thought Jess Wellman wrote, uh, "Like uh, I, I see the show. I, I see the movie Mean Girls is taking place on Poker Twitter today." And, and like, like people were really surprised at the way Kate was acting. And yeah, I'll tell you, Anna's response is there, and I believe these are still up. Uh, she was. Okay, she she was handling it pretty well. She was not uh, at any point personally attacking Kate. She wasn't uh, ever getting really nasty. It was, uh, I, I'm telling you, it was really on on Kate Hall's side the real anger. And and then, so Anna blocked Kate Hall at one point during this, and then a new account was immediately made made named Bill Peters on Twitter at HJKSHFKHF, which is just you know someone just banging on the keyboard literally. Uh, a fake account was made to then, <laughs> right after Kate Hall was blocked, to then continue responding to Kate Hall to Anna Kate. And interestingly, I've done a forensic analysis of this. If you have very thin, bony fingers and you smash the keyboard, those are the exact <laughs> characters that come out. Wow, interesting. So mm-hmm. it says. Mm-hmm. So this is a tweet sent. Uh, One more for quote potential candidate running for office. It's actually spelled quote soulless huckster exploiting political climate to extend her fifteen minutes of fame from some shitty reality show. So that that really sounds like something Kate Hall would write too. That's like that's like such her writing style. So. I'm obviously there's no proof that's her, but it's it's very likely that was her based based upon like this was made immediately uh, after. This she is was something people and, do. It's so cowardly, but people do it all over the place. Yeah, so Where either they don't want to attribute it to them, or you know they've been blocked and they feel their opinion is so valuable it must get through, and they you know set up these little fake accounts and get their tweet their shit off. You but, know? Yeah, so I, but I thought what was so amazing about this was just what was the reason? Let's look at what was the reason. Anna and Anna Kate and Kate Hall never had any interaction prior to this. Nor nor was Kate Hall ever saying that Anna Kate harmed any of her friends or family. Nor was she saying that Anna Kate ever stole any money or committed crimes or No, it was just it was just about her 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 politics. It was just about her politics and her social views that offended Kate Hall so much that she was threatening if you run for office I'm going to be uh uh, watching everything you do the rest of your life and, and making sure that everybody knows it. So it's crazy. It's crazy. So well, I mean, that's what we're assuming, right? I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe she did say something that Kate Hall thinks is racist or whatever. Well, no, I, 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 I believe it. I believe but, but, you know, I mean, it's gotten to the point where a lot of these terms are, are bandied about where they're not really applicable. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you, you might have an opinion. Like, let's say someone says that they they don't believe in affirmative action, right? Yeah. There, there are people that would label that person racist. Oh yeah, yeah. And I, and I think that that is unfair. And there are lots of other uh, these kind of things that that go on. Like, 
Oh God, I remember watching some video where uh, this guy was. Uh, this guy lets people try to convince him to change his mind. Um, just some late night rabbit hole. I went in watching stuff on YouTube, and there was a, a, a woman who came on there and said that if you um, if you don't call me by my proper pronouns, you're committing an act of violence. Oh yeah, oh you you watched that was Stephen Crowder. I saw that. Yeah, I watched. Okay, him, yeah, I watched I him all the time. I don't know who that is. Yeah, okay. I had never heard of him before. I don't even know how the fuck I got to watching that. But I mean, come on, it's not a fucking act of violence. I realize you might consider it rude. You might consider it inconsiderate, you know, whatever. But you can't keep on taking any little slight and then stretching it to the extreme because then when the actual extreme really does happen, you know, I mean, you're, you're diluting the value of that. Yeah. You know, when everything is rape, when, you know, a, a guy looking at you the wrong way is rape, then, then what are you doing to people that are actually rapists? You know what I mean? It's not a... It's diluting it down to the point where it has no value anymore, and people are so quick to do it. I mean, who knows? Maybe that's what happened. Yeah, and you know, I, maybe I, maybe Anna Kate said something that you know was just her opinion, and, and Kate Hall said, "Oh, you're a racist." Well, yeah, yes, you know? I'm sure. I'm sure Kate Hall honestly believes that Anna Kate is is a racist and a homophobe or whatever else she was claiming about her. I'm sure she really believes this. Uh, I don't think she was doing this, uh, you know, for fun to troll someone. I but, but I hope it's more than just she doesn't. Even if it's wrong, like even if um, Kate Hall misinterprets something or they, you know, whatever, I hope it's more than just that they disagree politically because that would just be fucking ridiculous if that was the case. Well, it's an extension. You know? the, pro- the problem is that now, especially nowadays, there, there's, there's a lot of effort to look at the other side. Uh, that, uh, politically and decide that, you know, try to find a way to portray them as evil. Either stupid or evil, and uh, uh, so that's and then people get themselves all worked up. That's not just that this person disagrees, or not just that this person is wrong in your opinion, but that they're actually evil because they think this way. And and a way to think of someone as evil is think of uh, terms that would apply to someone which which make them sound like bad people. They're sexist. They're racist. They're homophobic. Uh, yeah, whatever. So that's that's what uh, and, and that's, everyone everyone just takes themselves so fucking seriously. Yeah, it's it's and I mean it's really ridiculous. I, I just think it's most ridiculous when people hate others who have never done anything to them or anyone they know, and in many cases have ne- never really done anything harmful. It's, it's not even Bro, like there's, a, there's a certain group of people that they wake up in the morning, they get their coffee, and they go on their social media, whether it's Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or whatever. Looking for something to get offended by. Yes. Like, just looking for it, and they just, they love the drama and the attention, and they can't wait to get involved and, and do it. I yeah. Mean, it's just, it's sad. It, it is sad. So, so that that happened there. That was that was another Twitter fight, and I, I guess if we can figure this out, that's, uh, I, I hate having to research things during the show, but. Uh, oh, that never happens. No, I, I never produced the show during the show. Producing the show during that, that never happens. Never, never happens. But I, let me see if I can quickly figure out what's going on with Matt Glantz and Phil Galfond. I'm just so I, I can't figure out, Druff, whether it takes you longer to read the agenda or find the agenda. <laughs> right? Because right? you always lose it at some point during the show, right? Okay, so let's see. I'm try, <laughs> trying to go here. So we're, we're, research, we're uh, researching the, uh, the feud between Galfond and Matt Glantz. Then. So I've seen, yeah, I've seen kind of the end of it here, but I'd... it's got to be something stupid because they both seem like very reasonable people. That's what I thought. Is that's why it was so weird. I, I, I'm so curious what this could be. 
And let's see. Oh, hold on. We have Trader Ruski coming. Let me let me put him on. Well, it's about fucking time. No, he's, he's busy at CES, and uh, if he's lucky, he's busy at AVN. If if he's lucky at, at CES and maybe AVN, he could run to my ex girlfriend for a long time from a long time ago, who's there right now. He just managed how to turn off the power of uh, tower of power vibrator. Okay, well, I'm trying to connect him here. Trader Risky, hello. Trader Risky, there How we are. How you doing, guy? Hey, what's happening, fellas? Where, where are you driving right now? I'm not driving. Okay. Walking down the street. And what's that walk, vibrating walk in sound the in the background, Trader Risky? That must be coming from Drust Thumb. No, 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 no. It's not something that you picked up at uh, AVN. I, I, no, actually, no. That, oh, uh, he's backpedaling. He's However, backpedaling. Coincidentally, I did uh, with ah. get a thousand points and won a. Uh, a little massager from uh, Golden Nugget. <laughs> sure you did. <laughs> That's I, I knew I heard vibrating in the background. I knew it. <laughs> All right. So I'm trying to figure this thing out with okay. Uh, well, you'd think the women would support each other with everything going on. I mean, I just caught the tail end of what you guys were talking about. You know. I, you know, I, I, I can't figure out what... I, I see them discussing something back and forth about something with a one of these altcoins and... and oh, God's and, sake. And, 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 and it, it doesn't seem like something very interesting, to be honest. It says... Uh, yeah. It, I, Matt, Matt Glantz has been pushing certain coins on uh, on Twitter recently, and some of them have gone up. And, uh, and some people are saying that he's being a shill for these coins, you know, maybe because he owns them himself and wants to see them go up. I, I don't know what the real story is. I haven't watched it that closely, but uh, I, I don't know. This doesn't look that interesting. I was hoping it would be better than this. If, if there's something more interesting to it, someone direct me to it, and then maybe we can uh, discuss it more. But I, I don't want to discuss a Matt Glantz and Phil Galfond uh, altcoin debate. That's about as boring as you can get. So on a scale of Bitcoin.ag to Kate Hall and Anna Kate in a bikini mud wrestling match? Like, where does this fall on that spectrum in terms of how It's, it's, not, it's it not even on that spectrum. It's, it's on the opposite side. It's actually below Bitcoin.ag. Holy crap. Yeah, no. Change topics. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Please. So, yeah, it's, it's, good, it's good we didn't have it as an official topic. Now we can... Uh... Oh, hey, you know how I, I always plug... Speaking of, of plugging stuff, you know how I always plug that dollop podcast? Yes. Which is a great podcast, by the way, if any of you guys are... I'm not trying to drive people away from Poker Fraud Alert at all. It's totally different. It's uh, comedians that do uh, kind of their take on history. They they just came out with one that is uh, the story of Harvey's Casino in Lake Tahoe. Remember there was like a bombing there? Yeah, the bombing. That was actually very interesting. Yeah, so they did a an hour and a half long podcast on it. I haven't heard it yet, but Flipper Fair sent me a message and uh, and reminded me of it. Yeah, that's uh, really. There's a a lot of people don't know. You this. should listen to that. Listen to that. In in, in 1980, there was a an actual bombing. A bomb actually exploded inside right. of of Harvey's Casino. They tried to uh, demand ransom. I think two million dollars to not have the bomb go off. And uh, they, so yeah, the bomb actually did go off there. Nobody was hurt because you know, the place was evacuated before the bomb exploded. But the bomb actually did explode. Uh, in, in Harvey's Casino, and in fact, it was a very, very sophisticated bomb for that time, and it's it's that bomb is actually still used in, in uh, bomb squad training today. That's how that's how sophisticated it was. That 38 years later, 
they're still using that bomb, not, not as the only example, but as an example of a sophisticated bomb on how to disarm them. Uh, so this was not just some laughable bomb you know, by today's standard. This was actually a bomb that would still be uh, pretty well designed in 2018. Yeah, and it's a crazy story. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quiz you on the podcast next week to make sure oh, that you've okay, listened to it. Homework here. Okay. So, so, homework. So anyway, speaking of plugs, I, I should plug our sponsor, attorney Eric Benzamokin. I think how I think no, no, no. I was just gonna say before you get before we go to the commercial. <laughs> um, if anybody watched that Unabomber thing on Netflix, it's kind of like a docudrama. Mm. It was really good. What's it called? It was. It's called Unabomber, I think. Okay. What was that called? Yeah, and they kind of go through the whole thing of Ted Kaczynski. Yes, it was interesting. You know what? I, I, I wonder how long they would have taken to catch the Unabomber if they hadn't gotten lucky with, uh, number one, him deciding that he wanted more attention and, and writing the, the, that long manifesto to the media. And then associated with that, his brother happening to clean out his mom's attic and find something that he had written back in 1969 read it and had recognized some very specific phrasing that is uncommonly used in both pieces and said, wait a minute, this, this is really sounding like my brother. And that's, well, no, I think that's how they were able to get the warrant. But I think the wife, I think the brother's wife at first, when he saw the stuff said, this sounds like Ted, you should call the police. Anyway, that's, that oh. was what they were talking about on this. Yeah. Uh, but, but Netflix if it, it, event. I, like if he had never written this manifesto and just stuck to his old plan, uh, they were totally off for the longest time in, in, in you know, who, who they thought it was or, or what they thought about the person, where they thought they were. They, 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 they didn't have any idea he was in Montana. Yeah, um, but Druff, I mean, these guys who do this crazy shit, of course they're going to write a manifesto. That's like, that's like asking Kate Hall not to tweet about her having you know, brain surgery or whatever, you know? I mean, they're, they're in it for the attention. Of course but, but, they're going to fucking... He went for a know? long time, though. He went for a long time without seeking publicity be, be, you know, besides the bombings themselves. He was not doing anything like that, and then one day he couldn't help himself. Yeah, and, and wrote I mean, this, you know, it's just, it's it's going to burst at some point, and he's going to have to go do it. Yeah, and that, yeah, but then there's also the guy in Vegas who didn't, as far as we know so far, really didn't tell us shit. Yeah, it's still, it's still right. so strange to me that like nothing has been put out. We've seen no video of him. No, like nothing. That's true. Come that's forward. a different kind of psychopath. That, You're right. Yeah, that's okay. So uh, we are sponsored by Attorney Eric Benzamokin. Who uh, we're not talking about him because we were just talking about psychopaths. He's actually a very good lawyer, right? <laughs> yes, and and he he you know probably has more money to sponsor the show now that he did well at commerce, and he. Uh, he also, in addition to what I put on this commercial, which you're about to hear, he also will take cases. If you have been ripped off by a poker room and you live in California, uh, give him contact him with, at the email address on the commercial, and uh, it's free to contact him and, and see if uh, maybe he can do something for you there. And if you don't live in California, there's a lot more he can do for you, and I'm going to play that to you right now. Okay, now most of you guys know that I'm very picky regarding which sponsors I take. If I don't believe in the product or service being offered, I don't take the ad. And that's why I lose money on the site every month, even though I'm a cheap Jew, and it kills me to send out that money every month knowing that it is not coming back in. But I'm really, really excited about this new Poker Fraud Alert sponsor because I feel he's providing a service to the poker community that they really, really need. 
Eric Bensamokin is an attorney and a longtime poker player who provides arbitration and mediation for poker and gambling-related disputes. Now, simply put, if someone owes you money, or if they think you owe them money, he's a fully impartial third party you can trust to listen, understand, and decide who's right. The reason you can trust him is because Eric is a licensed attorney in the state of California and federally, and he's able to arbitrate and mediate for you no matter where you live. So you don't have to be in California, you can be anywhere, and he can arbitrate or mediate for you. What makes Eric perfect for this is the fact that he's an attorney bound by the rules and ethics of the state bar, and he's also a longtime poker player, so he understands the issues of our community. And at the same time, he's an outsider, and he, he's probably not likely to know anybody connected to your dispute. So you're not going to have to worry that he's friends with a guy that you're disputing with, or even friends of a friend. He's really an outsider to the community who plays poker for fun, but knows the community really well. It's perfect, and he's a licensed attorney. You can't do better than that. This means you will get a completely impartial decision from a qualified attorney who understands everything. And I'll be honest, if I had a poker-related money dispute with someone, Eric is the exact type of arbitrator or mediator that I would be looking for. Take down his email address, eric at eblawfirm.us. That's eric at eblawfirm.us. If you feel you're being scammed or if someone owes you money or if someone's accusing you of owing them money, just send Eric an email. It's not going to cost you anything. It's not going to hurt you. Just send him an email, and he'll tell you what he thinks of the whole situation, and then he can go from there. Eric can perform both arbitration, where he decides who's right, and mediation, where he helps both of you figure out your own agreement. Keep the email address around, even if you don't have a dispute at the moment, because you never know when one will come up, and Eric is exactly the man you need for the job. That's eric at eblawfirm.us. That's attorney Eric Benzamokin, eric at eblawfirm.us. And what I was saying before, that if you live in California and uh, an online po- any poker room, online or otherwise, has screwed you in some way, definitely contact him. That's an additional thing he can do. 11 years ago, there's more 10 and a half around there, um, I, I got money almost stolen from me by Cake Poker. $46,000 they confiscated from me with a false allegation of collusion. And I really thought that uh, it was just going to be gone. And I remember the worst feeling was I didn't know, besides trying to bash them on forums, what I could do about it. I, and I said, I, I may need an attorney. This is enough money where it might be worth hiring an attorney, or at least hiring one on contingency to try to get this back. But I don't know where to start or what to do or anyone who would be familiar enough with this whole, you know, with online poker to understand it. Uh, this is exactly the type of person I would have hired if, if I needed it. Now, fortunately, they backed down and gave me back my money. But uh, I, I really thought it was gone, and I thought I would have to go to uh, an attorney. But I remember th- the, the part I was dreading the most was trying to figure out who to go to. <laughs> most, most attorneys have no clue about uh, poker-type uh, litigation. So Eric Benzamokin, the attorney sponsoring the show, I think he could be very useful in any of these type of situations, that arbitration mediation. So you can contact him, and he's a nice guy, and, and he'll respond to you. You have nothing to lose by, by sending him an email if you if you think you need something he can help you with. Anyway, uh, here's some people who, who definitely would be able to afford an attorney or it would be worth going to an attorney if they don't get their money. They probably will, but I'm just... <laughs> these are people, these were recreational poker players, most likely, who got a big windfall. 
this is a, a almost six hundred thousand dollar jackpot at a one two no limit game on the Chico Loco Poker Network. So they uh, there were f- six players at the, t- at the table, and two of them were sitting out. They must really be uh, frustrated, though. Of course, the the whole hand would have been different with the way the random number generator works. So, at least if you're sitting out, I mean, if, even if not, because the cards have been dealt differently with six people versus. So four. you're not shitting me. There's a there's a Chico Loco online poker scheme. There's a, there's a Chico Poker Network. Yes. It's a, it's a network of, of various skins, and yes, uh, and Bet Online is is one of them. So, and Bet Online is I, I use Bet Online for a lot of my sports betting. So is it geared towards like Latin America or something? No, I don't know why they even call it that. I, hmm. I don't know the history behind the name. It's been around a little while. So, the Chico Loco Poco Network. There were six players at the table: Poker Player Forever with the number four, uh, Matter One Seven Three Four. Shara02, Tyrant with a capital T. I think that's a funny name, just Tyrant with a capital T. Then uh, parentheses 7, which is uh, a parenthesis, open parentheses, the word 7 written out into closed parentheses is one person. And then uh, Bimaxa. So 7 and Bimaxa, unfortunately, were sitting out. So they- You know, back in the day, Druff, when we were playing online poker, <clears throat> back when it was like... Super, super juicy. Whenever you saw someone that had any kind of poker term in their name, they always sucked. Right, right. And, and on Poker like Stars, they were always just horrible. I like the avatars on Poker Stars that gave away things too. Like if someone had an avatar of their pet or their kid, they always sucked too. Oh yeah. <laughs> or, or even <laughs> if they or, had a, a baby, and yeah, and there was some epic thing where there was a picture of the the baby, and someone said that's the, the ugliest dog I've ever seen, or something like that. <laughs> I don't know. That was some thread on two plus two. Anyway, so, hey, so anyway, this so those uh, those are the people at the table. So there's only poker player forever. Matter one seven three four. Shara zero two and Tyrant are the only people actually in the hand. None of them had more than two hundred sixteen dollars in chips on the table. So pre flop, Tyrant opened to five dollars. Poker player forever three bet to eighteen dollars. The other two folded back to Tyrant who called. Well, turned out Tyrant. Had pocket jacks, and poker player forever had queen ten of diamonds. So and he's the one that open called, right? Yes, uh, poker player. Yeah, it was it was raised three by call, so he just called with the tyrant. Just called with the jacks. Yep. So the flop. Now you're gonna love this flop action, unless they were playing for the jackpot. But I don't know. Uh, you love this flop action. Eight nine jack. Or sorry, it's it's the. Uh, well, the, the flop and turn is kind of fun. 8-9 eight, eight, jack. Their heads up here. All diamonds. So, poker player forever has flopped the straight flush. Tyrant has flopped top set, but very vulnerable. This 8-9 uh, jack, all diamonds. You, you don't know the guy has a straight flush, obviously. You, you have to- Just to make sure that I have this correct, you're saying... That the guy with pocket jacks opened to five and was three bet by queen ten of diamonds, and the guy with jacks just called, called. and then and then on the okay. flop, all right, then the all flop right. he flops top set on this very vulnerable board heads up eight nine jack, tyrant checks, poker player forever bets ten, and tyrant just calls. 
<laughs> and Tyrant is the one with the, the with set the of jacks. jacks. Set of jacks. You know, it heads up. Okay. You, know, you, might, you might as well give the guy a cheap turn. They're, they're I, only... think, I mean, I think he's probably just, he probably thinks he's just, you know, he's golden and he's slow playing him. And <laughs> yeah. Whatever. There's, there's no way, there's no way a board of eight, nine jack of diamonds can go bad with, with, uh... Yeah, that's not a, that's not a wet board at all. Yeah. No. So, <laughs> he, he just wants to check call with his set, maybe set up a trap for later. Then, then the turn is a four of diamonds. So now, of course, Tyrant is afraid that he's, that he's just lost. And so he checks. Poker player forever doesn't want to bet anymore because he's, uh, you know, he's afraid he's going to chase him off the hand. So check, check. When are they going to get their money in? The t- well, finally, the river a jack hits. So Tyrant now's got <laughs> now now Tyrant's got quads. You think you think Tyrant would still bet at this point? But but uh, no, Tyrant check. So it could have gone check check. It'd be funny. Oh my god! But, I want to I want to hear this. Like, okay, so, I mean, so yeah, so this ty- was pretty atrociously played. But uh, please tell me it's going to go like bet. Min rays, min re No, no. It, it, <laughs> and it takes them six bets to. No, no, but this is also kind of funny, though. So, so keep in mind, okay. the, pot, the pot isn't that big. The pot is, uh, it's like, uh, 30, it's like $56 the pot. Okay? Yeah, that's what I'm saying, man. Yeah. When you, when you flop a big hand, like, you've got to try to get the money in. Yeah, so, you know? so, but you'll like this. You'll like this here. So, Tyrant checks, uh, you know, trying, he, he's got the quads here now. So, Tyrant checks. And then Poker Player Forever goes all in for $179. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> so then, so then, uh. This is so bad. So then, and, and keep in mind, Tyrant had almost the same, so it wasn't like he's going 179 in and the Tyrant has five left. They had almost the same stack. So then Tyrant calls 171, is all in, and, uh, you know, they show down their hands. So of course, Tyrant just lost quads, quad jacks, and that triggered the bad beat jackpot. And for this fine play, these, uh, these... You know what? You know what? If I'm at that poker network, I'm going to be like, nope, nobody's getting it. You guys both play this hand so fucking bad, you're not getting a fucking dime. <laughs> so so, uh, so here, here it goes. Tyrant gets $273,382.82 for that fine poker play. For for slow playing top set on actually on, that is the best news that that network has yes, ever yes. fucking had because that guy is gonna fucking dunk that shit off yeah the poker player forever gets one hundred forty nine thousand eighteen and forty nine cents and then uh, j- just just for being dealt in the hand and folding some junk matter seventeen thirty four gets seventy four thousand five oh nine and at twenty five cents and then Shara zero two she gets the shaft there. Yeah, provided Shara really is a female. Shara got uh, seventy four thousand five hundred nine and twenty four cents. So for some reason, she oh. got uh, the sexism that uh, don't let Kate Holly hear about this. That the Chico clearly, local, clearly sexist. The Chico and, local and network. Rough, rough. Even if it was a guy, he could still get the shaft. Okay. Yeah, Chico local. The Chico local poker network favors the men and gives gives the man one That's penny clearly more. Clearly, what happened? One penny more than Shara for no reason. Neither played the hand. They they were dealt in, but they folded pre flop. So neither That's did anything. Fucking sexism, man. It's what it is. It's not their position to the table or anything. It's yeah. not rounding. It's fucking sexism, right there. So that's what happened, and uh, uh, we'll we'll take a call for a second here. See, a call's coming in. I told this person they said they're going to call in. They want to talk about something. They're calling in now. Is this Raw Wolf? Jerome. Yes. What's up, dog? So you said you wanted to to talk about something or bring something up here on the show. Yeah, uh, I've actually got a couple things to talk about, but it it just got so late. I was trying to, I was actually trying to see if it was working because my computer was down 
I, I couldn't even see if you had a show tonight. I don't know. I don't know what. I haven't heard anyone else had a problem. So, well, uh, is, is it still on every week? Or yeah, yeah. It, it's not always the same day. Last week was Friday. The previous week was Wednesday. This week's Thursday, but it's on every week usually. Well. Man, I've I've sent you a bunch of texts. I don't know if you got them all, but I only got like one back from you. But I've actually got some pretty big info. Um, yes, it just, it, it'll take a little while. It's what? not like a five minute conversation. What, what, what's what's like, the subject about? I've got one on crypto. I've got one on Chris Ferguson, and I've got one on a poker idea for poker fraud alert. Like number one, man, I'll just throw this out tonight, just straight up for us. Uh, Seriously, we have put way too many ideas into this site. Like, the people that all are around us, not you, Druff, you put in t- tons of time. You, I'm not I'm not bashing you at all. It's everyone else. It should be a $100 free roll every week, regardless, plus. And we should, we should give away some kind of damn crypto. Because this site gives away so much free inf- information to everybody. And they just, and people just fucking take it and they don't even want to give back like a dollar. And I'm not talking about C money or a bunch of the other good ones. Like there's a bunch of good, I'm not bashing them, but like this should be a hundred dollar a week free roll for the poker every week. Plus whatever people add plus some crypto because we all want to throw in. And plus there should be at least a few minutes for people to talk about ideas for the next week. Well, not for the next 10 years, not for some shit that's going to happen to like Howard Letterer, you know, and I'm talking about real shit that happens fast. And so, like, you could do that, Truff, because I bet you, man, you drove up in the Beamer right there at the Rio, and we could have done this so fast. And it's just, there's there's a lot of people out there ready to put money into all kinds of good stuff, but it just, it ends up being like, you know... Just some silly. So, anyway. Okay. Well, I, I want to. You know, people I think you people, can do it, my uh, man. O- overall, for the free roll, I, I think people have been very generous overall. Of course, there's certain people who who, who you know donate frequently, and I, I really appreciate them. But uh, overall, the, the amount of money that's been collected to give away for the free roll, yeah, you know, some weeks it's, it's less than others, and some weeks I actually make it less just because I'm afraid that next week we won't have as much. So, so I'll actually you know make it like this week we we were giving away 57, now 77, th- plus the bounties, thanks to daily, but. Uh, I'll, I'll cut it less sometimes. Jeff, just Jeff, bro, hey, hey, listen, real quick. I, I know, man, that's cool. That's seventy-seven bounty. You understand that? Like nine years ago, I gave away three hundred and forty-five or three hundred and fifty bitcoins in a free roll. So like, I don't give a shit. I swear, I just want to tell you straight up. I don't want a dollar from anybody. Wait, where, where did you do that? Where did you give, where, where did you give away the, those? Flow. Hold on, where did you I give away? people th- to win. Wait, hold on. I'm, I'm interested you, in this. You, just, you don't even where, get it. Where, where did you give away 350 Bitcoin? Why don't, why don't I remember that? Uh, man, I've given them away not only to people on your site, but scats and others. And Mycon knows that we threw a damn free roll straight on seals with clubs. Just me and him, and we put up the 200, 100 apiece. Oh, I didn't know that. So, like, it don't even matter. Well, it don't even matter, man. The shit was like $8 a piece. No, I'm, I know, I'm not I know. mad at anybody. I love the whole way everything's gone. The problem with the poker fraud alert is, is there's no there's, there's no quickness in the action. 
and there's so many people that believe in your site that, that just aren't represented. It's not about black cock. It's not about crypto. It's not about something serious. Cock. Serious. It's it's all. And anyway. I think it might be about the black cock. No, look, people people can do what they want. It's an open place. People uh, can express themselves and what people want to do with the information. Like for example, I will give Raw Wolf props that some people posted that he had uh, called in and uh, promoted uh, certain. Uh, alternative cryptos that uh that he thought were going to blow up and and some of them people actually took the advice and and took it and and made money off of it i know matt the rat who he just tried to call in i didn't get his call but but uh, i know he was one of the people who had made some money from it and and others had and and they said look i gotta give uh, raw wolf credit that he pumped this when it was worth much less and uh, and you know people actually listened to you and they bought it and you know those those i didn't listen but there is the people who listened and and bought it and then were happy they did and and uh and made thousands of dollars from it so hey and that's totally great and that's what i'm saying this show is about ideas and sometimes those ideas turn into big money and the people that make the money don't need to be fuckbags they need to put back a little bit. The same way, Druff, you know how much money I've thrown back. I'm, I'm not a sea money or the big dogs, but when I used to win the free rolls and all that shit, I'd roll over, I'd roll over my money. Like, you know that I'm not trying to make money off your site. Your site generates great ideas for the future, and there are ways to make money off that, and y'all aren't um, taking advantage of the ways to make money from it. Like, there. God, there's just, man, I, I came out there, man. I've traveled so far to get out there to y'all, and just, I'm sorry I met Drexel and that way it went down, but. Well, man, let's, let's forget about that, but I, 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 I just wanted to I, 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 have bitcoins and them and play poker. I, I do have like, a question for you on a personal basis. Didn't you have some kind of cancer thing going on a few years ago? Has is, is, is that gotten better? What's the story with that at the moment? No, I, I I do have oral cancer, but it's it's because of the, what I've done. I've dipped since I was about twelve and a half, thirteen years old. It's my own fault, and and I, I mean you know it's fine. But you know what what, what what what's over ten years? But well, like like what what is the it, prognosis here? Is it something that's uh, that's that could spread? Is it something that could be life threatening? Is it just inconvenient? What what's the, what's the uh, I know you mentioned a few years ago. It, you're still it's you're still a here now. Beyond inconvenience, but I mean, I've got the, uh, some black teeth. If that makes you feel better to like talk about it on the radio while I'm trying to talk about the whole. No, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not trying to make fun of teaching. black teeth. I... No, seriously though. I, I mean, you took it from like us making money into like black teeth. No, no, so no, no. no. I, I just, I, I, I just talk about my my nicotine addiction. No, 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 no. I wasn't trying to do that. I was, I was trying to. I was trying to. You in the parking lot. I know what you're about, dog. No, I was trying to figure. BMW. Yeah, I, I was trying to yeah, figure let's out. Talk about cancer. No, 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 I was, I was, I was concerned here that you know it's been a few years, and I, at least you're, st- you know, you're still here, obviously, and I, so I wondered, you know, where that is because when someone says like three years no, ago, you weren't concerned, man, and it doesn't matter because no one, I don't owe anyone on the site money. All of y'all have gotten money from me. I only donate. I never ask but for I, anything. But I, I didn't say you asked I for only anything. Call in and try to do funny shit. 
But I didn't. I didn't I say you asked for anything. For, I, I gave Drex for four hundred dollars when he brought me the molded cheese. Listen, listen. I was. I was asking I've you. Never, I've never asked for a dollar. I, I, but I, 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 everything. I'm not saying you did. Hold on, me. hold on. I'm not saying you did. I was. I was expressing. You're. The, you told people that you. You had that going on. I, I was asking about an update. Now, if, if you. If you called in and sounded like you were about to die, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be so callous to say, "Hey, how's the cancer?" But since and it's you know over the phone, someone can sound fine and they're really not. So I understand that, but. Uh, but I, I was I was honestly curious since it got brought up many years ago. I wanted to know. And it's, it, this wasn't a private thing. You brought it up to everybody, mm-hmm. so I was just how's it going right now? That, that's all it was here. I wasn't trying Man, to. Man, I'm up. 39 years old, dude. I, I've lived since I was a little kid, and it was just stupid as shit. Grew up in Alabama, and if anybody's listening, don't get into nicotine. Just straight up, like it's fucking stupid. It seems awesome the first year, and it just fucking kills you. Yeah. Like that's all it does. It it takes some of your money, but it also kills your life. Okay, so, that, so that's. Just, I mean, that's where that is. So okay, fuck that, you. I want to hear. What's the next song? I want. I want to hear about uh, Chris. Tell me about Chris Ferguson. You said you have a topic about him. Uh, this is the only thing I will tell you, and we'll have to do this next week if you want to do it. And you can use everybody you've ever known to fact check it. I'm the only person that knows why he wore the white fucking coat to the World Series. He wore the bathrobe into the World Series and Lon McCarron and everybody said, oh, goddamn, what's happening? I know because it happened at the M Casino, and I was there. I was fucking actually registered staying there in the fucking hotel when it went down. So I, I know why Chris wore the white, the white fucking robe to the World Series, and I can't believe he ended up selling us all out and coming back being the damn player of the year and fucking stealing all our money. <laughs> Dude, you just don't know, man. All the religions and sillies get in the way. I don't give a fuck about the Jews, the Christians, all the bull. It's all silly to me. Like, people would just... That motherfucker stole our money for poker. We're all in it together. He opened up a site. We all believed in it. We we watched Tom Dwan on TV, and they stole our shit. <laughs> now he's the damn player of the year. And in between that happening, Poker Stars had to bail them out, and Poker Stars stole all my fucking points. Yeah. I had enough points to move to Vegas for six months. Are you kidding? <laughs> this whole fucking thing is a sham. He's like, you think you think Bitcoin or, or any of the crypto is a sham? Look at Poker the last 15 years. Are you kidding? That's the fucking sham. Okay. Crypto's well, the thing to get into. If, if you want, real. okay. So if you want to, tell, so I guess you can call back next week if you want to tell the story of Chris, Chris and the the white robe. And uh, uh, so we're, we're going to move on here. To, but, but thank you for calling. We'll, I'll take you back next week, though, if you want to tell this story here. Thank you. Okay. Appreciate it, girl. Thank you. Peace. Now, Matt, <clears throat> Matt the Rat is saying that the reason he was wearing the robe is that he, the they lost his luggage. Yeah. Well, but maybe, maybe that's is not that the truth. Well, I don't know. Maybe that's not the truth. Maybe Raw Wolf knows the truth. So, hmm? we, we will, what we'll were f- we talking about? That was, that was a nice cliffhanger for next week. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. so okay. what were we talking about before the call? Uh, we were the, the the bad beat jackpot and yeah. I I have to oh, say yeah, that we were talking about their their genius fucking play. Yeah. yeah okay. so, so right. I I was going to say the same thing as you. This is a great thing for the network that to have these type of players here because oh, if these people yeah. were smart, they'd say, okay, I'm going to cash out like all but two thousand dollars of this. And then Although just, uh, I will say, like, okay, if you go to a live casino. There's going to be virtually no pros that are ever playing one two. Yes, I mean even if they think they are, they're not. Like you just you just can't. 
you can't make a decent living doing that. Um, but online, I, I don't know, man. The one-two games, especially the one-two no-limit games and the six-max games, they got pretty hard. You know, I don't, I don't know about on no Chico Network. So, and it, you know, based on this play, it sure, sure looks like poker is not dead to me. Well, yeah, and. At a live casino, though, I will say that if somebody wins a large sum of money, they're much more likely to just, you know, put that in the bank. Maybe play a little bit higher after that than online. Where uh, you they're going to hit the fucking pits. Man. Yeah, or or or, or, or it depends where it is. If it's in a casino with pits, then yeah. So if it's like California, it's a little harder. But but it, on, online, you just have the balance sitting in your account, and then it starts to get very tempting to play in some of these bigger games. Just sit there. He's like, oh, look uh, how much money I have. Yeah, and, you know what a lot of these guys do though. Is they, they're like, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit. And what they do is like, no, no, I'm going to be smart about it. And they're going to, they take like either half of it off or they take a majority of it off or, or whatever. Um, and then they, then they start playing all these games. They think they're the shit. They start losing and then they start redepositing it. You know, like <laughs> I, I know I've known a bunch of people that have won a bunch of money online and they all did the same thing. Where they thought they were going to be smart about it, they took the money or most of the money off, and then they started playing. And they there was that disconnect where poker kind of fucks with you, where they thought they were better than they were, and they just they couldn't believe they were losing. And then they just they just gradually redeposited their money away. You know? Yeah. I on cake when I when I had that forty six thousand confiscated from me, it was a person who won not a bad beat jackpot, but a contest they had there for sixty seventy five thousand dollars, who then uh sat at a fifty one hundred limit game mm. uh late at night with me and one other pro and uh the other pro <laughs> ran pretty bad and uh and he just broke even in the game. And this guy was a massive fish. So I ran very well and my opponent was a massive fish, and, and the other good player in the game was just running kind of poorly to where he, even in that great situation, he, three-handed, he was breaking even. So I... Yeah, you make a good point, though, because some of these guys, they just look at it as it's not even real. It's just a number on a screen. Yeah, so he he, he mm-hmm. lost... Uh, it, it, I've never I've never done this before, and never will do it again, but in that 5,100 limit hold'em game, I actually won $62,000. Oh, my God. <laughs> Okay. It was yes. It was a long session, but I won sixty. I don't remember how many, how many hours. But I won sixty two thousand dollars in one session. Uh, I'm gonna guess no matter how long it was, your hourly was fantastic. Yeah, so, so can, you, can you imagine the other guy who I knew? But the, the other guy, can you imagine how he, how he felt that, that uh, you know, to see me win sixty two thousand, he breaks even. <laughs> so, so uh, well, you guys are both there fighting for fighting over the yeah. Fish, so like know? so right. So the fish's money like just all happened. I happened to get the much better cards, and it all went to and me. Unlike so, what Vanessa was implying. He didn't have a chance back then either. Yes. So yeah. so anyway, the problem was that this guy was losing. He started getting anti-Semitic, and you know, he had no idea who we were. We were under you know, names that weren't associated with who we really were. So, but he just guessed that we were Jews. The truth is, I was a Jew. The other guy wasn't. But he started talking about it's like a, the Jewish conspiracy to take his money. So I started typing things like Israel power when I'd win it. That's win exactly it. what I would do, bro. And then that's, that's exactly what. So I would then, do. and every time I'd be in a pot, I'd say I'm going to donate to the B'nai B'rith, and, and like so, I was just really or trying I'd, to piss I'd start him off. saying like random Yiddish shit. Like I'd be. Because I, I'm not Jewish and I don't know all this stuff, I'd be like Googling it in another <laughs> yeah. window to find all these like Yiddish phrases that I could paste. Yeah, so, so I, I just I was going so so much about the, about the Jew and Israel stuff up there just to piss him off and, and tilt him further. 
mm-hmm. it was working. He was just getting so pissed. But anyway, yeah. So he chunks off sixty two k, which I I don't know if that was all the money he had left or. He, he, he I know he, shalom. I know he won seventy five thousand because I, I found out later, like I, in a newsletter from Cake, that he won a seventy five thousand dollars contest. So uh, then I cashed out some of it, and I had forty six thousand left, and that's when they froze my account and and the other guy's account, even though he didn't win, and told us that we were colluding. Now it is true I knew the other person, but. Uh, you know, we didn't collude at all. We we never discussed our hands. We didn't soft play. Nothing. We if we played each other very hard in every hand. We we were both competing very much for the money, and uh, and that's why I got sixty two thousand. And I didn't send that guy any money. Like I kept all sixty two thousand. He got zero. And that's the way it went. And and when I was in pots against this guy, I played very hard against him. So there was no there was no cooperation or collusion. So I I told Cake Poker. I said, show one hand to me. Show me one hand. That indicates any kind of collusion, whether soft play, whether uh, they were claiming we did all these different things, uh, best balling, whip sawing. It was funny the term. They said they said we were doing that. I was like, look, if, if, whether you say it's 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 soft play or or uh, or, or raising. What, what the get fuck is best balling I think, or whip sawing? We were trying to figure it out. I think best balling meant that uh, we we would communicate which hands we had, and the person who had the better hand would fold uh, would stay, and the other one would fold. And I think whipsawing okay. is is just the thing of raising the per, the other person out back and forth when you both have mediocre hands, and then splitting. I'm the aware of those things. I'm not aware of those terms. I, I hadn't them. either, but I think that's what they meant. Anyway, I said whatever okay. form of collusion you think we uh, we were we were uh, taking was taking place here, and I, I didn't even admit I knew the other guy. That would just make it worse for me. But I said whatever. Oh you th- yeah, don't say that. Yeah, so, but I said whatever you think was happening here. I said I, I said I've, I think I said I'm familiar with the other guy from you know seeing him on the site before, but yeah. I said, but we were not colluding, but show me. Show me one hand where we were colluding, and what I will do is I will post this to the the uh, 2 plus 2 limit hold'em section, and right. we'll, we'll, we'll ask all the experienced players there to decide whether these are collusions. And, and, uh, you know, and if, 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 it, if, the, if the players over there decide, then I'll back down. But, but I'll only do this if you agree that if they don't think it's collusion that you, you'll back down. So, of course, the guy ignores the description. No, no, it's already been decided. You were colluding. Uh, we're just going back to see how long the collusion's been taking place to see how much of this money we're going to confiscate. I'm going, oh, my God. Like, he, he, was, he wasn't saying we're looking into it. He said, it's been decided. You're a colluder. And it was all because of this Israeli power stuff that we were saying. And, and I even tried to, I tried to explain with that you know, directly. I said, look, go look at the chat. This guy was, was, was making anti-Semitic comments the whole time. So, so I was saying this back, you know, to, you know, to, to irritate him because he because he was making offensive comments to me. But I wasn't. That yeah, to do with no, losing. that that is exactly what I would do. So, if, if I had a tilted fish that started saying anti whatever, I would instantly become that. Oh, thing. that's what that's what I did on on, on the cryptologic totally. on the cryptologic network in two thousand five. I used to have a, an account that this one really racist Italian guy thought that he thought I was black and from Africa, and I used to pretend I was from Chad. And I used to always get him, and he used to get so mad that he thought this this African black guy was beating him. And he, yeah, you, and, you've got to become whatever they hate. Yeah, that's what I was doing. You have to. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, the you know the guy, the guy eventually backed down. I'm not sure what finally changed it, but he just abruptly went from no no chance. It's it's decided to okay. I've opened your account again, and of course I withdrew the the money at that point. Uh, but and I, and I got it, but. The, the he couldn't give me one hand. I was it was so offensive. Going, give me one freaking hand where I was colluding. Show me one because I knew I wasn't. So I knew I knew that this would stand up because I knew I was not colluding. And, and I said, by the way, you know, if you think that just 
me playing aggressively uh, against this guy is indicative of colluding. It's not because this is a fish where uh, I'm going to three bet him with a lot of a lot of uh, light hands. And number one's three handed, and number two he plays very poorly post flop. So uh, um, you know, if I'm three betting the other guy out, that's that's to my advantage. That's a strategic move, and everybody who knows about limit holding will understand that. And so, like, uh, I'm explaining. I gave the whole strategic explanation to this idiot guy in security, who was like a one-man operation. I gave the whole explanation, so he fully understood what I was doing and why I was doing it before he even sent me one hand. And and so, he never sent me a hand. I never got a hand showing where I supposedly colluded. So I think what really happened there was that this idiot who won the contest complained that two Jews were colluding against him for Israel or something, and the stupid security guy believed it just he saw the amount of money that was won and just couldn't believe this could have been won. But no, I really won 62k legitimately in a 5100 limit game. All uh, it takes is a little epic tilt. Yeah, it was, it was epic tilt plus, plus running well. It was, it was a pretty... That, that was a pretty good... And it was, This was in 07, and 07 was such a weird year for me in poker because I had a horrendous first three months and I got in a three hundred thousand dollar hole by the end of by the end of March, and I thought I, I had never had a year like that before. I just ran so horribly at every high limit game I played, and I said I'm on I'm on pace to lose one point two million dollars this year. Like like what am I going to do? I, at some point I have to stop or, 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 or drop down stakes or whatever. And and so I actually did drop down stakes. Uh, just I didn't want this bleeding to continue like this. I wasn't yeah, busto. I wasn't busto or anywhere near that, but I, I couldn't let it keep losing at this pace. But but uh, thanks to this run on cake poker, not just that sixty-two k, but I also did well in general there. Though that sixty-two k obviously helped, and I was just destroying the forty-eighty limit hold'em game on absolute poker. Uh, you know, before Great Cat cheated me. Uh, so between those two things, by the middle of the summer, just playing fifty-one hundred and forty-eighty. Uh, I erased that whole three hundred thousand uh, dollar deficit, Just wiped it all out. Yeah, I mean, you you did the right thing though, dropping down in stakes because uh, the mistake that people make is like, well, I I, I can't drop down because I'll never be able to make it back. But yeah. you can't think like that. Yeah, like that's 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 the way you're just gonna go broke. But I I was honestly surprised that I, how, how quickly I got out of the three hundred thousand dollar hole playing those stakes. Like I, I didn't think that was even possible yeah. that I did. But uh, just uh, yeah. I just I. I Game selected very well. I was actually I was very good at the chat of, of getting people to give me action and and uh, I, I, nothing I did was was uh, any kind of cheating or anything unethical, nothing like that. I just uh, just did all the right things and at the you know, middle type stakes like that, just ran three hundred thousand dollars up and erased that whole uh, that whole deficit for the year. So that was nice. So that that sixty two k was twenty uh, yeah, percent of that. So anyway. Uh, that was my little story, and uh, so we do. Do we know how these guys spend all their money? Do we know? Any, no, no. This, ju- this just this just happened. Days? No, this just happened. I, I just read about the story. I don't know anything about them. And well, anyone out there who plays online, yeah, if you see those I guys, just <laughs> signing up, sign up for a skin on the Chico Network, and look out for the people with those screen names. Right, that's what I would do. Right, that's... I would. I would be. I would be ruthlessly bum hunting those guys. Yep. That's, that's that's for sure. At least we don't we don't know how the other two people played because they folded. You didn't get to see, it. but yeah, those two for sure you should uh, should look for them. So Vegas, where uh, Trader Ruski is right now, uh, they had a decline in visitors in 2017. But uh, of course, there's probably a reason for that that uh, isn't typical and isn't likely to repeat. 
and that, of course, was the shooting on October 1st. So somehow they already have the data of, of visitors. Usually it takes like a quarter to come up with the, the data, but somehow they already know uh, 12 days into the new year. In 2017, approximately 42,000, 42,215,900 people came to Las Vegas as tourists. That's down 1.7% from 2016, where it was 42,936,100. So very close, but, but still fewer in 2017. 2016 was a record-breaking year. I'm wondering if 2017 would have been, since they were fairly close, if it had not been for that shooting in October, which really hurt Vegas in the final quarter of the year. It happened on October 1st, so three full months went by, where, especially in October where the visitor you know, the visitorship was down. And, and I heard from, yeah, I know a lot of hotels and restaurants struggled in October right after that happened. People canceled their trips. Uh, November started to improve again, but that first month it was very tough. So I wonder if that had not happened, if 2017 would have been a record-breaking year. So you can't draw too much conclusion from that because that was a singular event which isn't likely to repeat again. So uh, hard to draw a conclusion from that. The... Convention attendance did rise by 5.2%. So the convention attendance was uh, 6.6 million, up from 6.3 million. Not a record. There was uh, more prior, like I think about 10 years ago they even did better, but convention-wise. But the convention, it's been going up. The average daily room rate for last year is slightly up. What do you guys think it was? What do you think the across all of Las Vegas for... Uh, for rooms, what do you think the average rate paid was? Like Calwatt, what do you think it was? I mean, so we're talking about all the little podunk places, yes. too. Yes, it's tough for me because I would imagine the majority of the rooms are in the bigger resorts, and resort fees not included, Jeff. I no, I think that's a good question. It doesn't say, so I, I can't tell you either way. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna I'm gonna shoot for something lower than was my initial thought, so I'm gonna go for 150 dollars. And what what about you, uh, Trader Risky? Wow, I was in like the 70, 60 to 70 range. Wow. Well, okay. Well, it's uh, Cal Watts closer, but it's between you, your your guesses. It's uh, wow. It was 129 dollars 45 cents. And again, okay. I don't know. If, I don't know if it includes the resort fees. It should because the resort fees really are just the room rate just split off. But I'm uh, sure it doesn't. But uh, 129 dollars 45 cents is the average up from 125 dollars 97 cents, and the uh, the total rooms occupied went down 1.7%, which makes sense with the attendance down 47, uh, 1.7%. There is a 48, uh, 47,665,200 room nights occupied. That's nights, not uh, number of you know, reservations, but the number of nights uh, down from uh, 48, 48,485,000. So, let, let me ask you a question. Maybe one of you guys would know this better than me. <clears throat> Do some of these uh, resorts, do they actually make money just from the room fees alone? Or is that kind of a, 
a loss leader for some of these yes. and where they intend to make up uh no they do now make it up in gambling or no they, they they do now they used to not it used to be a big time loss leader and now mm-hmm. it's gotten much more expensive and, and we'll, we'll get to that in a second that gaming is becoming less of uh the way that they are making the money in vegas where they, they used to be totally centered around gaming where everything else was the loss leader now there are several revenue sources and the hotel is one mm. so okay it's uh the number of hotel rooms available in Las Vegas, uh, Calwatt, how many think there are? I have no fucking idea. Yeah, it's a the, tough the number of individual rooms in yes. all of Las Vegas. Yes. I, I literally have no idea. I'm going to say two hundred thousand. Okay, what about you, Trey Rusi? That that was the exact number I was going to say too. Okay, well, well you can't take my number. You got to do do do, do, no, no, do no, two hundred thousand and one. I'll say like no, I'll say two. I'll say uh, tw- I'll say uh, two thousand. I mean two hundred and forty thousand. Okay, well, Calwatt wins this one. It's uh, one hundred forty eight thousand eight ninety seven. So not too far off. Uh, and and uh, mm. so anyway, that's, what do I get? You get uh, a very big prize. Very, very large prize here. Zero. I agree with Rob Wolf. We should have a big arsenal of prizes to give away. Zero point zero. And, and, uh, yeah, and of course, we're not even hearing the prize, Ruff. Yeah, I know. I I (laughs) just. Here, I'll I'll play it again. You'll probably hear it this time. Okay. Zero point zero. There you go. Got it. So, okay. That's uh, so. Those are some stats. Now, some other stats regarding regarding Vegas in 2017. Uh, in 1970, the average visitor to Las Vegas spent fifty four dollars on gambling, or should I say, they lost it? They didn't just gamble fifty four dollars when they left. The average loss was fifty four dollars. Now, you may laugh at that, but keep in mind that uh, inflation. Especially the the stagflation in the 1970s that was very quick. There's the, the inflation it, it's, it's changed fifty four dollars to be worth about three hundred thirty dollars now, so it's about to say a factor of six. So uh, in 2016, the average visitor lost two hundred twenty six dollars. So the average visitor is actually losing less money adjusted for inflation than they did in 1970, and. Uh, it's also less overall, both by inflation and without inflation, than 2007. The average visitor was losing $277. So the limits are just higher then. People had more money to spend. And uh, that was actually the best year, at least in raw gambling revenue, that uh, Clark County ever had, which was uh, 2007. So, the now, uh, something that I, I found most interesting in this whole article... The fact that uh, gaming revenue accounted for just 42.6% of all revenue that uh, for these uh, hotels. So that was uh, a record low for Las Vegas. Now I'm talking about percent, not amount of, not number of dollars. So this means that uh, they are not relying on gambling anymore or at least not relying as much for you know to survive whereas i was saying before the old vegas the model was 
very cheap hotel rooms, very cheap meals, and they would make money on the gambling. So people used to go to Las Vegas for the cheap meals, the cheap shows, the cheap hotel rooms, and then not gamble and thought they were so clever. Some people would go there intending to do that and then gamble anyway and lose. But, uh, but there were those who had the discipline that would actually go to Vegas, gamble very little, and just use it as for kind of entertainment. Uh, now, the entertainment then was not as extensive, and the restaurants were not as good, and you know, a lot of things were different then. It was kind of uh, a more uh, tacky, tacky environment than you see today, which is high-end, at least on the Strip. But uh, back then, it really was all about gaming revenue. That changed when they built those mega resorts in the mid-90s. And it, it became more of an entertainment destination, and gaming became more and more secondary. And every year, gaming becomes less and less the focus. So 42.6%, it's, you know, it's still obviously a healthy chunk of the revenue, but it's become it's, it's substantially less than half. So that is a change you will continue, you'll continue to see in Las Vegas. And something else that Las Vegas is becoming more and more known for is conventions. Conventions are... Every year now growing, and if we talked about how Caesars is building that uh, very expensive convention center in mid-strip. So that's something that's going to be growing and becoming more of a factor. And every year that type of stuff happens, then gaming gets pushed more to the back burner, and that also results in worse games. Because they, they at this point when the gaming is, is less front and center... Then they can say, okay, well, since we don't have to count on the same gamblers coming back over and over and, and being wise to which is the good games or the bad games, we're, we're just going to drive away the gamblers who are just you know, kind of barely losing or you know, playing the very best games or knowing the best strategy. We're going to try to market to the, to the people who don't know what they're doing, people who play 6-5 to five blackjack or, or, or slot players or uh, uh, video poker with very bad pay tables or, or, or the video poker players who, who don't know the proper strategy. Like that, that's who we want to market to. You know, screw the people who are still technically negative expectation, but not very much negative expectation. We don't want to bother with them. So they're kind of softly already pushing out those players. And that, that's been going on for a while now, and that's going to continue to be the trend. And they, they can especially afford to do that when they have so many other revenue sources where they can afford to take more chances with the gaming and, and, and try methods like that. Where before... The gaming was, was so essential that they had to try to maintain every single customer through the door that they felt they could beat in any way, even if they could only beat them for a little. So, uh, I, I thought those stats were interesting, and I, I, I think it's amazing they reported all that so quickly when 2017 just completed. You guys have any uh, other thoughts on that? Well, I think you can see that from the hires they made, too. Like, I know the CMO of MGM, she's not from the gambling industry. They hired another woman from Yahoo who was, like, head of social, charging for parking. I mean, you know, all these things. So they're really just trying to reach the masses to pull them in for the restaurants, entertainment, everything else. Yeah, that's true. I, I got to say, none of it surprises me because they've been making a concerted effort for this to be the case. Yes. Right? Yeah. And it's been going they've been for making a concerted effort for it to be more fam- family friendly, to have shows and all that kind of good stuff. And it's been for over 20 years they've been going this direction. So it's not like a new thing. It's just been it's, it's just going a certain direction. And every year it gets more of that direction. And it, it's 
definitely seems to be the long term change we're going to see in Vegas. And it's, it's not, now, yeah, is it is it working? Would be my question. Like, is the overall profit margin increasing with this new direction? It probably do we, is. Do we I, know? I, I don't know if if that's been disclosed, but I have to guess it is, and that's probably why they've gone this way for. Yeah, so otherwise long. they wouldn't keep doing it. Yeah, for assume. twenty years I wouldn't think. Well, and how's it trending? I mean, they they'd have to give that plan. I think at least five to six years to you know see if the number see if it's working. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, here here's a topic that's also about Vegas, but is not even on our agenda. It's actually a. a Non-agenda topic that was brought to us by a listener who goes by Blundermaker. Oh, by the way, Hong Konger wanted me to ask you about the call to listen line again. He wanted that explained over again, if possible. Okay, anyway, so we, go ahead. So we have a phone number you can Okay, forget that. <laughs> the, there's been some robberies in Vegas. There was the one at the Bellagio poker cage with a horrible 1980s-looking video camera that got a very, very bad resolution picture of the guy doing it who seems to have gotten away and that guy was wearing like a you know, weird glasses and a, a giant fake nose and he, he kind of he, he was a white guy from all appearances but he kind of looked like a Humpty Hump from the Digital Underground well I think he started a trend because uh, another casino was robbed recently the New York New York casino was robbed and uh, I, I think what happened I think maybe uh, some people in the black community were offended that a white guy uh, committed cultural appropriation and and, and pr- took a, a black character you know, from from the music world from a long time ago from like 1989 1990 and, and and robbed a casino looking like Humpty Hump so not to be outdone now we have a black Humpty Hump who robbed uh, New York New York what the fuck yep why are we doing this as characters is it to disguise themselves I don't know. For some reason, I think they all want to look like Humpty Hump. All right, stop what you're doing, because I'm about to ruin the image and the style that you're used to. I look funny. But yo, but yo I'm stealing money, see? So, so come on, cashier. You hope you're ready for me. I'm the new fool. Okay. Uh, so the uh, Humpty Hump seems to be the new uh, costume. I don't I don't know if they're intending to look like Humpty Hump. They just they, they all do now. It's, it's a new trend. You, you rob a casino looking like Humpty Hump. So if you want to see what I'm talking about... You didn't just say they all look the same, Drew. <laughs> well, they don't. Racially, they don't. Either one was white, one was black. <laughs> so you're just dressing all goofy is what you're saying. Yeah, so if you... If you uh, I'll send you the link here. A, a guy robbed the Las Vegas Strip, again, with a fake nose on. <laughs> I mean, the glasses and the fake nose. This, I wonder if he was inspired by the, the white Humpty Hump. I'm going to put this in the chat room, and I'll send this to you guys in the Skype chat. So you can see this, and you can see the the picture of this guy, the the black Humpty Hump, who who committed the robbery at the New York, New York. So I really wonder if this is this is a trend. If we're going to have Humpty Hump robbing casinos all throughout 2018, but uh, he, these guys they actually have some pretty decent security cameras. <laughs> yeah, they do. That's what good, I'm saying. Good thing this wasn't fucking Caesars. We'd have uh, like another Sasquatch picture. Yeah. <laughs> so. This guy, you know, wearing the fake nose and the uh, the glasses. It says uh, Las Vegas police are searching for a man who robbed the casino cage in New York, New York, uh, early Wednesday morning, which is referring to uh, I think just this, just on uh, Wednesday the tenth. Yeah, just two days ago or one and a half days ago. 
the robberies reported at about uh, 1 a.m. Wednesday. I guess it was two days ago. Exactly two days ago. Uh, after a man walked up to the cashier, uh, demanded money, and said, uh, here's your chance to do the hump. No, he didn't say He should have said that, though. He was armed with a handgun. Metro Lieutenant David Gordon said, but he kept it in his waistband during the robbery. After the cashier handed over an undisclosed amount of cash, the man ran through the casino's south entrance and got in a taxi cab. Uh, he was at large on Wednesday evening. Uh, so, I have to say, if you're in a Las Vegas casino and you see a Humpty Hump look-alike walking through, I, I would I would get out of there. I would hit the deck. I'd, I'd bolt out of there quickly. Because, Bro, if I just Googled Humpty Hump to remind myself of what this guy looked like. Yeah. And the, the, the second image that popped up was a fucking mugshot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even kidding. It says, Rice Lake, Wisconsin, the rap- rapper who fronted the Humpty Dance, one of the most memorable hip-hop songs of the 1990s, ran into a bit of trouble in Wisconsin earlier this month. <laughs> oh yeah, I see that. You see that there. He looks very different. But if you you, you see the the ones with the fake nose, so and the glasses. Oh yeah, yeah. No, no. I I, I get. I found some that were you know kind of looking like this guy in the the mugshot. But what the fuck, man? <laughs> I, I Google Humpty Hump and the guy's fucking getting arrested. Yep. Well, it's it's you know it's been a long time since the Humpty dance. It's been uh, it may, may have had hard times in like the last twenty seven years. Drug paraphernalia, blah blah blah. Yeah. So. Yeah, so I, I guess if you see Humpty Hump, and I'm talking about the a version of the 1990 Humpty Hump, not the one that's uh, in, in the current mugshot. That uh, although although the current mugshot could be the good next disguise. Oh, you know, who's playing that in the background? Is that is that you, uh, Calwat? Yeah, just a little background music. Okay, you can, it, it's not too loud, right? You can keep going. No, I, I was I was playing it before too. You guys probably just couldn't hear it. But anyway, I heard it. Okay, so. <laughs> I was just getting into it, man. All right, go ahead. Yeah, so, yeah, it's we- it's a weird trend. I thought the first guy who did it, I thought, oh, that's funny. He looks like Humpty Hump. And then, and then someone posts, oh, look, Humpty Hump robbed the New York, New York. I'm like, wait a minute. He just robbed the, the Bellagio, but it was a different guy. It was a black guy this time. Last time it was a white Humpty Hump. So uh, someone's saying Harris got robbed, too. I can't find any evidence of Harris being robbed, but uh, I, I have a feeling I know what disguise he was wearing. I have a feeling. So watch out. I'm serious. Watch out for Humpty. I'm not kidding. It's going to sound like a joke. If I see someone walking through the casino with with weird glasses and a fake nose, I'm getting out of there. I, I know what's going down. And and by the way, a tip to future casino robbers. You might want to try a different theme disguise. I think, I think the security is going to be on alert for this. I have a feeling Humpty Hump and his lookalike are going to be banned from all casinos, or at the very least, they're going to be watched very closely. So the guy's name actually was Shock G. Yeah, yeah, I know, but everyone Humpty knows Humpty Hump. That was just a song. Yeah, I know, I know, but everyone knows him as Humpty Hump because that—that's that, really all. That was his, his best-known work by far, and yeah. and he he refers to himself as Humpty Hump in the in the song. So that's what people know him as, even though he's Shock G was the stage name he used. So like, if I say Shock G, like a lot of people won't know who you're talking about. You say Humpty Hump, a lot of people remember. At least if you were old enough to remember that song at that time. So, uh, the Seven Stars program, I, I talked about my frustration with uh, the, the comp rooms disappearing, which will be taking place uh, as of February 1st. It's coming very soon for me. 
I will still be a Seven Stars member until a year from now, but I will not be able to get co- guaranteed comp rooms, which is a huge degradation of my benefits. Not just me, all Seven Stars are going to be dealing with this. So, I've been looking around at other ways to get myself free rooms in Vegas, because for me to actually have to pay money in Vegas is, it's just a foreign concept to me, for me to have to pay for for rooms especially. It already hurts to sometimes pay for meals. Get get yourself a hat, some funny looking glasses and a fake (laughs) nose, and just rob the fucking place. And that may be what I have to do to get some free rooms here, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it's gotten very tough for me now to just automatically get free rooms, whereas before it was, it was so simple. I just called up and made a reservation at any Caesars property. I had four guaranteed comp nights, no matter when it was, no blackout period. But now I don't have that anymore. So I've been looking for replacements, and it was brought to my attention that Penn National Gaming, which is not nearly as well-known as Caesars, has a very similar program that is actually similar to last year's Better Seven Stars program than this year's worst one. And I, I some of this has been going on for a while. They have added some things recently, but I'm going to tell you about the benefits and, and whether this is a good idea for those who don't wish to spend money on hotel rooms in Vegas or elsewhere. Okay, so, as you guys know, I don't like parting with money, especially in Vegas. So, I looked into this whole uh, marquee rewards program, as it's called. So, let me uh, let me tell you a bit about this uh, marquee rewards and discuss whether or not this is worth it and whether you should do this if you were considering becoming a, a Caesar 7 star or maintaining a Caesar 7 star, whether this is a good idea. Now, first of well, all... Let me make you feel better first, Ruff. Yeah. I mean, and I also feel like a chump. I don't think I've ever had a comped room. Oh my goodness! I don't. I mean, never. I don't. I don't think so. That hurts. That's... Like the the most I've ever done is gotten like a a poker room rate. Oh boy, this that, that does hurt me. It, it hurts me just for you. Yeah. It it. it uh, I know Trader Ruski. You get plenty of comps, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So so. Uh, I mean, I, I guess I just don't go. That often, well, yeah, that's the and problem. I never, and I never play, you know, any of the slots or video poker or pit games. I don't do any of that stuff. Yeah, well, that's that's understandable. So there's a company, called, as I said, called Penn National Gaming. They have a rewards program called Marquee Rewards. You can go to Marquee Rewards. That's M A R Q U E E Rewards dot com, and you can read about the program. If you're in the West, you probably don't know Penn National Gaming very well because they're they don't have much of a presence. They do have a presence in Vegas, but uh, they don't have much of a presence overall. So you may not know about them. Uh, now they have uh, the following properties currently. In the West, they have uh, the Hollywood Casino Jamul in. San Diego, the San Diego area. It's an Indian casino. In Vegas, they have the Tropicana and they have the M. And then in uh, New Mexico, the very southeast New Mexico, right by Texas, they have the uh, Zia Park Casino Hotel and Racetrack. And that's it as far as the west. Everything else is in the eastern part of the country. 
they have uh, Hollywood Casino Aurora, Hollywood Casino Joliet, uh, Argosy Casino Alton in Illinois. They have uh, Hollywood Casino Lawrenceburg in Indiana. So any Hollywood Casino is, is them. They have one in Kansas, Maine. In Massachusetts, there's the Plain Ridge Park Casino. Mississippi has uh, Hollywood Casino Tunica. They actually have three casinos at Tunica. Resorts, Hollywood Casino, and First Jackpot Casino. They have Boomtown Casino in Biloxi and uh, Hollywood Casino in Gold Coast. They have West Virginia's uh, Hollywood Casino at the, the Charleston Races. They have a Hollywood Casino in Pennsylvania. Uh, they have uh, four different Hollywood Casinos in, in Ohio, in uh, Toledo, Dayton, Columbus, and uh, one other thing, a Mahoning Valley Racecourse. And in Missouri, they have a Hollywood Casino St. Louis and an Argosy Casino Hotel and Spa. So basically, if you see an, uh, an Argosy Casino or a Hollywood Casino, it's them. And then they have a few other brands, like this Tropicana Las Vegas M Resort uh, in Nevada. So uh, that's what they currently have. But they're going to be adding, because they actually are acquiring most of the properties of uh, Pinnacle Entertainment, which I, I believe is totally separate from the, the Pinnacle Sportsbook. But uh, Pinnacle Entertainment owns a number of casinos, also mostly in the eastern portion of the United States. And Pinnacle Entertainment, in a, uh, a $2.8 billion transaction, which is going to take place in the second half of 2018, uh, Pinnacle is selling off all of its properties. And some are, most are going to, uh, to Penn National, and uh, four of them are going to Boyd. And Boyd owns like the Coast Hotels, like the Gold Coast and ones like that. Like the Gold Coast is right across from the Rio. So four of them are going to be Boyd properties. The rest of them are going to, uh, to, uh, to Penn National. In, uh, as far as the West goes of the new properties... They are only picking up two, and neither are in uh, are very far west. You have uh, Cactus Pete's, which is in Nevada, but very, very northeast Nevada, you know, by uh, Idaho and Utah, and northern Utah. And then, uh, then there's the Ameri- Maristar Black Hawk, which is in Colorado. But that, that's all they have in the west. The rest is all in the central or eastern part of the country. So, but still, they're going to have 41 properties. When this is done, Penn National. Again, 36 of them will be in the central or eastern part of the country, but uh, still 41 properties will be in this network of the marquee rewards. So you might start to think, okay, well, maybe this is a a good reward program to achieve the highest level because you will have 41 different properties to go to in, in many different parts of the country. And that was one big advantage with Caesars. They had a lot of properties around the country. So you could take trips and, and have a free place to stay and use your comp points or whatever. There, there, there's a big benefit to having a network of properties that you can, uh, that you can use your comps and earn comps towards. And that a lot of people like that. That's why total rewards have been so successful. So let me talk about the Penn national rewards program, which is called marquee rewards. By the way, the, the, if you have a, my choice card with pinnacle, that's going to go away. It's going to be rolled into, either Penn National or Boyd, depending on where you, you were playing. So I'm not sure how that's going to work with the My Choice card going away. So if I were you, I'd use up whatever points you have with that, if you have uh, a My Choice card from Pinnacle. So but back to this program, this Marquee Rewards, and whether it's worth earning. So if you go to MarqueeRewards.com, you can see about the different tier levels. 
that exist. They have the just what they call marquee rewards is the bottom tier card, then celebrity, then producer, then executive producer, and then one called uh, Micon the Icon. No, it's just called Icon. And these are based upon how many tier credits you've earned. So if you've earned uh, fewer than 10,000, you have the bottom. If you've earned between 10,000 and 29,999, you get celebrity. Then 30,000 to 124,999 is producer. 125K to almost 400K is, is executive producer. And then icon is 400K or more. So if you want to get the top tier, you need to be an icon. So how do you get there? How do you get to icon? And what do you get for it? Well, this sounds very, very much like uh, what Seven Star was. As an icon, you get the same, well, almost the same. You get a similar Norwegian cruise for the similar amount of money that you'd have to pay out of pocket that you get with Caesar 7 Star, a seven-day balcony stateroom. There's a $250 celebration dinner you get. Seven stars, you get $500, but you know, close enough. You get an annual gift, which on seven stars you used to get, don't get anymore. You get a $500 travel reimbursement with Marquee Rewards Icon, where you basically any money you spend to travel either to one of their properties or to take your Norwegian cruise you get through them, you can, they'll give you $500 back. Seven stars, it's 1200 but it can only be used towards the trip, not towards a Norwegian cruise. So it's not quite as good as, as the seven stars, but they have the guaranteed complimentary rooms for four nights, like Caesars used to have. For seven stars. And they have a big network of properties that's going to get even bigger when they do this uh, transaction with Pinnacle Entertainment. And they have 41 properties by the, the middle or late part of 2018. So, is this a good replacement, possibly, especially if you live in the central or eastern part of the country? And even if you come to Vegas, you know, you do have two hotels you can possibly stay at the M or the Tropicana. Well, 400,000 tier credits you have to earn. Now, at first glance, it appears comparable to Caesar's seven-star. Caesar's, you have to earn 150,000 tier credits. However, it takes it's $10 per tier credit at Video Poker, at best, at Caesar's. At some machines, it's $25. But it's $10 per tier credit at Video Poker at Caesar's you know, to earn one tier credit. And at these Pinnacle properties, at some properties, it's $2 per tier credit. At some, at some it's 4 so it would sound like it's either the same or better because, yes, they're requiring more tiers, but you earn them a lot faster. So why is this not necessarily something that one would do to replace seven stars? Well, the problem is that it's a six-month program instead of a year-long program. So with Caesars, when you would earn your status, you would keep it for not only the current calendar year, but the entire next calendar year plus one more month. So you could keep it for more than two years if you earned it in January, as I did last year, by the way. With Marquee Rewards, it's on a six-month program. So it's the same thing. You get, you get this, the, the following six months automatically. So if you earn it in January, you'll have it through the end of December, but then by the next January, it's gone. So you have to do it twice as much. So that's already the first problem. It's, it's, it's already twice as often you have to play to earn it. The second problem is that uh, there are no bonus tier credits. At Caesars, if you earn 5,000 tier credits in one day, you get 10,000 bonus, which means if you do this optimally, you only need to earn 50,000 tier credits 
not the 150 because you get 100,000 bonus, so you only have to earn 50,000 real tier credits to get to 7-star. There's no such thing at these marquee rewards properties, so you have to earn 400,000 real tier credits. Bottom line is, as far as coin-in is concerned, that's really what you need to look at. How Coin-in is how much you just have to wager through the machine, not how much you actually have to insert, but you know every time you place a bet, that's considered coin-in. So let's say you're playing a video poker machine that's $5 per credit. You're playing five credits at once. So that's every time every hand you play is $25 coin in. That's what coin in is. So that's, that's how you measure this. So if you want to get icon at the at the very best properties that actually give it to you for $2 per tier credit rather than 4. I know the M is one of them, or at least used to be. It's still going to cost you it's still going to be $800,000 worth of coin in to get that and you have to do it once per year rather than once every two years. So that means in a two-year period, you'll be putting in uh, $1.6 million worth of coin in, in the very best scenario. At Caesar seven stars, you would only have to put in $500,000 worth of coin in to have two years of that status. So that's a big difference. That's over three times. And... Honestly, the Caesars network of properties is better because they have Atlantic City. Um, I don't think does Marquee. Let's see, does Marquee Rewards have Atlantic City? Um, no, they don't. So they don't have Atlantic City. They might though. Let me see if they if they're going to add that. Let's see if that's one of them that they're adding. Uh, no, they're not. That's a big hole. <laughs> no, no Atlantic City. So, you know, Caesars has a lot more places that you'd otherwise like to go to. They have Lake Tahoe. They, of course, have Vegas. They have uh, Atlantic City. They have uh, New Orleans. They have the Chicago area. They have, uh, yeah, there's some places you really wouldn't want to go to on that list, but uh, that, that I've seen that Caesars offers, but there's a lot you do. Of this Pinnacle, no, sorry, this Penn National, even once they acquire all these other casinos. I'm looking at the map and it, it just I'm not seeing that many places I think, oh I'd love to go there. I mean yeah you have New Orleans but so did so did Caesars. But other than that you have a number of you know, cities in the south that I yeah, I don't know how interesting they'd be to go to, like, you know, Bossier City and Vicksburg and, and Baton Rouge and then then I see things in, in like uh you know, River City, Iowa, and uh, Council Bluffs, Iowa. You know, I don't know if these are places I'd really have an interest to go. So yeah, these properties may exist if you live around there. I guess that's good. But if you don't, it's not going to do much for someone from out of the area. Whereas uh, places that are destinations that are interesting or close to something interesting, like like uh, for example, Caesars even has that Har- that Harris, North Carolina, that Harris, uh, Cherokee, North Carolina, which which is right next to uh, some tourist attractions there, and it's it's a that, you know, by the Smoky, Nash- Smoky Mountain National Park. A lot of these I, I, I see are in areas that just are not that interesting to visit for a tourist. I, I suppose it'll be easier now that they have, an, they have Iowa casinos. I, I will be able to check on the call to listen line in the shack there in Carroll, Iowa more, more easily. But that's about it. So the selection of properties is not really as appealing to the typical traveler. And you only have two to choose from in Vegas and zero in Atlantic City. 
and it takes three point uh, something as much play to get there. I suppose if you could find some really, really good video poker games, then it might be worth it. Or if you find some advantage play that you can make to where you're actually positive expectation playing games at these casinos, you might as well, you might as well earn it. But uh, it's not something I would put a lot of time into earning, meaning I wouldn't be like grinding dollar machines to do this, which would take a very long time. And it's not something I'd want to invest a lot of money into doing, meaning I'm not going to take a, a high potential loss or a high variance to a potential loss just to get these benefits. It's not that wonderful. Not only that, but the cruises they're offering with Norwegian, where, whereas Caesars pretty much gave you almost everything that the that Norwegian would sail, here they have a pretty restrictive list of what you can take and what you can't take. So... Overall, while I was excited at first to read about this, uh, when I looked more into it, I think this is probably something I'm not doing and probably something not worth doing for you. But uh, you're welcome to look into it, and there's a discussion of this on my Vegas Casino Talk forum and the Las Vegas forum called uh, Marquee Rewards Giving Guaranteed Complimentary Room to Icons. Though you think you think if that's the title of the thread that Mycon should automatically get it. That's He used to call himself Mike on the Icon. And you know, now, Calwat, were you aware that he called himself Mike on the Icon? You're talking about Brian Mikeon? Yes. Yeah, I'm aware of that. Okay. Sure. Now, here, here's the better question. Um, yeah, he, he had a whole fucking training system, right? Yes, yeah, sort of. <laughs> he yeah. Had the what, what was it? The the Mikeon. The Mikeon system. system. Right? Now, now, tell me if you're familiar with this song. Have you heard that song before? No. Okay, so this is what's so weird. We, we never figured this out. This came out when Mike on and I were friends. And we, Okay, so some guy named uh, Mark Mulcahy put this out. M-U-L-C-A-H-Y. It's called Mike on the Icon, exactly as it sounds. Okay? We have no idea what that's supposed to mean. We have no idea if it actually is about Mike on, and we tried to contact him, and he wouldn't answer us. So... It's really weird. It, it may just be because Mikeon rhymes with the word icon, and he just made up a fictitious character named Mikeon. Or maybe he heard of Mikeon through poke. It's so weird. We never figured it out, but it's still available on YouTube. I just found it. I need a shoulder that I can cry on. I need a shoulder. Isn't that strange? And he would not explain this. Like we, this is not like a famous musician that would ignore you. This is it's not like writing to Lady Gaga and getting no answer from her. I'm talking about uh, you know, Mark Mulcahy. 
who no one's heard of before. And he reposted so this. Weird. He reposted this to show you how, how big Mark Mulcahy is. He reposted this song in November of 2015. He made it last decade, but he, he reposted it in November 2015. It has 263 views. So you'd, you'd think he'd be happy to get the publicity, but he, he would not respond to us. It was sad. It says, at the Bay State Hotel in Maryland in 2001. So that's when this song is. Oh, okay, so it couldn't be about MyCon. That was before MyCon uh, ever played poker. Yeah. Mm. So what it says, it says at the Bayside Hotel in Massachusetts in 2001, Mark Mulcahy or whatever his name is plays his song, MyCon the Icon. <laughs> Maybe this, this is where MyCon got it from. Who knows? He claimed he'd never heard it before. I asked him about that. He said he'd never heard it. It, it probably is a coincidence. I, I want to know the, the, the meaning behind the song, though. He said that Mike on his shoulder to cry on. Doesn't sound like the Mike on I know, but Oh wow. <clears throat> yeah, I got the lyrics here. Mike on the icon waiting in the wings to get his wings so that he can be an angel and fly on Mike on. Saturn has its rings, but when he sings, I need a shoulder that I can cry on, I need a shoulder that I can cry on. And Mike on the icon, my Mike on the icon. Yeah, that's that's all the lyrics. That's yeah. all it is. Okay. What the? Yeah, no, yeah, released 2001, man, so this predates him. Wow. He's on Spotify. Oh, wait a minute. I found a link. Mike on the Icon, Song Meanings. Maybe we'll get some closure here. We'll finally get an answer after all these years. We might. And no. (laughs) (laughs) It just has the lyrics with, like... Nothing. That's what I figure since like nobody knows the song. So like, Yeah, nobody knows it. It's not annotated. It doesn't say anything. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'll, so, I'll, I'll keep digging <laughs> if I find anything. So here's a weird uh, story about another alternative cryptocurrency that is attempting to associate itself with gambling. And this is a story that is an update to something from late 2014 we talked about on the show in the past. In fact, I think I heard myself talk about this on a when I called the call to listen line while walking the dog, as I often do, I, I called up the call to listen line and, and heard myself talking about breakout coin and, and what a joke it was. But in case you don't know what I'm talking about, what a breakout coin is, I will refresh your memory from a post that I made. There we Sorry. are. I, re- I recognize that song. A, a post I made. Or actually, I guess, it, I guess it wasn't brought up by me. It was brought up by the X Factor who's a frequent poster on our site, back in September 2014. And he he posted, Breakout Enterprise LLC is a Nevada limited liability company registered to a couple of Asians. Associated with Johnny Chan, Todd Brunson, Jennifer Harmon, Ted Forrest, Lane Flack, and David Benjamin. Not sure how the sponsored pros would be compensated, but I'm sure they were offered stock in the company. They're going to offer fantasy sports, casino games, and online poker. Uh, So, anyway... I looked a little more into it after he posted this back in 2014, and so so did uh, Haley Hintz, who posted about it. And it's uh, it's it's interesting because uh, you know Brian Mycon, the icon here, actually commented on this to uh, to Haley Hintz, and he said that it sounds like a pump and dump, uh, and and that basically they you know, kind of like a scam, and but basically what they're doing is they're Releasing, they were releasing their own cr- cryptocurrency that would only have value on their site and nowhere else. 
So people were wondering why. Like, what you can if you want to gamble in cryptocurrency, there's sites to do that. So why why would you with, you know, with actual Bitcoin, which has value everywhere? So why would you do this on a just on a separate cryptocurrency that only works on that site? It was really weird. And then they were actually having a an initial coin offering where you would buy coin at, at a certain initial price with the belief that it would go up and then one day be worth more on the site. So you, the, the whole point would be that uh, it was both a cryptocurrency operating within the site and uh, the currency you'd be using on the site to gamble, and it would also have variable value. So if you get in on it early, then you, you can make money two ways. If it goes up in value and if, if it... Uh, uh, and if you win money gambling. I'm not, now, I'm not sure if it's only on that site how it really does go up in value. But I guess with the people buying into it, it, it is very weird. So uh, the lineup of people, the, these, the quote, respected pros that were getting involved, they were a lot of people who were you know, busto pros that were once big names in poker but were known to have no money. Uh, Ted Forrest is a good example. Uh, is he in jail? Is he out of jail? I think so. I'm not sure. And then, uh, there, there, then there's the people who will stamp their name on anything. People like Johnny Chan, who uh, either uh, didn't he have like a, a sports drink? Yes, or something yes. Like the, that? There's some who will just stamp their name on anything if either they're giving ownership in the company in exchange for their name or if they uh, are paid for it. They 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 just stamp their name on it now and ask questions later, or don't ever ask questions. So it seemed like that was the roster of pros they had. Some of them weren't busto, like I, you know, I'm assuming Jennifer Harmon wasn't, but and Todd Brunson wasn't, but but some of them were just like, okay, whatever, you know, use my name. Give so I, I think they were probably just given stock in the company and, and talked into believing it's going to be something huge, and all they have to do is associate their name with it as, as, as site pros, and they said, okay, sure, why not? Nothing to lose. So uh, there, there was one laughable exchange where. Ted Forrest was trying to promote it at one point on Twitter. This is again back in 2014. And uh, and then he clearly didn't understand anything about cryptocurrency to the point where Ted actually referred to Bitcoin as two words, bit space coin. <laughs> so people were mocking that. And the whole thing had fail written all over it. And obviously this was in September 2014. I, I don't think anyone here has heard of, uh, of of breakout poker or breakout coin since then. So why are we talking about it now in January 2018? Well, it's because there has been a change in cryptocurrency in that the altcoins, which were mostly seen as uh, a speculative joke that few wanted to get involved with back in late 2014, they've become really uh, cool nowadays that uh, Bitcoin, even though its value has skyrocketed, uh, people are getting skeptical with Bitcoin. Say, oh, you know, the, the transaction fees are too high and it's too slow and it's it's gotten too expensive. And, uh, you know, it, the, the real future is in these altcoins. It's going to be one of these that blows up huge. And these altcoins you can buy cheap, a lot of them, whereas, or in some cases, dirt cheap, whereas a Bitcoin for each coin, it's uh, over $10,000. So, you know, let, let's get in on the ground floor again. So all the people who missed getting in on Bitcoin when it was worth five bucks, guess what? You can do it again with these altcoins. So that's that's why these altcoins are getting popular. Is people are who missed the boat the first time on Bitcoin now feel like there's a second boat. So as Bitcoin exploded, now so have the altcoins, and there, there's thousands of them. 
The problem is it's, so many different shady people are starting up their own coin, and yeah, that doesn't mean they're going to go anywhere or have any real value. Usually the way you acquire these altcoins is with Bitcoin. There, there aren't many exchanges where you can just go buy these altcoins with real money, but you, you, know, you can either have Bitcoin already or buy Bitcoin with real money and then go buy the altcoins with Bitcoin. So uh, Breakout Coin, I guess they've decided to capitalize on this. And they're they're trying to get back in the game. They're, they're, there's a, a Reddit page about themselves where they're trying to post articles about Breakout Coin. They're really they're pushing this again, and it seems to be a little bit different now. So let me get to the page about this this Breakout Gaming. It's it, it's it's so strange, and I, I still can't imagine this is going to go anywhere. It, it, it looks like they put a lot of work into their website. Yeah. So if you go to BreakoutCoin.com, and if you click on the coin on the top, then it will explain the different uh, coins they're doing here. And some of it is technical or semi-technical, the way they're explaining this, so this isn't for everyone to read, but you you can try anyway. But it says uh, Breakout Chain, the Breakout Blockchain. Breakout Chain is a global multi-currency payment system. What's the URL that we're at here, Druff? Breakoutcoin.com slash T-H-E dash coin, or you can just go to breakoutcoin.com and click on the coin at the top. Got it. So Breakout Chain is a global multi-currency payment system. Uh, it's a payment system that supports several currencies like Breakout Coin and Breakout Stake. Breakout Chain can send money anywhere instantly. So now it's no longer just uh, within their own uh, little gambling site. And but the other laughable thing about their site is they weren't going to take Americans because they didn't want to get in trouble. So they, they really thought that with this fictitious coin they were creating that was not going to be good anywhere outside their site that non-Americans were going to flood in there and it was going to be something valuable. There, there, was, no, there was no chance. I didn't care who was promoting it. It was, it was going to be fail for sure. They even had their initial coin offering and it was a fail. So anyway, back to, back to the present. It says the their, break- their site, by the way, is just yet another crappy WordPress site with a theme. Oh, is that all it is? The, the, yeah. Okay. Oh, I guess it is. Yeah. I, I, it, when I was scrolling through it, I go, oh, it looks like they put some design effort. Well, into no, this they thing. they definitely spent some money on the graphic design, but yeah. it's just it's just a a theme. No, I know it's I, I know it's I, I know it's like the, the website right now is like not like a technical marvel by any means. It is it is just like a a theme with a lot of graphic work. But uh, yeah, but you're you're right. They did try to make it attractive. Yeah. So. It says that the breakout chain payment system is completely transparent, allowing anyone in the world to fully audit every transaction that's ever been processed by the payment system. Breakout chain employs cutting-edge technological safeguards to ensure that every transaction is balanced so that no individual can spend money that isn't theirs or spend any money twice. Uh, the, the which, break- which, by the way, is a feature of any blockchain. Yeah, I was about to say technology. that. Like, How is this any different? Yeah. <laughs> so they have three currencies. They have three of the currencies are breakout coin... Breakout stake and sister coin. <laughs> I like, and they actually have like little pictures representing the coins and uh, break. They have BRX, which is for uh, I think it's for breakout coin. BRK, which is for breakout stake, and then sister coin is SIS. And the funny thing is, sister coin is pink, of course. Isn't that of course? That's nice? uh, sexist. Yeah, I was gonna say Kate Hall or Vanessa Selfs won't like that, but that's uh, that's what it is. So. Especially Vanessa Selfs, you know, she doesn't wear pink. She, uh, at one time, actually, you know what? One time, I actually saw Vanessa Selfs dressing feminine. It was really weird. 
So anyway, back back to Breakout Coin. Uh, Breakout Coin, a gaming and general use currency. When Breakout Chain goes live as a payment system, 19.5 Breakout Coin will go into circulation. I like how they're just like totally ignoring their failed initial coin offering for back back in 2016. They're, just, they're pretending it didn't happen. Uh, 10 million of which will be distributed to those who bought Breakout Coin in crowd sales. Each breakout coin can be divided into eight decimal places, making possible very small transactions called microtransactions for those with micropenises. Oh, no, no, that didn't say that. Uh, breakout coin has the currency symbol BRK. Breakout coin transactions require a small fee paid by the sender and collected by individuals who support the network by cl- certifying transactions. That's the same as all these cryptocurrencies, by the way. So... Uh, I won't read this whole thing. It does say, over time, additional breakout coin will be created at the rate of 5% per year to encourage more users to support the network, making it that much stronger. The 5 per- the 5% inflation is awarded as interest to those who have proven their stake in the network. And the stake takes the form of another currency called breakout stake, which has the currency symbol BRX. So then uh, then you scroll down, and as you're scrolling, it's like the giant BRX is in your face, and you, you, you kind of scroll past it. It's kind of a weird little design thing they did. Then, breakout stake. Ownership is proof of stake in the network. Breakout stake owners have stake in the breakout chain network. Only 12.5 million breakout stake will ever exist, and some will even be lost over time to transaction fees. Owning breakout stake gives individuals the right to certify transactions using the special software mentioned earlier. So, so the, what they're doing, you have to own these in order to, to mine, basically. Uh, by supporting the network in this way, breakout stakeholders earn interest on their stake. The interest is paid as breakout coin. Uh, because they have a proven stake in the network, breakout stake owners have a strong incentive to perform transactional certification in good faith. Naturally, the more breakout stake an individual has, the more authority they have to certify transactions. Looked at another way, the more authority the individual has, the bigger their investment, and the more their incentive to act in good faith. Uh, abuse of one's certification authority by approving invalid transactions is designed to be prohibitively expensive. In fact, it would require control of much more than 50% of the breakout stake in existence to undermine the integrity of the network this way. Uh, so they're, they're trying to explain why these people wouldn't do it. Then so what about the sister coin? Unique hybrid blockchain, proof of work, proof of stake. Sister coin is a proof of work currency. Breakout chain is a hybrid proof of work, proof of stake blockchain. Under, unlike other hybrids, however, the, in breakout chain, the two offer different security systems that emit two different coins. Whereas proof of stake emits breakout coin by s- staking breakout stake, the proof of work emits sister coin. This type of system is completely novel and unique to breakout chain. One powerful benefit of mining sister coin by proof of work is that the miners can claim fees not claimed by proof of stake. These fees are available because proof of stake blocks you know, collect fees, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, they... Uh, Jesus fucking Christ! Yeah, this, this is and then scroll down past that, and they show you some stupid like code that that's written for the net, supposedly written for the network, but it also has some weird stuff about cards with eight of clubs, seven of clubs. I don't understand what you're supposed to be seeing here. It's just supposed to look technical, I guess. And there's a whole long explanation. I'm not going to read any further, but they, they thank God they're trying very hard <laughs> to make this look like something innovative and and exciting. I can't see how this is going to catch on. I can't see anyone is is excited by this. And the other weird thing is they're not really associated with gambling anymore. Even though there's a a background on the page of the suits of cards, even though it's uh, you know it was originally associated with this uh, breakout gaming, 
and poker. It, it looks like they're kind of getting away from that. And let's see if I click About Us, if it still says something about the, the pros here. Um, so it says Developer James Stroud, PhD. I don't know who he is, but... Click on News, Druff. News, okay. I'll click on News. Yeah, it doesn't really say much. It says About Us. The only person they introduce you to is this James Stroud, PhD, who I don't really know. He could be in poker. If, if he has, I haven't heard of him. But I'm going to click on News, like Calwatt suggests. The Breakout Journal... Is that it? The Breakout Journal. That's okay. it. <laughs> oh, the, the, I see the very recent news up here. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm getting at. The very, very recent news here. Update version 1.4.5.0. Now, that makes it sound like they're doing a lot of updates. 1.4.5.0. Because, of course, first update is, is 1.0 or 1.0.0.0. And then, yeah, th- then... You know, super minor updates, you make it 1.0.0.1. If it's a little bit more major, it'd be that you'd go to the second decimal place. But anyway, they must have done a lot of updates if we're up to 1.4.5.0. Yeah, maybe, but the last update we got was in November 2016. (laughs) It's not even a valid Semver. Fucking idiots. (laughs) So... so, I'm looking looking at some of the source that they've got here now. (laughs) Anyway... That's uh Oh, you can't view it. Interesting. Mm. Oh, I see. Oh, and, and here's the, the press release is the last press release was June 17th, 2016. Breakout Gaming signs agreement to launch new esports games platform. So they're trying so many different things. So keep in mind like look in 2016, they're still trying for all this uh nonsense about the gaming. Uh, not that I'm going to call this derivative, but I'm looking at um, a decent. It looks like it's written in C and C plus plus. So I'm looking at some of their source, and it, <laughs> at the top of the header from just about every file I've looked at so far is copyright 2009 to 2010 by Satoshi Nakamoto. <laughs> so I mean, a lot of the source is just Bitcoin source that they're repurposing. Wow. <laughs> they couldn't even remove that part. They had to leave well, the... I mean, you know, whatever. That's the way open source works. No, right? I know, but, but it's funny. That's but, funny. Yeah, I mean, it's whatever. If you're looking for actually something, an interesting tech that could do something, I really do think that Ethereum could be pretty interesting. Yeah, I'm I not looked... investing in it, but yeah, I, I it does have some really much. nice tech behind it. Yeah, and, and that's a lot of people are, are high on that for that reason. But I don't know. I, I seem to think there's a future for cryptocurrencies that we might get to in not too long. But I, I don't know if anything that we're currently seeing today is going to be the standard. Much I, I think believing anything today is going to be the standard is like uh, believing that uh, you know, the early cell phones would be, the, would be the standard that people would be carrying around in uh, many years to come. And, uh, well, to some extent, it doesn't really matter, though, right? I mean, you can't predict which one or what variant of it is going to end up being the thing, but you can still make money along the way. Yes, regardless. as long as you have you an know? exit strategy and say, this is not going to be the, the big thing. I'm not going to hold on to this for eternity. because well, in, in Nokia made a lot of money until they didn't. <laughs> you know? I, I, I'm saying if you, if you hold on to your whatever coin you invest in just 
forever thinking that's going to be sure. the giant. Uh, the high, very high likelihood is it's eventually going to be at zero. So you have to have an ex- exit strategy to where if it gets to such and such place, I'm going to sell this percentage of, my, of, of what I have. You, you've got to do that or otherwise you're going to make no profit. I, I, I said this, I think, two weeks ago. I know people in poker, people I know fairly well, who were broke, who ran up a little bit online, then ran it up more, and withdrew in Bitcoin, had friends who were really into Bitcoin, friends talked them into keeping the Bitcoin and not cashing it out, they held it, now those Bitcoin are worth, and I'm not talking about like five years ago, I'm talking about like, like two years ago, they, they, they cash out 100K, 150K, that, that, you know, worth millions of dollars now. Great. Right. Great. Yeah. Good job. These people, it's a success story. That Busto, Proker Pros, who ran very little up to low six figures, now they have seven figures just by sitting on the Bitcoin. That's great. But unfortunately, these people have become huge advocates and believers in Bitcoin, and they are never going to cash it out. They're, they, they just believe. Why, that, why would they not believe? They've seen their investment go up tenfold yes, or even more. And they've seen when it does crash, that it always recovers and then and then, and then goes uh, exceeds where it was before it crashed. So they just no matter what happens, if it goes up, it's going up more. If it goes down, it's going to recover. They think so. Nothing will ever happen with it that will ever cause them to say, "Hey, it's the right time to sell." So if you never have the intention to sell. Then it does not matter what it is worth on paper if you never convert it to, to real money. So that uh, that is a mistake. Now, I, I think the smart play there, if you really believe in it so much, I think the smart play is to cash out some of it at certain points, and then no matter what happens, you've still made good money on it, and then you can still gamble with the rest of it. As far as you so, know, Drew, let's, let's talk investing for a second. It's going to get really boring, and you know, whatever. But do you know what dollar cost averaging is? No. So it's a fancy term, but really all it means is that you are investing the same amount at fixed intervals. And the idea being like if you dollar, let's say you've got $100,000 and you want to invest in some kind of uh, stock, right? What you don't do is you don't take the $100,000 and buy all that stock, right? Instead, you dollar cost average into it. So you would buy like maybe $1,000 a month. Right. And by doing that, you're naturally going to buy more of the stock when it's low and you're going to buy less of it when it's high. Right. So if, if I had, and the irony is that I could have had lots of money in Bitcoin, what I would do is I would dollar cost average the money out. Like I would just at a fixed interval, I would be taking out a certain amount of money. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's anything like that is a good idea. That uh, that will get, put real money in your pocket, and you, you can't be stressed like, oh my God, what if I take it out and, and Bitcoin you know, goes up another five times, ten times what it is right now, and then I you know I could have well it, it might it might, might. But, but then it could also crash. You'll be ha- so the the point is at least then you've locked up that you have uh, you've you've locked up some gain with it, and uh, in whatever way you do it, but you have to have, if you have no exit strategy where you're just never going to sell, then at some point in, unless it goes up during the entire remainder of your life uh, and still you won't have the cash you'll just be dead and have a lot of bitcoin to leave to somebody else right uh, but, but the real point is that you don't do it in big chunks right so if I've got tons of money in bitcoin um, you know what I, what I might do is every month a percentage of my investment would come out right and if the value of bitcoin has gone way up 
then the real dollar value is going to be higher, but the percentage of my investment is still going to be the same. Yeah, yeah I you understand. See what I mean, I understand, and that's and that's a valid way yeah. to do it. Uh, however, I think for people who who just you know that's pretty much all their net worth is in that right now, like the people I just described. It right. would be devastating to them, not that they wouldn't be familiar with going busto because they have before, but but it would be devastating to them to think that now they have $5 million to their name and then a major crash happens and then Bitcoin, that what they have becomes worth uh, 50000 And they think, wow. Right. So so I think for those people... Well, that, that's I, why you do that. That's why you take fixed amounts out. Yeah, well, th- that know? could be done. Or, or I think... Uh, uh, even just saying, I'm satisfied at this point, uh, I'm going to take out this much, so no matter what happens, I've made a million dollars. I've made a million and a half dollars, and then the rest I'm going to leave in. And if it goes up, you know, I'm going to leave in for a while, and then you can start and doing if you, And if you, you do describe. that, take out enough to cover the taxes. Yes. Please, please. And, <laughs> but, but, you know, you can take out the large sum, and then, and then you can leave the rest in, and, and then, then you can also do what you're describing, taking out a certain percentage after that, or right. something like that. But, but at least if the whole thing crashes down, you haven't just uh, ruined everything you've gained and then you never even got to enjoy the money. Yeah, and again, their argument is going to be, well, you know, it's going to go up to, you know, $100,000 per coin and I don't want to to miss out on being a multi-billionaire, you know? But I just, you know, whatever. Well, my my argument back is, is, well, if it does, you're still not going to sell. That's my argument back to them. You're not going to say at a hundred thousand I'm selling. You're going to say, "Well, I bet it can get to a million. So now I'm going to hold. You know, why not hold it more?" And shit happens, man. Like South Korea just outlawed it. Yes, a lot of things can dis- it just just if it falls out of favor to where something uh, uh, eventually takes over. That's, that's that's very separate from all this. And well, and, and there are you know they're working on solving them, but there are fundamental problems like the cost per transaction. Yes, that's a killer right now. You know, is getting is getting prohibitive. But again. For people that are just keeping it and they're just sitting on it, they don't really care because they're not making any transactions. Well, I know, but it, but it, but as far as its practical use in, in society, it's a problem. That you, there isn't. I mean, you know, you can't use it for small transactions anymore. It's it's the, the for, fees for are the killer. most part. There isn't a really big practical use for it in our society. But, but at least it's they, really it's really people who were holding it as an investment. The thing was, at least it was starting to go in that direction where if the interface was made simple enough for the average person that you could see where this could be very useful to pay for but, small things, but, but not with the transaction fees the way they are. No one would want to use it for that. Well, like, Jeff, what's the, the practical use in our society for a hedge fund? Well, I know. It's, that's, it's to make I, people money. No, I know. It's, it's fine. But, if, if, they, if, if Bitcoin is just that, it's fine. But I agree with you that you should have some way to get some of this out. You know, or, you know, one of the big tenets of any kind of investment is diversification, Right. And it just means, in simple terms, don't have all your eggs in one basket. Yes. <laughs> you know? And that's, that really is investing 101. And that's why you invest in mutual funds instead of individual stocks and et cetera, et cetera. So that your, they call it specific risk, is not very high. And if all your money is in Bitcoin, your specific risk is very high. Yes, because it's very volatile. That's, that's the- <laughs> but that's no different than if all your money, well, I mean, it's different in some ways, but it's very similar to... If all your money was in the stock of a single company, yeah, right, it, it, and you just don't do that because you want to diversify your portfolio, and and I agree with you that people should be looking at this from the point of view of this is awesome, I've made a bunch of money, now let's diversify where this money goes. Take some out, put it into, uh, put some into stocks, put some into 
you know, real estate, if that's what you're interested in or, you know, whatever, whatever it may be. But diversify your portfolio is what any sane investment advisor will tell you. Yeah. And, and what I would say, like, like real estate, here's an example where real estate is so much different than having your money in Bitcoin. Uh, now, of course, real estate, it, it, it can have its crashes like, like what happened in 2008 and what happened in the early 90s as well. Sure. Uh, but the thing is, it will never have. It doesn't have the potential to have the type of catastrophic crash that that Bitcoin does, because real estate it actually is uh, real property, and it actually it, it will always maintain some kind of real value. It, it, so yes, if it gets in artificially inflated by the market and then it corrects itself, then and you buy it when it's when it's at the top and then it falls, it, you're going to lose money. But there's only so far it can fall. And also for that reason, after that stops, and sometimes there's an overcorrection, like what happened in 2008, then then it starts to go up again, and then, and then uh, it's like like in some areas, it's it's actually starting to approach the prices that were there prior to the real estate crash. We're not quite there, but and it's a decade later, but 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 the thing is, it's it's gone up since then substantially in some areas that was that were hit by this right. crash. So, but, but I would argue that it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter whether it's Bitcoin or real estate. Or a single company stock, it doesn't matter. You don't want all your money in one thing, no matter what that thing is. Well, I I think it depends on how likely it is for there to be a, a super catastrophic crash that could ruin you. Where, where, so like if somebody, let's say the poker, let's let's change the story of these poker players. Let's say instead of, uh, the, let's say a poker player has three million dollars net worth in Bitcoin and only Bitcoin right now. I'd say that's that's super dangerous for them. If they have, let's say they took the three million dollars and, and and put just about all of it in real in, in real estate, I'd say okay. Well, I, I'd actually say for that type of person, this is good for them because it's it's more likely it's going to slowly appreciate over time than anything else. If it does crash, it's not going to it's not going to be worth you know three hundred. It's not going to go from three million to three hundred thousand. It's uh, you know, at worst, it's going to go to something like like three hundred three million to eight hundred thousand or something. But but even then, that's uncommon. So. The, the thing but is, there, but there are downsides to everything. Of course, right? I mean, it, crazy shit can happen. Someone can, uh, you know, slip and die on your property, and you can face a lawsuit that buries you. And you know, I mean, all right, whatever. I, my my only point is, no matter what you're doing with your money, diversify it, and you will be much better off in the end. Yeah, much better. But I, I'm just saying this is this is the uh, the most unstable of unstable investments sure. you can have, and, right. and and to have all your money in that is insane, and especially all your money that you think that you don't even know when you would sell. You you can't even say if you can't say to yourself, "I'm going to sell some of this when X happens." If you cannot make that statement to yourself, then there's probably only one result that's going to happen for all, for all this right. to you. There's one result. And, and you're like, right. It's a, it's definitely a, a risky investment and it's going to depend on what your tolerance is for, uh, for that risk. But I mean, when you're, when you're looking at investing, um, the aggressiveness of what you invest in is going to depend on when you need the money and how old you are and a whole bunch of other factors. And it usually that changes over time. Like when you're young, you can invest in some investments that are uh, riskier, but more likely that you could get a, a really good return from. Um, but that will change over time in terms of how you are spreading this out. But you still have this kind of spectrum of where what buckets you're putting your money into. You know, And when you're younger, you can weight it more towards the, the riskier side of things, but still have some money in some other places. So, I mean... 
I really think we're kind of saying the same thing. Yeah, like, I totally agree with you that these these guys that all their money is just in Bitcoin. I mean, it's great that you have made this money, but realize how fucking incredibly lucky that you have gotten, and take some of that money out and put it in other places, please. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Well, and I'm sure, Druff, in three years, when Bitcoin is at a hundred thousand dollars, <laughs> all these guys are going to be like, "Hey, fucking idiots! Glad I didn't listen to you." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right, so here's some texts we got: seven seven five three seven two eight three five five from the five one two. How dare you? Shock G. Mm. Shock G was also featured in a classic Tupac song. I get around just ignorant. Mm. He was also in an anti-gang song called We're All in the Same Gang, which was uh, released during the height of the L.A. gang problems. That uh, Bro, you know, Before it, I forget, before I forget, I did some research on this guy. The Mike on the Icon song? Yeah. So first of all, he went on. Have you ever heard of The Adventures of Pete and Pete? Yes. Really? Okay, I'd never heard of it. He was the house band for that series. Huh. He was in that band on uh, for that Nickelodeon series, The Adventures of Pete and Pete. Huh. Um, and that's on his About page. But I also got his Twitter. That's okay. him. Are you going to tweet at him? And, I, I and, think I might have to. Pursue this? I think I might have to. Right. Okay. Right. I'm going to give you the info. And uh, I, I think you should follow it up. That's He's on Twitter. He's active. He performed in 2017. You know? Now, this, this person... Uh, sent to me a strange tweet listening in tonight for your trump segment elect a clown expect a circus uh there's no trump segment tonight i don't know what they're talking about (laughs) that's i'm not sure why that person thought that's what we're doing tonight but that was never planned to be part of the show so i'm sorry if you listen for that you're not going to get it from this from the (laughs) the truth instead he gets the the mark mulcahy segment. yeah the mic on the icon (laughs) from 2001 segment the 602 asking uh, at 7.50 p.m., just confirming show starts in 21 minutes tonight, correct? Hmm. My response to that is <laughs> show started about, uh, I think, 71 minutes from then. Uh, Trader Ruski? Is Trader Ruski here? Talk to me, buddy. Well, e- either way, we're almost done here. Uh, from the 205... Uh, was the show even on now? Uh, for, here, here's oh, here's a, a question that I'll answer from the seven seven four. Please address the new McDonald's menu. Oh, sorry, the new McDonald's dollar menu, specifically the soft drinks, and why on earth they would sell any size for only one dollar? And how much of a fish are you if you get a small drink when you could have had a large one for the same price? This isn't that new. I saw it. Uh, I've seen it for at least a year, maybe more. Uh, yeah, the soft drink thing is strange. Because unless you have like a, a cup holder in your car that can't hold a larger cup, I can't imagine why you would ever get a smaller soda for the exact same money. I mean, if you just dump out the rest, it doesn't matter. Uh, but I, yeah, I think it's smart. Uh, they, they, they always have to evolve at McDonald's to keep up with the, the competition in the fast food market, which is always changing. They're getting, they're getting killed. Yeah. So, so they have to do things like that. This... The soft drinks, that, that's a smart thing to do because soft drinks is their biggest profit margin so they can afford to lower the price. So uh, if it makes it seem like they're giving you a great deal by giving you a large soda for a dollar, you can go, oh, how can they make money on this? Well, they're actually making a ton of money because those machines can 
produce soda very, very cheaply. I, I can't help it, Druff. I got to say it. Don't drink fucking soda. Well, I, I can't completely say that because I, I drink some of it. I, I drink less. I, <laughs> I drink one of, like soft drinks are one of the worst things that you can do for yourself. I they wouldn't really say are. that. I, th- I think that gets exaggerated. But uh, I, I have cut down on it. I'm not saying they're healthy. I, I cut. I used to drink a lot more of it than I used to. Uh, it was actually five years ago. Five years ago, it was thanks partially to Penn Gillette. I, I took a picture with with Penn Gillette in uh, at the very end of 2012, and uh, I, I saw myself in the picture. And I was actually my highest. You didn't know who was who? Well, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Pendulette is a is a big guy, as you guys know. And I, and I looked fat in that picture anyway. It wasn't even like I was standing next to him. Go, oh, I look so thin because Pendulette was like. like a, I, I looked at it and, and I I looked fatter than I had ever looked, and I was I was the heaviest I'd ever been in my life. And so I was so bothered by that picture that I within a sh- uh, like a week of then I said I'm going to make a, a real effort to lose weight, and I actually I lost 24 pounds. And one of the things I did to lose the 24 pounds was uh, I started drinking a lot more water and less soda. Uh, that's it. I mean, that's one of the first things that anyone will tell you is don't drink your calories. So, well, and that's a big problem for me, especially at night. Just drink uh, water. I, I have, I, I like, it's funny because throughout most of the day I can drink water and be okay. And, and what's funny is when I'm eating meals, I'm especially okay with water. Like, you, you, uh, I, the, because I'm getting, to me, I'm getting flavor from the food. So then, drinking water is is totally fine and natural to me during meals. A lot of people want to have a soda with their meal. I've, I never, I, like water. That was the easiest transition to make. But uh, it's late at night. I, I always have a craving for high calorie drinks, and it may actually go back to when I was a kid, and I would have a big glass of chocolate milk before I go to bed every night. Now. This had some positives to it in that uh, number one, I was I was very thin as a kid, so there was no weight issue. I wasn't that like the chocolate milk even that had a lot of calories. I I wasn't fat at all, so I was not, that that wasn't a problem, and uh, and and it encouraged me to drink milk. I, I I never liked the taste of plain milk very much. So if I was forced to just drink plain milk, I would have hardly drank any milk. So this encouraged me to drink a lot of milk, which which is very good for 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 kids as you're growing. So. This uh, this did encourage me to drink a lot of milk, but uh, I think it also may have conditioned me to uh, condition my body to want high calorie drinks late at night, and and that's well, well, when it's late at night and you're tired, your body naturally craves that kind of stuff because it wants the sugar for the immediate energy boost. Yeah, that that could be it. So so anyway, I I was. Uh, so still, I I do have a, a big craving for high calorie drinks, not just soda, but like orange juice, which is also high calorie. A lot of people don't realize. And uh, just, for some reason, if I'm if I'm going to drink a high calorie anything, it's going to be a beer or some kind of alcohol. I, I I literally like I do not drink soda or any soft drinks at all. I have water, milk, and unsweetened iced tea, and that's it. That's I, it. I I don't drink alcohol. I'm just I've just never been a, a drinker, so that I'm not that. Well, part. I want to be able to drink alcohol, so I'm not <laughs> yeah, drinking the fucking soda. <laughs> that's probably that's that's a good point, though. Since I'm not drinking the alcohol, I can substitute the soda. But 
so I, I drink less soda than I used to, but, but the thing was, like, what happened when I was losing the weight, and that was the first time I made any kind of effort to go on any, any kind of diet, and it was my own diet. I invented my own diet of what I thought I could do to lose some weight. And it yeah, was, I, the, I, the, the secret diet? Yeah, yeah. The I, secret diet. I'm going to give away a secret drug. Yes. This is the secret diet. You take in fewer calories than you burn off. Right. That, 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 that's what, that's what it basically was. That's what, it, <laughs> that's what, that's what I, was, I was going for there. And, and I, I, so I lost 24 pounds on it. And, um, and it was a real 24 pounds. It wasn't like a water loss. It was like a real 24 pounds that, that, that vanished over the next few months. And what frustrated me was that it stalled at that point. My body just decided that's it. And it's, uh, that was as much as it was going to go down. And your body does make an attempt to maintain the same weight. Which can be good for you if you're eating too much, you know, over a short period of time. But it can be bad for you if uh, if you're trying to lose weight. So, uh, whatever for whatever, whatever reason, at that point where I lost 24 pounds, with the method I was using to lose weight, it just stopped. My body wouldn't do anymore. Now, yes, I, I could have I, I could have uh, gone to exercise to try to burn it off or eat, tried to eat even less, but it got frustrating, and then I started to drift to to. to go away from some of the things I had changed to lose the weight. And so it, this was now we're talking five years ago. So it's, it's slowly crept back over time and I've gained some of it back, but I am still not as heavy as I was in that picture with Penn Jillette, And I never have been as heavy since I've still, I'm kind of in between where I was between those two. So, but anyway, I, I still, I still do drink soda. I just got a text from the five, one, two McDonald's gets its soda products for free. Huh? Why would that be? Uh, maybe to promote them or something. Maybe that I don't know. I'd like to hear that. Well, you'll. I mean, you'll notice that um, most of those chains will either serve a Coke product or a Pepsi product, and that's it. Yeah, yeah, I know that, but but I figured that was just to get a discount. I don't know that they get it free. I think they get a discount. That's what I, I, that's I'm not always, an insider at all. That's what I'd always thought was a discount. So, I do know I got some buddies of mine that work at Coke, and I do know that it costs them more money to make Dasani, the bottled water, than it does to make Coke. Wow. <laughs> because the standards for the, the water that goes into it are way different for the bottled water versus the fucking whatever they dump into the Coke can. Yeah, by the way, be, being the, the cheap Jew that I am, when I do go to fast food restaurants like McDonald's, I almost never get a drink unless I, I have some kind of deal where I'm getting it anyway for free. Other than that, I don't bother because that's, that's where you're getting the worst value. That's that's where they're making all the money. So <laughs> no, but I don't need it, and I, I can get things. I can get drinks at home. Like I, I can't just like I, at home. I can't say, oh, I want to have some French fries right now. I, I can't do that. I don't. I don't have a way to make French fries. Or I, you can make some crappy microwave fries, but they're awful. So like, if I if I want some real French fries, I, I have to you go. You don't out. have a deep fryer in your in your kitchen. Unfortunately, no. That's maybe you don't have your your personal live-in chef doesn't have a deep fryer that can cook this for you on demand. You know, you know what I kind of would like is not a deep fry. I would like one of those soda machines that can make like any soda, like those, those electronic ones where you can make like any soda of there and it could combine them. It's a really cool Druff, machine. I, I'm trying to talk you down from a ledge. Don't do it. Don't I, I do just, it. I just see that in some in some like fast food restaurants. It's just so cool. I, I just feel like I, want, like I want to use that thing all day. But anyway, the you know how they they get them? They just get like this pack of like concentrate oh i know it's like super concentrate shit yeah. that will last you fucking a lifetime yeah so you you could you could just buy that and you just make your own fucking soda <laughs> so 
so like if, if I want to get uh, like the food at fast food places, I can't just easily get and, and make. And some things are impossible to make, like the French fries. Uh, it's soda. not impossible to make French fries. No, good French fries like that. The one, I, I, not some crap that you make in the microwave or, or, or the oven. You've never talking, made French fries at home. Yeah, they sucked. They were terrible. You just boil some oil and you fucking deep fry them. No, it's 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 not the same. They they suck. Okay. So. <laughs> All right. So anyway, the the I I, I I've, I've never had any French fries people made at home that were good. They were they they range from like fairly bad to terrible. Mm. So, uh, anyway, I, I the bottom line is I, I get things at these places that I would have to get there, or, or it's, it's a similar place. Whereas uh, soda, I, you can have that at home very easily. You just you just buy soda and keep it in your refrigerator and, and drink it when you want it. Like that's uh, I, I don't want to pay two dollars for something that that I can get for twenty five cents in the store, the, the identical product. So, and I can easily keep it home. It doesn't go bad fast. So. I don't see a reason to get soda, and not only that, I don't feel like I need to drink soda with my fast food because, as I said, no matter what I'm eating, I really feel like you know just drinking water is fine. I've actually had it before. People are surprised. I've had it before where I'm offered free soda, and I say, "What? I'll take the water." When I'm eating, because I'm thinking, "Okay, why? Why do this? Why? Why? Uh, I'm trying to not drink too much soda. Like, why? Why drink it now when I really don't want it that much? Why not just save it till later?" Where I'll want it much more. So, uh, so there's uh, freestyle machines, and that's what I was talking about, like the, the machine that... Uh, this guy has a lot of knowledge, this guy in the 512. Uh, freestyle machines use toner-style cartridges. That's kind of disturbing. <laughs> I'm talking about like the machine I said I wished I had in my house. So, yeah, it's... I, I know it's unhealthy, but I, I still think it's exaggerated. It's one of these things which they make it sound. I think they make it sound so much worse than it actually is. Where it's no, it's 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 more just that you, when it's a drink that you have, you don't really process that you're taking in that many calories and sugar. <laughs> That's what it is, you know, because you, naturally during the day you're going to get thirsty, and if the way you're quenching that thirst is by dumping a bunch of sugar water down your throat, I mean, it's just a really easy way. To get a whole lot of, of empty calories into your body. That's oh, yeah, I, that, that, yeah. That, I know that, yeah. I, I know it. Yeah. And, I, and I know when I drink it, it's, it's like it's like a battle because I know that uh, I, I'm I really want I'm not saying there it. aren't some healthy people that, that drink soda. I'm just saying it's one of those things that is a real easy thing to cut out. You know? Well, yes and no. I, I just think that like, like when I, even when I was losing weight like that and I was on a stricter diet for myself than I am now, I, I still said I've got to have uh, – I think I started with just one a day. All right, uh, We're, we're going to let you live. Since you don't drink alcohol, we're going to let you have soda. It, it was just like I, – like, I, I, I would be very unhappy going through the whole <laughs> day. Wait in the chat. Where is that fucker? I don't know. But I, I would be very happy going – unhappy going through the whole day with only drinking water. Most of well, the day – There yes, you but, go. There but, you go. If it gives you pleasure – Go for it. That's what I say. You know? I, I got to do at least some of it, but uh, it's. It, I think it's just a matter of how much, and and then, you know, I eat other empty calories with other things with, with candy and snacks. I just you know I have a little problem with that, but what can I do? So, all right, people, uh, we're about ending here. So, is Trader Risky is he anywhere? He said he's in the chat. Is he talking in the chat? 
No, no, I probably he's not. He, he's not talking in the chat at this time of night. Usually, the chat is mostly people sleeping. Yeah. Well, I didn't see him in there before, so I thought maybe he just showed up. I don't know. Yeah, he just kind of vanished, and that's the way it works. Oh, God! I hate to do this because I want to go to sleep, but I, I want to know. Did you see the latest Star Wars movie, The Last Jedi? No, I haven't yet. No, no. God damn it! I want a rough review of The Last Jedi. Okay. Now, how come you have not seen it? I just haven't. Just you don't like Star Wars? No, it's, that? Okay, okay, I do. I, in fact, I love Star Wars when it, okay when it first came out in, in, in 1977. I was yep. only five, but I uh, went to the theater. I did too. When I was, I, yeah, one of my. Uh, Mother's friends like got me in there, even though I wasn't supposed to be in there at that age. <laughs> no, you could go. It was it was only PG. You, well, you could friend, go. well, uh, okay. Anyway, it was it was suggested you you actually could have gone yourself, but uh, all right. I, I went. Yeah, I went and saw it in the theater at age five, and in 1977. If you want to sound really old, if you're around this age and you saw Star Wars in the theater. If you want to be really old, tell someone who's in their 20s or 30s or even especially teens, tell them you saw the first Star Wars in the theater in 1977. It just blows their mind because 1977 seems so long ago to these people of that age that you talking about doing something like seeing a movie just sounds crazy to them. Even if you were a kid, even if you were five years old or whatever, you, you still did it. It's something you did. And for them to hear that, it just sounds crazy to them that, that uh, in the in the 70s, you're talking about doing something, like, like seeing a movie. But yeah, have you seen all of the Star Wars movies no, except this one? No, I actually haven't. I I I, I kind of fell off after uh, the, those three that they did in the, in the '90s. I saw those, or in the '90s and early 2000s, whatever it was, those came out. And then I I haven't seen any of the new ones since. I, I've been meaning to, but I'll tell you what the, what's been stopping me is that I've seen very few movies in the theater, like very few, since Benjamin was born. Because uh, I, I've only, you know, like, I, I can't go with his mom, and then, you know, what do we do with Benjamin? And we, we, he just has had very, he's never had a babysitter, actually, ever. We, we, every once in a while, we've left him with, like, a relative or something, but, but just about every day, he is with one of the two parents, or both parents. Oh, come on, bro, you got to have a life. I'm just telling you the way it's been. We, we we go on vacations, we take him, so it's not like we don't do anything. But I'm saying that uh, that one thing we haven't done much of is is be away from Benjamin, except when he's mm. sleeping. So we, we just you know, in, in his seven years, there's been I, I don't I think there's like one or two days in his whole life that he was away from both parents, and and very few even periods of time like of, of of any time where there's not at least one parent there aside for when well, he's at Druff, school get, get ready for it aside from when he's at school sometime soon he's not going to want anything to do with you aside from when he's at school of course that's that's the exception <laughs> but but uh yeah so for that reason we just haven't gone to many movies all right all right so can you do you know enough about star wars to can you do you like know what all the movies are um the recent ones I know of them, but I haven't followed it very closely, and I didn't want to follow it too closely because I wanted to eventually see them and not spoil things. So, uh, is I, is anybody listening right now? Yeah, that has seen all of the Star Wars oh. movies and, and can call up so I can talk to someone about. No, it. but then it's going to spoil things for me. I don't want that. I, I gotta. No, no, that's not what I was going to talk about. And, all right, I'll just I'll just go into it. Right. So we we know that 
Um, it started with Star Wars, which then they um, rebranded A New Hope, right? Yes. And then the next one was um, uh, Empire Strikes it, yes. Back, Yes. right? And then it was Return of the Jedi. And then there was a long kind of hiatus. Yeah, like 15 years uh, or so. Right, like 15 years or so. And then they came out with the prequels, the ones that, uh, you know, were kind of disparaged for being a little kiddie or whatever. And there was the what? The, the Force Awakens. And then, uh, was it? What was the next one? Return of the Sith and then Clone Wars? I don't yeah, know. I yeah. think those were those. Yeah, it was. In there I, somewhere. I, and I saw all those, oh. yeah. All right. So you know all of those, right? Yeah. And and then you know recently they came out with uh, the Force Awakens, the J.J. Abrams, yes, your people, yeah, yeah. right? And I, and I that was the first one I didn't see. Okay, and 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 it was an enjoyable movie, but really it was a reboot of the franchise, and it w- was really kind of like um, Return of the Jedi combined with um, uh, Empire Strikes Back or and A New Hope or whatever. Like it was it was kind of a mash of all of that with the old characters and new characters and whatever wasn't the most original thing in the world, but it was an enjoyable movie, right? And then I'm not going to tell you anything about um, the new one, The Last Jedi, because you haven't seen it. Are you aware of any other Star Wars movies? Well, I know there's the there's the uh, uh, I, I know there's the more recent ones. Uh, there's the was well, the Last Jedi, and then there's. Uh, so, some coming up here. That's uh, this, this nine coming up. No, no, I'm talking about prior, not anything upcoming. Are you aware of any other Star Wars movies that are out? Um, yeah, there were those uh, those other ones, like this Rogue One or something. And uh, yeah, Rogue One was uh, a side pilot. Okay, so kind of what I'm I'm getting at there. There were a couple of movies that even pretty big Star Wars fans don't even know exist. So first of all, there was one of the most cringe-worthy things ever. There was a um, Star Wars Christmas special. Oh, I remember that. It's it, yeah, in the seventies. Yeah, probably one of the worst fucking. Like, it was, but that was like a TV. Com- that was like a TV thing, right? It was a made-for-TV movie. Yeah, but it was complete garbage. It was really bad. Really, really bad. So some people know about that, but what a lot of other what a lot of people don't know about is there was also two other movies. There was um, Caravan of Courage, an Ewok adventure, which was an actual thing. Um, and then there was another uh, Ewok movie that I can't remember the name of. And they're, they're fucking terrible, too. Yeah, I remember, I remember in the 80s they heard something about an Ewok movie. I didn't have a desire to see that. It, you, you talk to a lot of people about Star Wars, and it, it blows their mind because they've never even heard of these things. And they're, for good reason, because... I think they just tried to bury them because they were so fucking bad, (laughs) like really bad. It was like they, you know, some people found the the props laying around after uh, Return of the Jedi and just kind of decided to make a movie using them. It was really terrible. Yeah, so it's funny. I see there, I'm looking here now, there were 10 years in between the Revenge of the Sith, which is episode three and The Force Awakens. And... So th- there was 10 years in between, and uh, the funny thing is those 10 years actually seem like less t- a lot less time 
than the 16 years between Return of the Jedi and then the Phantom Menace when that came out. So that, mm. that just seemed like an eternity between the Return of the Jedi and, and the Phantom Menace. Now, it, just may, it may seem like that to me because it went from when I was age 11 to 27 where you right. – the massive right. changes in your life between those years. And then the other one was between when I was 33 and 43 where it's, it's much less. So, Well, the other reason why you should see these movies, Druff, is there are a lot of people complaining <laughs> – <laughs> that um, social justice warriors are destroying Star Wars. Yes, I heard that too, and uh, that's I, 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 I'm wondering if that's I'm why I want that. you to see it. Was that was that your impression? Did you see this and, and notice it, or you like? So- uh, I mean, I don't know much how much I want to say because you say you're going to go see them, but uh, sort of, but not really. Um, I mean, they they definitely did make you know like diversity a a thing, but that has kind of always been a thing in a lot of these movies anyway. Um, but there there were some things in the most recent movie that were probably could have done without. <laughs> yeah, like there was there was one um, uh, one commander who had. Uh, like bright purple hair, like look very much like a social justice warrior <laughs> on Twitter. And she was the commander who was, you know, putting down the, uh, the making the males look like buffoons and stuff like that. But I, I think that was, I think it's somewhat overblown to be honest with you, Druff. I don't think it was, I, I don't think it was that bad. Well, that's what I, I was really going to say. Sometimes I'll hear about this type of thing, not necessarily with star Wars, but I'll, I'll hear complaints right. that, that there's, been some sort of uh, social justice warrior, leftist propaganda and something, and then I'll watch it and it's actually pretty mild. And, and I'm like, well, yeah, okay. I, and, I can, and I think that's the case here. And, and like, I'll watch, I'll go, okay, like, I, I can definitely see the politics of the person who made this and that they're trying to sneak this across, but it's not it's not super obnoxious and it's not uh, it's, it's not so prominent where I can't just say, okay, I'm just going to ignore this. It's it's only when it's it's becomes like a major theme of the movie or it's there's something super gratuitous put in there that's uh, that just slaps you in the face. That that's when it starts to bother me. If it's yeah. just little things slipped in there, like sometimes I'll notice them, but it doesn't bother me that much. And I, I've gotten so used to like that's the way Hollywood is anyway, so I kind of expect it. So unless it's it's it, unless it's kind of much just for Hollywood. Then uh, even by like Hollywood standards, then that, that's when it starts to bother me more. But yeah, but- I, I don't think that was really the case here. Um, and I, I think you're right. Like it can get a little bit overblown. Like people, you know, like just like we're talking about with with Kate Hall and and all that. You know, people can find whatever they want if they're looking for it, right? You know, if they're really looking for something, they can they can see. Uh, you know, this is an allegory for you know women's equality or you know whatever it is but i I really think these big studios disney especially their religion and their agenda is money right yeah and i think that they're not trying to push any social agenda i think they're trying to do what they can to get it to appeal to um women and they also like in the recent movie um they had a number of uh asian characters that were in it and I don't think that's trying to push any diversity. I think they're trying to make it appeal to the really large Chinese market. You know, I think that's what it's about. Yeah. <laughs> I think most of the most of the decisions or most of the things that people are decrying, I don't think are part of a political or social agenda. I think it's them 
trying to access markets where they think they're going to make money. Yeah, that, that, that is often <laughs> a lot of it where they just yeah. they, they think that whatever they're doing there that's, that's considered controversial. Well, China has become huge. Yeah. That, and there are a lot of um, – uh, a lot of these studios are doing a whole lot to to cater to that market, which makes sense. You know, if that's if they're making a lot of money there, why wouldn't they? Well, it's a gigantic population. It's a, it's like twenty uh, percent of of the world population just there. Right. Yeah. No. Absolutely. So that's they they really can have so much influence. Truff, you got to get out of the house and see. You know. Not necessarily these movies, but go see a fucking movie. <laughs> well, you, you know what I, I at least need to do since I can, you know, at least the uh, like the Force Awakens, for example. I, I've got to at least watch some of these at home. I actually have a pretty good home theater system with a hundred inch screen. Use it, and uh, that's that's what I need to do. The only problem is I can't do this when Ben's asleep because it's right next to Ben's bedroom. So it, uh, unless I put headphones on, then. Uh, and then I can't really watch it with uh, Ben's Last mom, I knew, you didn't have a very uh, demanding schedule during the day. Well, I know, but I wanted to watch it with Ben's mom, and you know, we can't really watch it together if, if, if Ben's sleeping and it's right next to his room. So, so, but, but you know, honestly, if we, if we put the effort out, yeah, I could put a movie on for him in another part of the house and then uh, watch that. And you know, so I could do something like that because I, I didn't want to see it on some, you know, I don't want to watch it on the computer. Or, or on some just regular TV. I, I'd want to watch it either in a the theater, which you know for the older ones is not possible anymore, or or at least a, a good system like like what I have with the home theater. Well, do you have Netflix? Yes. Well, Rogue One is available on Netflix, so you can just watch that anytime you want. So yeah, okay. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I I really do mean to get around to it. I, I, I was a very big fan of the Star Wars, the original Star Wars th- series when I was a kid. And, uh, but I, 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 I'm serious, man. I really want you to see these films because I want a druff review. Okay. I want a druff review of... Uh, start with um, The Force Awakens, which is you know the, the most recent uh, reboot of the new series or whatever. Watch that. And then watch, you know, whether it's in the theater or whatever, then watch um, The Last Jedi. And then I want to review. <laughs> I think I think people would be interested in it. All righty. Okay, so I think I think we're done here. And I made you, it to the end. That's you, you made it shocking. to the end, I know. You sound pretty energetic, too. So it is almost 5 a.m. where Cal Watt is. It's almost 2 a.m. here. Oh, my God. Tomorrow's going to be awful. And we'll we'll be back in another six days. Again, we just made this show by you know, Thursday just to give a little more time between shows. So if you like shows that uh, come soon after other shows, if you don't like waiting a full week, you're in luck again because uh, probably the next show will be on Wednesday the 17th. And hopefully we'll start a little bit earlier and maybe we'll find out about Chris Ferguson's robe. You never know. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Calwatt, for being part of the show. Thank you, Trader Ruski, for uh, the time you're here. This sounds kind of loud here, show. Let me turn this down. It's very loud. Very loud. Okay. Anyway, should be around 8-something when we come back. 
p.m. Pacific Time on January 17th. Oh, I want, I want to mention one more thing. One second here. Las Vegas had a record that was finally broken. Or ended, not broken, but ended. 118 straight days without a drop of rain falling. Which was a record for Las Vegas. Finally ended uh, this past week when they got some rain. In fact, it got a lot of rain to where uh, some flooding occurred. Uh, This is the same system that also caused the problems in California near Santa Barbara. You might have read about uh, 17 people dying in mudslides. And that was uh, because there were those recent fires and then that burnt away vegetation, which allowed the mudslides to to occur. Uh, I think we lost Calawat. No, we got enough out of him. He didn't want to hear about the mudslides, I guess. He, he said, this is it. He, he, was, he was probably so happy we were done, and then I started talking about mudslides, and he gave up. He just hung up. He just left. <laughs> he sounded so energetic, too. So, okay. The 118-day stretch was the longest Las Vegas ever had without a drop of rain. And I mean, no rain at all fell for 118 straight days. However, I'm not that impressed how, because Los Angeles... Has that frequently. Los Angeles gets more rain than Las Vegas by a wide margin, but Los Angeles has a longer dry season because Las Vegas is known to get showers during the summer. In fact, there's been some pretty strong showers that have come down during the World Series. One strong enough to punch through the roof of the Rio where water actually came down at the table right next to mine at a World Series event. But Los Angeles rarely gets this. Los Angeles typically will have not a drop of rain in May, June, July, and August. Typically, those four months do not have any rain at all. They'll go through all four of those without a drop falling. Sometimes, yes, a little bit of rain will come, but many years, those four months will get 0.0 rain. Absolutely zero rain. So it's not that exciting. Oh, 118 days straight, no rain. That sounds like a lot, but in L.A. it happens all the time. What is unusual in L.A. is something like six months of no rain. But it can still happen because April, some rain comes down, but it's not uh, a super rainy month. Same with October. They're kind of comparable of how much rain comes. So you take those, and in September... That's also a fairly dry month. Sometimes rain, especially towards the end of the month. But uh, sometimes we go through the whole September, no rain. So it's not that uncommon to have May, June, July, August, September, all with no rain. So you just need one more month, like the end of April, beginning of October, you've got six months right there. So there have been periods of six months in L.A. with not a drop of rain. And a what I believe is a record just occurred and, and just ended as well in L.A. with uh, 0.68 inches in 10 months from March 1st through January 1st. In fact, uh, almost 10 and a half months since March 1st until the most recent storm a few days ago. There was uh, 0.68 inches total of rain in those 10 point something months, which has never happened before. So... Uh, Las Vegas' 118 days is very unimpressive to me, who has spent most of his life 
in Los Angeles, but some in Las Vegas. So that's a weather factoid for you. Thank you to sponsor Eric Benzamokin. Contact him for any of your poker-related or gambling-related legal needs. Could be arbitration, mediation. If a poker site screwed you, send him an email. And thank you to the free roll donors who continue to donate money so we can give away real cash in our free rolls without me opening up the Jew wallet to give anything of my own. It's always nice to give other people's money away. This show has not been as long as some others. We have had some six-hour shows, seven-hour shows, eight-hour shows, but I still gave you a solid almost five hours. That's pretty good, right? Especially with only six days since the last one. As always, you can find this show in iTunes, in Stitcher, in Google Play. You can download the MP3 directly off our server. You can use the TuneIn app. All of these are ways you can listen to the show after we've been on. So that is all for tonight. I'm happy to have you as a listener in the year 2018. As we continue doing what we are doing for the foreseeable future. Good night, everybody. And Shalom.